Hello. Hi. Really, Eddie? You can do Bob's software. No. Why? Fuck it, innit? You know, I should, I should come round that table, Eddie, and just slap you. Uh, no. Which we can do. I can we actually can do, do now. We can do that. We're in physical progress. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the first um, uh, fun-filtered podcast in which we're actually back recording in person. Yes, it's been... After, like, nine episodes. Yeah. I think it's nine episodes. Yeah, like three months or something. Yeah, eight, nine episodes. Yeah, so should we be more on our game or less on our game? <laughs> that is the question, yeah. isn't it? I guess more. I suppose more. Well, that, that was sort of the um, little behind-the-scenes thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the advantage of us recording in separate locations is there was no audio bleed. Right. So it was a lot easier to get rid of, like, you know, awkward long pauses and, you know, move a yeah. couple of things around just to make it sound a bit more natural. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I'm kind of stuck with what we've got. Yes, but, you know, the, I like it. the thing with uh, recording over Skype is, as technically superior, mm. there's something about recording... For hours with when people aren't there. Yeah, you hated it, didn't you? I hated it. Yeah, you I really hated it. hated it. It's just like it's just not fun. Yeah, doing it. I, I have spent so much time over the last three months skyping, not just like for the podcast, yeah, but yeah, yeah in people in general. Yeah, I, I genuinely kind of don't ever want to Skype again. <laughs> There's something just really, I don't know. It's like it's like sitting in a a room that's perfect room temperature for too long. <laughs> I, can't, I can't explain it's like that. being too comfortable you know it's just it's oh, yeah too, being too comfortable is not right yeah it's just too eh. it's it's not bad it's not good it's just kind of I don't know mm. I don't like the distance of it mm. and also it opens up the possibility of you know because of lag you interrupt each other and all that sort of thing yes yeah exactly yeah. Uh, so yeah yay <laughs> we're back so are we gonna jump straight into um, yeah. something yeah yeah, well, I, I, I just want to caveat... Or are we just going to ramble a little bit first? I just want to caveat... Yeah, we'll ramble, but I want to caveat the whole episode by saying, I suspect this is going to be a controversial episode. Okay. <laughs> I've just got a feeling this is going to be our most controversial episode. Because of what we have to say. Yeah, not because we're going to be extreme, or mm. because we're going to be gratuitously offensive, yeah. but because we're going to talk about sensitive issues. Yes. Let's, put, let's say that. Okay. So yeah, just just a fair warning. We've come out of the pot. We've come out of the lockdown edgy. We grew up. <laughs> we grew up. Yeah. We don't talk about. I did not grow up in the last three months. <laughs> we don't talk about breakfast configurations anymore. We talk about <laughs> dot dot dot. Um, okay, so let's just talk about some of our floaters then. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> Have you noticed they start capitalizing? We've grown up, have we? <laughs> I didn't even think that, you see. Oh, oh, I didn't right, even okay. think that. I, when I think of flowers, I think of eyes. You this is the internet. Poop. This is the internet. People will be thinking of poop. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, have you noticed they've started capitalising black? Let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are straight into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the idea um, that, obviously, black people, like, that's what you mean. Not just, like, the word black. Black as yeah, it pertains to individuals. As it pertains to race, yes. Yes, as it pertains to race. Yeah. Uh, yeah, is the thinking behind this, like... This is just a thing you have to do now to show your kind of... Your woke credentials. I suppose, yeah. Well, I just started seeing it in a couple of articles. And I Firstly, thought, I should probably ask, is this a thing we were supposed to be doing all along? No. No, this, this is new. This is new. This is a like, conscious change. Because if you're um, talking about somebody's nationality, you typically capitalise that, don't yes, you? Yes, but not their skin colour. Not their skin colour. Not their ethnicity. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, white, black... You know, those are Asian. capitalized. Asian is capitalized because that refers to a continent. I see. Okay. Um, you know, to, to a certain degree, it's arbitrary, but we've never capitalized black. Okay. Which is something you don't do. Okay. Um, but I saw it pop up in a couple of articles. Yeah. 
And is this just a fluke thing? Like, because of the times in which we live, some publications have decided to capitalize mm-hmm. the B. But it seems fairly ubiquitous now. Okay. Uh, and so I, there's this article at the, uh, the Columbia Journalism Review, quote-unquote. At the Columbia Journalism Review, we capitalize black and not white when referring to groups in racial, ethnical, cultural terms. For many people, black reflects a shared sense of identity and community. White carries a different set of meanings. Capitalizing the word in this context risks the following the lead of white supremacists. So right. we're not going to capitalize white. Okay, because then the racists will get a hard-on. Yes. Okay. We're going to capitalize black. Okay, because black people will get a hard-on. I guess. But given what racists do and are, surely they get a hard-on from capitalizing black. It's fuel for their fire, right? How? Fucking capitalizing black and not white. Oh, I see. It's a different yeah, kind yeah. of hard-on. Okay, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a rage-on. Mm. <laughs> a rage. Yeah. Um, angry angry, angry sex is great, so fair enough. Oh, they're not having sex. Otherwise, <laughs> you can get angry hard-ons, though, right? Can you? Yeah, I think you can. I don't think I've ever been really angry and, and become too massant as a result. No, but it's possible, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it will, yeah, be, yeah. It will be possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying is, to think. Is it possible as the sole motivating element, though? Or do you have to, be, do you have to also yeah, be it, around? Is it, is it just the case of, like, if I'm aroused, but coincidentally I'm angry, the anger won't yeah, stop me Yeah, that becomes getting... angry sex. Yeah. Whereas, mm. or angry masturbation. I was going to say, uh, yeah, if it, because obviously, uh, like, wanking calms you down. Generally, so well, generally it depresses speaking, you. <laughs> no, but like generally speaking, it, like because you release stuff, so it calms, yeah. you, it calms you down. <laughs> sure, um, it's like cutting it, yourself. <laughs> um, but I'm, I can't think of a situation where I've had like an angry wank and then gone <laughs> and then be like, but like gone. Oh, this will calm me down. I don't think I've ever had an angry wank. I've had, <laughs> I've had wanks where I've been angry that I'm doing it, not out of shame, but out of like, oh, must I? Yeah, and sort of done yeah. that. But yeah, never like I'm angry. Right? If, if, I'm if do you're this sat there thinking, "Must I?" No, you don't. You just stop. But you, but you don't. You don't. If, if it's I, there, I mean, you're not going <laughs> to stop. You just yeah. don't. You yeah. just don't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, back to racism. Back to racism. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like trust it's, me to take it to. <laughs> it's just a members only card, isn't it? Okay. It's 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 like the smoking gun of your racism. Yeah. If you're not instantly following this trend, adopting this capitalization system. Hmm it's a clear sign of your racism. That's what it's for, right? That's what all language games are for. If you're not doing it, then you're yeah. out, out the camp sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, so that's just kind of a prelude <laughs> to some of the stuff we're going to be talking about. Okay. Rather than going through like the rigmarole of unpacking the nuance of an argument. So yeah, chuck it in the racist, pal. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, like script readers who say if there's a, a spelling error on the first page of a script... Yeah, you don't. Like, you just chuck it. it. It's that that is like the rule of thumb though, isn't it? In the industry. Yeah, yeah. which is... Not I mean, accept. Well, that's kind of acceptable. here's the thing. That's that's the deal with the sheer quantity of scripts that you get. Yeah, because we don't. Yeah. We literally don't have the time or the resources to go through everything. Mm. So we need to come up with an arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, we need to come up with like a like a rule that is easy to follow and easy to discern. Yeah, would it, is it a similar thing with like oh we don't have time to deal with all the racism? Like no, you do. Well, I think in in the case of scripts, I think it's. For expediency, it's yes. Yeah, it's just the deal with the sheer volume of yeah, um, you know, entries. It's arbitrary because yeah, you could have a masterpiece that just unfortunately happens to have a spelling. I, I'd error. be intended to do it intentionally because I know that, like, just purposely, like, but what first, sabotage your own chance? No, no, but just like <laughs> first send send it to every competition going, and right. then just the first sentence, like, there's just one spelling. It's the only spelling error in the entire script. I don't know who wins in that situation, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, what do you prove? You certainly don't. 
just spell the title. I can understand, I spell like, the title of the script wrong. Isn't the story with like Goodwill Hunting that mm-hmm. they were sending it to all these different uh, studios and whatnot? Yeah, and they were com- the studios were coming back saying, "Yeah, it's a really good script, but we just don't have the. Yeah. we don't want to make it." Yes. So they like halfway through the script, they just wrote like a gay hardcore gay sex scene to see if they were reading to see it. if they were actually reading it. Yeah. And the the answers never changed. It was like, yeah, it's a good script. It's like, right, they're clearly not reading our script. Yeah. But that's like the general, especially for established... I can understand you doing that. Like halfway through, you do something really like out there and fucked up. And people are just like, oh yeah, it's really good. Sam, I've got a new idea for my script. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think especially with established writers, uh, the, the general response is, we loved your script. Here's why we can't make it. Yeah. Or we're not going to make it. Yeah. You know. But yeah, no, this, it's just a, in, in this case, it's not for expediency. It's more, it, it is for ease in a way, but an ideological ease. Okay. It's like, oh, we don't have to individually talk to every individual person yeah. and get to the root of their argument or their belief. Mm. It's like, right, did they capitalize the B? Yeah. Right, okay. Well, one of our discussions that we're going to be talking about later, because yeah. it is a bigger discussion, so we need to, we're not going to open with it. No. We're going to ease you in. Yes. <laughs> before, before all that. But that's, but that's just lack of nuance, isn't it? Yeah. The the thing that we're going to talk about later. Yeah. Like, it's okay, we could sit down and we you could... reeling them in with this. <laughs> <laughs> we could look at the nuances and we could, like, look at the situation with, like, uh, shades of grey. Yeah. But, oh, we could just, like... L- oh, does it fit this one, like, criteria? We could be black and white about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does it require any context? Does it fit this criteria? Right. It's evil. Get rid of it. Right. You know, you know I felt the capitalised B as you said that. Yeah, not the W, though. No, not the W. No. Not the W, because that's racist. Yeah, exactly. That's racist. Yeah. <laughs> and we're so, yeah, not. there's a bit of foreplay to the <laughs> give us a Give us a lighter floater. Sam. I will, but I just want to say, before I, before I provide a light floater, that... <laughs> Purell, that's what we do here. We say it's the sacred and the profane. Sacred and the profane, yeah. yeah. The sublime and the... Yeah. yeah. You just know our laugh. That's the problem. <laughs> um, we... We ha- it's not been a massive debate, but like on the last episode, we talked about Black Lives Matter. Yes. Um, and all of that stuff. And there's been a bit of an internal thing of, should we be talking about that? Hmm. And I think yes, because yeah, we are a film and television podcast primarily, but we're a culture podcast. Right? Yes. This is culture. This isn't politics. Hmm. I don't want to talk about politics on this podcast. No. That's just I'll saying. Say, I mean, we do. Not really. No, but we have done. Not politics. We talk about we've talked about social. I issues. think I think when politics coincides with culture, I think it's that that's when it's fair to talk about it. Didn't we discuss yes. Boris Johnson and Donald Trump last year? Well, but Donald, Donald context, Trump is right? culture, isn't he? But that, uh, to be fair, yeah. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, and they were like having a conversation. They were talking about Donald Trump. I didn't quite know where the, the conversation was going, and I just turned around and went, "Yeah, funny Twitter though." <laughs> Shut him up completely. Well, that's increasingly politics is culture, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. There should be a distinction, but yeah. um, anyway, one of my photos is a, a small film recommendation. Okay. It's not a small film. The recommendation is small. Okay. Um, it's called Days of the Bagnold Summer. I don't know if you've heard of this. Of the Bagnold. Bagnold Summer. Bagnold. Bagnold. What's it's it's what's a surname. Who's a, a Bagnold? Okay. Simon Bird. Wrote and directed. It's the Simon it. it's Simon yes. Bird film. Okay, I've heard of the film. Yeah, it's basically about a, a mother and a son. He's like a, got a heavy metal goth moody teenager. Um, Wait, Simon Bird is. No, no, he, he's the writer, and then it's. <laughs> I was, was going to uh, say yeah, if yeah, he's yeah. playing a goth, <laughs> yeah, Simon he's, Bird is no goth. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that that just puts the in between us to like one side, like yeah. What's that? What do Jews call other Jews? Like, Goyim is non-Jews, right? Yeah. What are the? Is it Gentile? No, it's Jews and Gentiles. I don't know. 
I was trying to do a thing. He's not a golf. He's a but I, we won't go there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a mother and a son and their relationship. Crucially, not because you don't want to, just because you can't remember. I can't remember. It. I can't remember. <laughs> Fill in the joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm presenting you with a blank space. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know our audience. You're letting them fill in the it's joke. It's interactive. <laughs> we're, we're, we're turning fun filtered into an interactive experience. Exactly. Finish the jokes for us. Yeah, I mean, you, know? you could you might occasionally comment racist on the video. as you want. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's about a mother and a son and there nothing really happens in it. It's kind of a... <laughs> Go watch it. Nothing <laughs> happens. No, but like you know, a lot of there's lots of films and nothing really happens. I, say, I feel like that was the criticism I read of the film, though. Yeah, but it's not. Me- it's not. It's meant to be a mood kind of piece more than yeah. anything else. Okay. Um, it does have a direction, you know, and it has character arcs, but mm. it's not about a mother and son going on a road trip. It's just about a mother and a son, really. Yeah. It's got a really great soundtrack. It's Bell and Sebastian. Okay. Writing songs for it. It's really good. Um, it's got like a bit of an American indie spirit to it. Okay. It's kind of Wes Anderson light when he's doing more of the Rushmore side of things than the Budapest Hotel okay. side of things. Right. Plinky fair. Yeah, yeah. Plinky plonky stuff. It's kind of a lesser submarine. So okay. it's that vibe, it's not as good as that. And it's not no, as... Okay. I do like submarine. It's re- yeah, submarine's great. And it's, it's not as autoristic, autorial as submarine. Okay. But it's breezy. And it's good company. And I think it's a nice film to watch now. Right. Okay. Um... So basically, it's like this relationship, and obviously the son is just rude to the mother constantly. The great thing is she never takes it to heart. She always takes it on the chin because he's a moody kid. Mm. But the way he behaves with her, if she didn't take it on the chin, it would be deeply unpleasant to watch. Okay. Because just, he's just like abusing his <laughs> mum, basically. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. But it's, you know, it's not a masterpiece. But okay. it's a nice, easy, easy watch. Okay. Yeah. Eddie, you've read a book, haven't you? I have. I have read a book for the first time full stop <laughs> no um it's been a while yeah. like I, I was reading plays earlier in the year mm-hmm. uh because my attention span is not great when it comes to reading a book right um, did you read the hungry caterpillar is that what you read <laughs> uh, no oh, I read, classic that's fucking classic i mean it is don't 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 <laughs> don't, 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 don't I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying it's a fucking classic yeah might buy that one. That, that bit. Might buy that when I get paid. That next. bit where he turns into a butterfly it gets me every time. <laughs> it broke my heart. Yeah. Where's um, the film coming out? <laughs> um, that's what we should make. <laughs> we should make the hungry caterpillar. Turn it into a three-hour epic. Just <laughs> the caterpillar gradually trying to get out of its, you know. Uh, who's getting on the cast for that? Cocoons. Um, I feel it'd have to be animated, mm. unless we're going. Yeah, the, we need a good voice. No, no, unless no, we're going the way of the Slavine. <laughs> no, you go the way of cats. Oh, okay. Yeah, you do. You do like it's staling that, it. Yeah, exactly. I'll call James Corden. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the hungry, he's also going to be hungry. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Matt, yeah, you Matt. need to believe that, like, when they once he becomes the butterfly, he's no longer hungry. You wouldn't believe no. that with James Corden. Well, Matthew Horn could play the butterfly. Force <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, James Corden to confront like his past. <laughs> oh, so, what is this tome? Um, Right, so I, I, I've read a book which yes. is called uh, All My Colours. Right. It's by mm. a guy called... Um, <laughs> uh, it's about a, it's by a guy called David, I think it's Quantic, Quantic. Right. I don't quite know. He's written for like Veep and stuff like that. Oh, right. Quantic. Uh, Quantic. Yeah. And it's about a guy who uh, writes a book which is also called All My Colours. Right. Um, is there a you in colours? No, it's American. Uh, Disgusting. <laughs> Um, I did. Say, I, I did say. I don't think. Like, I don't think you'd like it. Why wouldn't I like it? Because uh, at times it's trying to be too smart for its own good. I think. Okay. 
I'm getting a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't mean that like, no, but I don't it's think it's smart art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you don't yeah. like smart art. No, no, yeah, it's smart art at times. Well, I'm getting, um, just based on what you said, that like the guy's writing a book of book that is being read. Mm. Yeah, which is a which is a book. He So he has like an eidetic memory. Okay. Right? And it is a book that he can remember that no one has apparently heard of. So he's read a oh, book. Oh, so it's kind of so, like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place meets Yesterday. Where it's sort of like, okay. you, you've got the typical premise of like, Somebody like goes back in time, or somebody has like, oh, I, I have you heard of the Beatles? What are the High Beatles? concept, yeah, yeah. But you've also got the Garth Marenghi thing, where it's like, um, we're watching the author show. is commenting on their work. Yeah, it's a show within the show, and the show within the show is the name of the actual show. You're well, watching. that's my question: Is the book you're reading that you're holding a reading the book that he's written? Well, this thing, so they bleed into each other at times, right? Yeah, okay, um, but not directly, no. Okay. Um, but yeah, they also they like so there are things that he he describes like a scene, and then you'll you'll hear a bit from the book, and it will be like right. the same kind of thing, okay. or something will happen to him in his life. It's kind of half um, and half, is it? Yeah. Okay. So it's sort of yeah, it flips between the two, um, but it becomes a thing of like the book. It becomes like a number one bestseller on the New York Times kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, and he's doing this like book tour, and then as he sort of like gets on the book tour, he's like reading excerpts from the book in a library. And the book that he has taken this from is in that library. I see. Right. Um, and it becomes a thing. And then towards the end, there's like a scene where there's like a hundred people who have written the exact same book. And it sort of comments on like writing the same thing. Commenting on appropriating tropes from another author's work. That um, kind of thing. Nothing's original anymore. Yeah, okay. that kind of thing. Okay. okay. All right. Um, yeah. It's, that's, uh, seems like a lot of effort for a fairly basic lesson. Yeah. That, I was saying, like it, it is in, like certainly the first... Because it's split, so it's like split into two parts. It's eight scenes, it's split into like two parts. Right. Um, the first part, I was like really quite engaged and quite mm-hmm. interested as to where the story was going to go. I'd sort of like made certain thoughts up in my head. Mm-hmm. Less was interested in the second part yeah. and the resolution of it. Okay. Um, it didn't win you back over with the resolution? Not completely. Okay. But there is a line, which I, the, the reason I say I hate it is purely for this line. Go on. I'm a lover, not a writer. I need the context, I think. <laughs> Is is the character context is important, Eddie? <laughs> As we'll get to. Yes. Uh, is the character a wanker? Yes. Uh, considered by other characters a wanker, or yes. you think he's okay? I'm a lover. Not, so, in what context does he? Say I, it's this? to do with uh, it's to do with uh, like a relationship and stuff like that. And he's just like because he obviously he's never like he write. This is like the first book he writes, kind right. of thing. Right. And then he talks about how, like he shreds most of his like old burns most of his old work, mm. and then he's like, oh, I'm a lover, not a writer. I see. Okay. Okay. And it it just comes across as like really wanky. Um, <laughs> okay. Is it treated wankily or is it treated as a serious moment? I think for him it's a serious moment. Did, did okay. it feel like? Did it feel like one of those moments where like, oh, that's the author. That's not the character. That's the author. Yeah, it came up with that line and wanted to get it in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, that, well, you, no, no. Maybe is that, not, is that maybe something not, in general? Like, does the book feel like a self-insert? N- no, not necessarily. I would say maybe not necessarily. It's the author thing. It's the author thinks that of this character. This character would be the kind of guy that says, Right, okay. I'm okay. a lover, not okay. a writer. So it's not like the author has written himself into the story. Yeah, there's a critical uh, distance between the writer and the character. I mean, I'm assuming he's probably in there somewhere. Okay. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, that's every, the case with any writer. Any yeah. writer yeah. You need to be careful when it's like, oh, that's clearly you, you know? Yes. I think every... It's hard not to do that, I think. I can't think... Yeah, I genuinely can't so, think yeah, you, of, You've been like, reading my... Uh, my script over the last couple of months. <laughs> yeah, about a sexual deviant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. can't think of like a, like a high-profile book or 
script. Off the top of my head, I'm sure they exist, but where, like, the author and the character are just completely disconnected. Harry Potter. Well, I was thinking that. This thing, like, in their demographics... But obviously, you can't write a sympathetic character if you don't identify with some of their qualities. Mm. So, like, inevitably, if you're writing your main character, you're always going to put yourself into it because it's what you value. Either they don't value it, so it's like in, it's there to oppose your own mm. value. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's always kind of a, a a relationship between author and a mm. character. You know, I mean, going off the J.K. Rowling thing, there mm. is no one trans in the Harry Potter universe. No, well, wait. <laughs> She retcon, well, not retcon. She just clarifies, doesn't she? Like, oh, by the way, yeah, they're Dumbledore all gay now, gay. right? Well, Dumbledore is. I don't know who else. is. What's his? What's Dumbledore's mate called? Uh, Grindelwald. Yeah, he's gay, isn't he? Yeah, they were a couple. They were a couple. They were a couple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's how we uh, link Fantastic Beasts with the modern. Oh, I see. Okay. Bollocks. But she's in trouble at the moment. Don't she is in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but I think just as as far as I understand, she's just said that women are women, right? Yes. And she, she's not, she's, she's not she, against trans. It's, well, it didn't start out the way. It feels like she's kind of gone down the rabbit hole a right. bit. Well, um, she's been forced to, I think, hasn't she? But she she's she was holding on to the ownership of being a woman based on, yeah. like, abuse, a domestic abuse experience. Right. Yeah, like, we shouldn't easily call trans women women because women go through unique problems that trans women don't face. Mm. They have their own problems. Yeah. But women have different problems. Yeah, and it's like a part of like I think a part of it came with the domestic abuse was holding on to the fact that she was a woman was yeah. kind of like an important thing to her. Right. So that's where do we right. stand on this, lads, or are we going to remain mum? <laughs> um, do we agree with her that she's got a point? That, does, okay, we won't go into it, but does she have a point? That's the question. But women are women because women have fundamentally different experiences from tra- than trans women. Yeah, I think there's truth in that. Okay, Eddie. Yeah. Cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so you here. disagree no is this is agreeing good or bad with what that statement the women are women oh, well we've just been cancelled me and you okay <laughs> but Sam hasn't been cancelled I'm in the clear I've never so, said so, this so this podcast can still go because uh, yes. we have, we've got a non-cancelled entity yes Sam said the Edward seven times before we started <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but crucially no one heard it no one heard it yeah exactly right you didn't record it no <laughs> Take me down with you. Um, yeah, no, obviously she's got a point. Yeah, uh, George, you want to talk about a film? I've talked. Yes, I'm talking about a film. We've all seemed to have done things independently of everyone else. Yes, haven't we? Um, <laughs> like humans. Like humans. <laughs> yes. It's because we haven't seen each other. Yeah, we've all yeah. been stuck in isolation. No, I saw a film. It was. It's a very typical. It's one of your typical like films that you see on Netflix, where it's one of those films that Netflix have put on Netflix just so they can go. Oh, look, we've got films. Right. So it's it's just one of those typical like, you know, action suspense uh middle of the road middle of the road thrillers where it's like this family is like on holiday or living in this isolated location, these bad guys show up, kidnap and hold most of the family hostage, and you've got one remaining family member who has to like rise up and be the John McClane and like save their family from the bad guys. Yeah. It's that. It's that film that you've seen on Netflix a hundred times before. So shit. Except in this case, the protagonist yeah, well, here's the thing. I, I watched it because of the cast. Now, you tell me that you wouldn't want to watch this film based on the cast, right? Okay. Okay, so the main character... It's, I, this is serious. This, I'm not joking. Okay. I am not joking. Nor is the film, importantly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. This is yeah. an ironic cast. Yeah, yeah, this isn't yeah. played for laughs. This isn't like, you know, 
Um, oh, wouldn't it be funny if this was the case? No, 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 this is genuinely, yeah. like, this is real. So the main character, i.e. our action hero, is Lulu Wilson, who you may remember as young Shirley from Haunting of Hill House. I haven't seen it. Well, what, why not, Eddie? <laughs> For God's sake. Why the it's fuck two not? two years old at this point. It's on the list. Okay. Well, right. put it up the list to the top of... You know, fuck, you know, stop it. No, no, Go no, away. Right, right, Go no, watch no, it. George, George. Get on this podcast. George, right, George. I would, but we do a podcast, so every week well, I get a new it. fucking show Go to away. watch. We've done an episode <laughs> without you. We can manage. I gotta say, have you seen The Sopranos? Yeah. Well, some of it. Some of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Which okay. is, I, just, I only started watching because of you. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But where on your list is... Do you rank them in order of um, importance? Or is it just like... It's when it gets added. It's chronological. Yeah, it's, it's okay. chronological unless you go... You have to watch For this. the podcast. Okay. Oh, for the podcast. Okay. That's right. the only reason stuff has been bumped up the list. Okay. This is interesting. So if I ever just really want you to watch something in the future, I'll just insist we have to talk about it on the podcast. Basically. Well, fuck okay. it. Next week's going to be a Haunting Hill House special. <laughs> Eddie, watch it. For some reason. For some reason. It's not yeah. Halloween. It's no. been two years since I came out. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, no, and okay. So I don't... Have you seen Doctor Sleep? No. Yeah, yeah I don't think you would have seen her. Okay, all right. She's in that, right? Yes. Or are you assuming that because Mike Flanagan... Yeah, I know the other young girl is in it, so I wasn't sure if she was. Yeah, Nell's in it. Yeah. Young Nell. I, think oh, it's I don't know. Okay, okay, carry on. Anyway, Lulu Wilson's in it, who looks exactly like Mackenzie Davis. She does. I don't know whether that was deliberate. Or whether <laughs> Why would it be deliberate? I don't know, but it's so uncanny. Yeah. Uh, but she looks exactly like Mackenzie Davis in the film. Her father, Lulu Wilson's father, uh, is played by Joel McHale of yeah. community fame. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's done many other things. And the villain... The main villain of the film... Please tell me it's not who I've just seen on the cast. ...is Kevin James. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin James... I swear to God, if you tell me this film's good... Kevin James, right, is playing a Nazi. The Pratt Falls. (laughs) (laughs) A neo-Nazi. A neo-Fatsy, if you will. (laughs) A A slapstick skinhead. (laughs) (laughs) Except without the slapstick. Except without the slapstick. It's bizarre fucking bizarre casting yeah I saw a trailer at your recommendation yeah well here's the thing like yeah I saw the cast and I was like right I have to watch this film now and I did yeah. and it's absolutely not worth anybody's attention right watch the trailer if you want uh, the trailer basically tells you the entire film you get a good vibe of the tone of the film because it's a very very slow very like I want to say boring Plodding. Plodding, yeah. Plodding's probably a better word. There's a lot of, like, whenever they cut to a new scene, there's always, like, shots of just, like, the scenery. Right. So, that, which, in that sense, it kind of feels like it's just padding out the runtime a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Kevin James playing a Nazi sounds like a brilliant, like, you know... I suspect that he said to his agent, or the agent said to him, right, it's time for you to try a serious role. Yeah. And get taken seriously by the industry. Yeah. And, you know, villains are loved by the Academy. His, his um, YouTube channel's not that bad. Okay. I haven't seen it. No. Okay. Is it a comedy channel? Ish. Okay. But, like, he's got, like, one skit he does, which does fairly well. Okay. Okay. Which is um, him playing a, a um, like, sound guy. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, his agent probably said, the Academy loves villains. Yeah. They love, like, you know... Uh, fascist villains and that sort of thing. Yeah. If Adam Sandler can do uncut gems, you can do something else. Well, is that like, what it is? Because, like, yeah, I can't partly. imagine that Kevin James is is in need of money, given no. that he's, like, an Adam Sandler resident. Yeah, he's basically. on the tet. The yeah. Sandler tet. Yeah. Yes, but the thing with Adam Sandler is, Adam Sandler has a creepy quality to him that sometimes is channeled well by directors. Yes. 
Kevin James he, he, doesn't. Yeah, he can pull wit off weirdo. Yeah, that's oh god, yeah. He looks kind of sleazy and scummy. And yeah, yeah. Upright. Whereas Kevin James is just a fat dude. Yes, and he he's, he hasn't displayed any dramatic muscle. No, in he, anything I've ever seen, or any muscle at all, or any muscle he's um, never flexed in his life. Well, that's the thing. Like, I imagine. I mean, they probably like this film. It, it sounds and looks like a student film. Right. That they've inexplicably managed to get three big names in. Or like, like an up-and-comer and two big names. All those sorts of scenery suggest they were going for cinematic. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and it just has that look and the dialogue just sounds student-y. Right. Um, like, oh, this is the bit where the villain is doing the dramatic monologue. Right. Kevin James goes in to the house and he sees their dog and he says, your dog is, is a German breed, but it's not purebred. Yes. He starts talking about, like, purity. I saw in the trailer they show a bit of that. I was like, yeah. okay, they're doing that thing. The, yeah. He's kind of a calm, menacing... That's the thing. Like, Kevin James playing a villain basically translates to Kevin James just sort of speaking normally yeah. for basically most of the film. It's that sort of tone where it's like, I'm being polite and personable, but it's actually very threatening. Yeah, it's But like it's not threatening. Less is more is the yeah. idea, but it, it's not... Yeah, it's not threatening. And I wonder if, like, the idea was... Because Kevin James is a, is a big lad. Yeah. Um, I wonder whether the idea was just like his physique mm. would be menacing enough for him to pull off like a villain. If you shave his head, yeah, that yeah. like brawn. Oh yeah, because they've shaved his head and they've given yeah. him like a big uh, mountain man, mountain man beard. beard. Yeah, and a swastika tattoo on his a head. massive swastika yeah. tattoo on the back of his head. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've been looking at the cast. I genuinely think Lulu Wilson's the only one I've not seen in something. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't recognise the other ones. Are, they, are there uh, other people? So in there that are Robert Mali Mayet. Oh yeah. Uh, he was in Sherlock Holmes. Is he, is he with the big tall guy? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that's the thing. I just made the point about, like, oh, they'd probably pick Kevin James because he's intimidating. Yeah. But his number one is this fucking massive muscular dude that's, like, twice his height. That's the rule. So Kevin that. James, the, 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 the threatening villain, the threatening, like, main bad guy, just looks like this, like, dwarfy little guy next but that's, to him. that's the rule, isn't it? Like, every, the Hans Gruber needs a call. And the, the idea being that the main villain is more threat. They're going to lose, in the Steam Seagal film, he's going to have the fight with the, ma- the the massive guy yes and then have a final altercation with the main guy but he'll just end up shooting him or something yes right? yeah. that's it's that trope yeah I guess the idea being that the main villain's more menacing because he has that person at his back and call and is cerebral mm. and speaks very you know yeah. speaks well but it's Kevin James yes who can't pull off cerebral no he can't no. <laughs> he <laughs> spherical do you know <laughs> <laughs> seeing as I'm, I'm looking it up do yes. you know about the casting history I of, don't of this no. film no so Kevin James was the replacement for Simon Pegg. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Interesting. Simon so Pegg is a Nazi. They're going in a similar direction. So they were trying to cast a comedic actor. Yes. A broadly comic actor. Yeah. Simon Pegg now is he's in a weird place in terms of the films he does. Yeah, what is Simon Pegg now? He just turns up in indies. Because he's doing he's contracted for Mission Impossible. Yeah. But outside of that. Well, he's just done he's, the. Um, he just pops up in weird little rom coms and. What's the thrillers? Film, film that's just come out. Oh, uh, he plays schizophrenic. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But yeah, he does films like that with not big Hollywood films or studio movies. Like he reads scripts and goes, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah. But they always end up to be quite stinky. They yes. never. They're never good. He's, Terminal, he's, he's done some right real bad films. Is that when we plays an assassin? Lost Transmissions is the new. Lost, Lost Transmissions. Transmissions. No, no, no. Terminal's the one that Margot Robbie. I think she started a production company, and that was the first one. Okay. Yeah. He plays like a like a teacher. A like, teacher. Yeah. I think. That, well, I think that's the reveal that he played a teacher that molested Margot Robbie when she was younger. Okay. But he right. doesn't remember. There's a film that came out a couple of years ago where he played a hitman. I think. Okay. So he's tr- he's trying to do more. Yeah. Complex, villainous yeah. sorts of roles. 
Why did Simon Pegg drop out? Uh, scheduling. A scheduling. Because I'd be fairly interested to see that. Yeah. Because I think Simon Pegg is a good actor. I think, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Have you watched, I don't know if it's actually out to... It says in, in America, the, the film Inheritance. I'm not sure. That's was. that's Simon Pegg. Right. And Lily Collins. That okay. came out this year. Yes. Yeah. That's a, a sort of American thriller. Yeah, little things like that. Yeah. yeah. They never make much money. Slaughterhouse Rules. Oh, yeah, yeah don't bother. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of... Oh, he's in, that, he's that in Ready Player One, isn't he? It yes, can't be yeah, good yeah. for your self-esteem, though, can it? If it's like, we can't get Simon Pegg, or who's next on the on the list? <laughs> Kevin James. James. How does Simon Pegg feel? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy they picked me first. Yeah. Who's the next choice? Like if yeah. it had been we Nick, probably saw the film was like a fast fuck I didn't yeah. do it if yeah. it had been Nick Frost and then that had been replaced <laughs> I might have understood a do little more do not, that would work that would because Nick Nick Frost with a sh- he's he in a couple of films yeah 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 Absolutely, is it yeah. the wrestling movie yeah fight, fighting with my family yeah 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 he and he looks quite menacing when he mm. like that yes uh, that would work mm. and he's a, an okay actor I was gonna say I think we're disconnected enough from funny Nick Frost. Yes. That it's not like Kevin James, where it's just like, but you're King of Queens, man. You're yes. Adam Sandler, man. Right. You can't, like, torture Joe McHale. Has he ever done anything dramatic? I don't... I, I'm going to say no. No, I mean... He's never Bloss, done any fu- anything funny in Paul fairness. Paul is an existential drama. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Okay. So, not Kevin worth James. a watch. It's not worth a watch. It's... Like I said, it's a student film. It's very boring. Yeah. It gets really gory, like, halfway through. I, I, I think it's one of those films where it's like out of nowhere it just becomes like because obviously the premise is that she has to save her father and her stepmother because the, the, the pl- I should probably mention this film is called Becky yes. I don't think I've actually said the name no, of the film okay. the film's called Becky the story is there's this young girl called Becky played by Lulu Wilson whose mother recently died of cancer mm. Joel McHale plays the father and Joel McHale has moved on and is looking to remarry and Becky fucking hates him because of this I should also point out that Becky is one of, if not the least likable protagonists I think I've seen in a very long time. Because yeah. she's a fucking bitch. She's a stuck-up little bitch. She's a stuck-up okay. little bitch. She's got, like, she's dressed, like, in that sort of, like, punky, teenager-y yeah. kind of Fuck stuff. Fuck you. Yeah. Costume. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, those big, thick, like, Doc Martin boots and, yeah. like, stripy socks. And then she's got, like, a... Oh, Doc Martin. Okay, so they go for, like, 80s-style punk as well. Oh, I think, yeah. There's, okay. there's like, synth music as well in Well, there. that's the thing. You With the violence as well, they, they're clearly going for an 80s B-movie exploitation thrill Yeah, that's probably what thing. they are going for, actually. And I saw the, tra- the trailer. Maybe the, it doesn't bespeak the film, but the trailer... The way it's edited yeah. suggests they're going for an atomic blonde kind of thing with like the, the, those colourful visuals and all that, you know. Well, I mean, those are relegated basically just to the titles. Exactly. They don't, that's not reflected. The film has no colour palette. Right. So it's very dull looking. Is that what they're trying to sell it as, though? Like an 80s. Possibly. Sleazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, she's. Um, Nazis as villains as well. Like yeah. It's a, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Joel McHale um, plays like the father who's like very meek and he just lets Becky walk all over him. Right. Maybe don't pick Joel McHale for that part. You know, no. I mean Kevin James isn't exactly well cast, but Joel McHale is the meek father. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how that. Um, the best you get to him being in something more serious is like a dark comedy. Who now? Joel McHale. No, no, no oh, um, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Okay. What's he done as a dark comedy? Uh, which what's listed as a dark comedy? What's listed as a dark comedy? The dilemma. Yeah, I was thinking that. Okay. That's just a shit comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brown comedy. Uh, grill, grilled, <laughs> no. which is him and Ray Romano. No, <laughs> but other than that, maybe this is um, the next film he's got going is a Sandler film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I was going to say like um, when Todd Phillips made Joker, 
there's like interviews of him saying um, the reason I did Joker is because comedy is dead. Right. We can't we can't sincerely do comedy in this current culture. Is that the idea that like Kevin James is like trying to jump ship? I know he's doing an Adam Sandler film next. Um, but the cast for it is bad because like Ray Romano, you mentioned Ray Romano just now. He recently did what was the film called? Paddleton. Yeah, Paddleton. Right. Yeah. Well, that's like not a funny film. No. No. Um, that's right. That is okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, no, yeah. But I, I wonder if that like comedians are being told maybe you should look into doing serious stuff. But he Ray Romano was in. Um, it was that for Oscars? I don't the Irishman yeah he was in the Irishman yeah, I liked yeah, yeah. him in the Irishman but that was around the time the Paddleton or bef- Paddleton came out before the Irishman I think well Ray Romano was in Vinyl which was, and the pilot was directed by Scorsese and Scorsese tends to pick up actors yes yeah yeah like Stephen Graham from Boardwalk mm-hmm. you know I don't I, I doubt it's like the industry going you might want to expand your horizons before they kill comedy yeah I think it's just a generally understood thing that a comedy actor doing drama has good awards chances right I think that's the thinking but Becky is like you know, we, we're not in the industry. No. But I think, like, if... if it, I certainly felt it, but I feel like if I were to show you two, Becky, you would immediately go, this film is nowhere near, like, big enough. No. Or even good enough to have any Oscar chances. Right. So surely any actor would realise that. Mm. You know? Kevin James. I mean, it, I, I get... No one tries to make a, a wank film, obviously. And, no. But it, it's one of those films that... I don't know, like Sexy Beast, which is incidentally a good film. Mm. But like where the the only award that got nominated for was supporting actor for Ben Kingsley because he, he was doing his Don Logan fucking company villain. Right. Okay. So it's like the film might not get much awards traction, but if you give a good villain performance, okay, that will be extracted. Well, Kevin James doesn't give no. a good villain okay. performance. Well, I'll say just to, I'm going to reel off the cast list for the Sandler film that he's doing after this. I'm going to guess. David I'm- Spade. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Chris Rock. No. Uh, what's his name? Nick. Offerman? No, no, God, no. <laughs> Dare you. Uh, Nick, not Suarez. It's a weird uh, name. Swardson. Swardson. Nick Swardson. Swar- no? Swarsden. Nick something? There's no Nick. No, there's it, is no Nick's, Nick. it is Nick Swardson. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's no Nick in the cast. Chris Rock. Did I say that? Yeah. 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 He, he's, uh, not, he's not in it. He's not in it. No. So Steve, we got one Steve so Steve Buscemi? Yeah, Steve Buscemi's yeah, in it. Yeah, Buscemi's in that. Yeah. Um, who, who is other regular? Who's in Grown Ups? That's Spade, Sandler, Kevin James. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah. And Bashemi's in it as well. And there's one more that's in that film who's in a lot of his films. Who's the, who's oh, the Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. Rob yeah, Schneider. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, so you don't recommend Becky? I don't recommend Becky. Like I said, it gets go. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the only things worth that are, like, are worth mentioning in oh. Becky so you don't have to watch it. Okay. There's one shot in the film which is actually pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Joel McHale is tied up at the bonfire uh, outside this house and Kevin James has like a... You know the, the, the sticks you put marshmallows on to like yeah, the thing. yeah yeah he's like heating up the metal right. stick torch Joel McHale with a it. poker a poker yeah. yes yes of course it's a poker why did I, I forget it so he, he's, he's about to stick this poker in, in Joel McHale up his ass no no right. unfortunately right, he missed a trick then <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not a proper Nazi well, if you don't stick it up his na- Nazi stick it up his ass well, we already made this podcast scatological I thought I would just conf- you know, confine it to the anal Okay. <laughs> okay. So he's torturing him with a hot poker. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sexy. Yeah. Um, and he rings up um, Becky. Yeah. And is like, I have your father here. Um, I'm torturing him. But if you give me, oh yeah, the whole point of the film is like they want this key on the property. There's this key which has a very specific symbol on it. And apparently, if the Nazis get a hold of it, it will be good for the Brotherhood. Right. Do you know what this key is, Eddie? No. Me neither. The film never fucking explains it's a it. Key to the eugenics laboratory. Or something. I- <laughs> It may as well be. It may, it may a, as fucking well be. It's a key to the uh, fried chicken warehouse. They're going to poison the supply. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I am. I am just. I am not reinforcing stereotypes. I am playing off what they would consider. Oh well, actually, this is uh, interesting because Joel McHale is marrying or yeah. is set to marry a black woman who has a black son. The Nazis don't seem to care. Never about comes that. into it. No, I think at one point the Nazis say like, "Oh, we just want the key. We don't really care." Who you? Like, I know what they're doing there. They're trying to say like it's so important that the, the mission comes before their ideology. Yeah. But then I don't know why you're making Nazis the villains. Yeah, especially since just because I mentioned that uh, Lulu Wilson is made to look exactly like Mackenzie Davis. Yeah. They've given her blonde hair and blue eyes. I don't know if she naturally has blue eyes. Aryan. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't play into it either. Okay. Well, you told me how it ends. Yes. My guess would be they're, they're Nazis because it justifies the ending. Yes. Well, we'll get to the ending because I was because okay. the gore is the thing I'm going to okay, explain. Okay. But yeah, he's torturing Joel McHale, and there's a shot where she's like in a different location in the forest, but the camera is like panning back and forth between them during the conversation. But it's all like stitched together to make it look like one continuous shot, while simultaneously the camera is like zooming in on the characters. Mm. So it's this weird thing where a camera's like moving back and forth, but every time it lands on Kevin yeah. James, it's closer to him. That just seems distracting. It does seem distracting, but it's the only like moment the film is has any style to it whatsoever. Right, okay. So it was a, it was sort of like by default, it was the best thing that the film yeah. did, filmmaking wise. And the other thing is the goal. It reminds me very quickly of that shot in if if and what I'm thinking is right uh, in the Outsider, where it's that shot of all the men in the office talking, and it's like a really far exterior shot looking in. It's like there's no need for this. It just looks good. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure student filmy. Oh, we can do the shot. All yeah, right, exactly. Let's do the shot. Then. Yeah, with no yeah. thoughts as to what it does to the scene. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like oh, that's a that's an unconventional shot. Therefore, yeah. it's good. But yeah, so all of a sudden, like the film has just been fairly inane. Even when Joel McHale is being tortured, you see the poker touching Joel McHale's shirt, and then a bit of blood appears. Right. You're like, okay, it's gonna be one of those where they couldn't, they didn't even have enough money for the goal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Lulu Wilson. Because Joel McHale is executed yeah. by the Nazis. Joel, uh, so Lulu Wilson fucking stabs Kevin James in the eye with this key, rips his eye out. So his eye is like dangling out of its socket and Kevin James has to like slice off his own optic nerve in order to like get rid of his dangling eye. And I don't know whether it was deliberate or not, but like this guy, one of his like henchmen gets out this like tiny pair of like safety scissors and he's trying to cut his optic nerve and it's just not working. Kevin James is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And it's this weird, it, 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 it's the only time in the film where I'm like, oh, that's Kevin James. <laughs> and I don't think it was supposed to be deliberate because it's really like uncomfortable and dramatic. Do we, give, do we give the film enough credit to suggest that maybe they go, if, because Odin loses an eye. Yes. And like Nazis have a Nordic dimension. Oh, is that, you Scandinavian? Think, do you think? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I think they thought oh we can we've got a cool prop yeah um, so that happens the, uh, she kills off the henchmen one by one she like stabs one in the neck like multiple times with a ruler yeah. and there's a shot at the end where he's dead and his neck is like split open you see the blood spurting out right and you're like, oh, well wait. that seems like a proper exploitation thing like her using stationery yeah like a kid using stationery using stationery you know. yeah but yeah, the yeah. ending, you've mentioned the ending. Yeah. I'll skip ahead to the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Please do. <laughs> yeah, there's the final confrontation. The the, the, the big tall guy, the first, uh, Kevin James is like first in command. Yes. He like beats up Becky to the point where she's almost dead. And she like, he like punches her dog out of the air. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those films where it's like, you know, they're a cool, like that sounds like a cool th- image. <laughs> yeah. A guy punching a dog out of the air. Yeah. But it's all like off camera. Because they clearly couldn't train the dog or do the CG. So he's like, oh, fuck you, Phil. Um, But he's beating up Becky. Becky's basically about to die. And he's like, do you know what? I don't want to be a bad guy anymore. I'm going to leave Becky. You can come with me if you want, but I'm out of here. 
and she doesn't accept his offer so he just leaves he becomes the deus ex, mach- deus ex machina at the end where Kevin James is about to kill Becky yeah. this guy shows up overpowers Kevin James so that Becky can like set her dog on him to maul his arm off set him on fire yeah. and then basically grind up his head in like the blades of a lawnmower does, that's how Kevin James dies does the dog bite his arm off well it like mauls his arm okay mauls it okay. yeah yeah but she yeah so the, the main like the first thing command who's now a good guy shows up beats up Kevin James she kills Kevin James he says to Becky like I know that like I was involved in this thing and it's led to the death of your father but I genuinely want to start fresh and I'm giving you the opportunity to let me t-. and she picks up a gun and just shoots him in the head I mean given she's like oh fuck you Becky given what they do in the film I, I doubt I'd have much sympathy for the guy given that they, they murdered but that's the thing father. he's never he's never portrayed like a villain okay like the first thing he does is give Joel McHale the opportunity to escape right okay so he right he's that guy yeah yeah, but that's so that's my thinking of why they were made Nazis. Is oh, at least we we can't you know hate her for what she's shooting it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, and then the ending is just her in a police room where they're like interviewing her about what happened, and then the police leave the room. She gets out like a gummy worm from her pocket, bites it off, looks at the camera, and like smiles as she's got the key around her neck. Thing is, and you're just like, well, what, what, what? Yeah, what was the key? What's going on? Well, she starts off as a punk and ends up as a punk. Yes. Doesn't sound like anything changes. No, it doesn't. In a film like that, your typical, your most basic thing has to be, she starts off as a little punk rebel bitch. Yeah. Who hates her father and the wife. Yeah, yeah. And then the stresses of the film make her realise, oh, actually, I love my dad and oh, I want it to be happy. Maybe they kill the father. Then that bonds her with the, the stepmother. Yes. And then maybe she exacts revenge, but it's for her family now. It's not... Yeah. But nothing changes. Well, that's the last thing I'll say about Becky, is right. that you would think, because, yeah, Joe McHale dies, she attacks Kevin James, but ultimately she's, like, genuinely affected by the experience. She's, like, crying. Right. She's like, so one of the henchmen shows up, and he's like, look, just give us the key. Fuck it. We don't want it. We don't want any more trouble. We'll yeah. leave. She's like, okay, I'll do that. And the bad guy goes, um, we'll leave you with your mother and your brother, and that's that. But, of course, the, the, the person left in the house is was going to become her stepmother. It's not her actual mother, who we see flashbacks of during the film, and it's the reason that Becky hates her father. So the motivating factor for her to kill the bad guys, it's not the death of her father, it's the fact that the bad guys confused the woman with her mother. And they're not doing a thing where, like... Because I was going to say, there's an opportunity there for saying that, confusing her for her mother... Yeah. ...would, opt- would galvanise her into thinking, you're right, she's my mother, and that's my brother. Exactly, and I'm yeah. Gonna fight yeah, for and them. I'm going to fight for them, but no, it's no. not. It's, she's like oh fuck you yeah she's not my mum yeah okay. exactly yeah this sounds like a little bitch yeah so right. don't watch Becky well, we watch, watch Becky. the trailer okay. if, if you if you want to see Kevin James as a Nazi well, they but show, be warned it's not worth they show that final kill basically in the, in the oh yeah trailer, you see the so. ending of the film in the trailer cool I'll watch the trailer <laughs> <laughs> okay so the final film I wanted to talk about is Disclosure okay it's a documentary about trans representation in the media oh hasn't it got like 90 something percent on Rotten oh, of course it does of course it does <laughs> Uh, first thing I'll say is it's not a film it's propaganda okay it doesn't feature it, it brings up Caitlyn Jenner right and the fact that Caitlyn Jenner is a Republican um, and has certain conservative views but she's not in the film I don't know whether they asked her to be but given the position the film takes on her and what the other talking heads say about her I doubt it I doubt that she was invited okay and that sort of illuminates better than, better than anything else the attitude of the film which is right. it's not art it, it is propaganda. Okay. Some propaganda is agreeable, right? We can, we can all agree with certain... Pro- this isn't. 
Um, early on, someone says, they talk about jokes about trans stuff in, in films and TV. And there's this recurring idea of if nobody's laughing, it's not a joke. And I just think, maybe it's a shit joke. <laughs> or more likely, maybe you just don't have a good sense of humour. Eh, you know? <laughs> well, joke, know. yeah, a joke is a joke, isn't a it? A joke is a joke, yeah. There is a joke, there is a... Yeah, but you can't make a joke in 2020. Very true. <laughs> Very true. But there is a definitive, like, formula for a joke. Whether you find it funny yeah. is a different matter. There's a but, setup and a punchline. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah so then there's a, one of the recurring kind of motifs that they talk about is why is there this trend in older films, really, of serial killers being depicted as transgender? That That's like, that's a trope. It's an obscure one, mm. but there's like Buffalo Bill would be the most okay. prominent example. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, why? Why are they depicted as deviant? Because serial killers are pretty fucking deviant. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not being, like, saying deviant obviously has a negative connotation, but being transgender is deviant. It is abnormal. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying, no, that's the thing. The, these words I'm using correctly and without prejudice. It is unusual to be a transgender person. Hmm. It's not a normal thing to be. And that's how Sam got cancelled on the podcast. <laughs> well, look, they wouldn't be fighting... You were our last hope, Sam. They wouldn't be fighting this... You cannot say transgender they people are abnormal be... in 20 years. <laughs> yes, they can. Because how can they disagree? They're, try, they're trying to fight a civil, an apparent civil rights battle. They're trying to fight the norm. Exactly. Yeah. The, us normies. Um, and to be, if you're not normal, you're abnormy. Uh, so sorry, you are. I'm not saying you're wrong, but you are not normal. Um, I like the fact you think you're normal. Well, no, it depends what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> on the, the sexual and gender well, biological level, yeah. 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 Basically, basically just that. Yeah. Um, and like none of these films are claiming you should be afraid of transgender people. They're claiming you should be afraid of serial killers. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm assuming. But that's fair enough. Yes. S- since since we've given up all hope, right? That, uh, <laughs> that people are going to listen. Um, is is it was the idea of like casting a transgender person as a serial killer? Is the idea that transgender people there's sort of like a no? So this is so this is it just like a sort of like oh it's it's other it's strange. Well, it's this the is this isn't casting transgender people. It's casting oh the villains. cisgender people as transgender. I see. Okay. Yeah, the characters are transgender. So is it like What's a cisgender? like a we are we're cisgender. To quote to quote Norm Macdonald, it's a word that was invented to uh, marginalize a normal person. <laughs> okay. Cisgender is if you're not transgender. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All I mean by what I'm trying to say is like, is it like the Javier Bardem thing where they're trying to make the person like you don't know where that person's come from, like they're, they're from Mars. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. By making them was it men are from women are from Venus? Where are men from Mars? Men are from Mars. But boys go to Jupiter. What? They go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Oh, do they? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. What the. F- <laughs> okay. I was going to say women go to Mars to get more bras, but I'm pretty sure that's not right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes. There's no bras. That doesn't have the requisite materials. <laughs> Naturally occurring bras on Mars. Um, Please call the podcast that. <laughs> Naturally occurring bras women, on no, Mars. No, no, just women go to Mars to get bras. Okay. <laughs> Let's get more bras. Um, so another thing in this documentary is they keep claiming that trans people are being killed disproportionately. I don't know if this is true. I haven't looked it up, right? I will accept that it's true. Mm-hmm. The disproportionate number get killed, but then they object consistently to depictions of trans people being murdered and shows like Law and Order. It's like surely if that is true, you'd want that represented to raise awareness. To raise awareness, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Because what is it the case in any of these shows? It's like a trans person was killed. Freak. It's it's like <laughs> oh they deserve to die. Yeah, like, it's, no, it's no, going to no, be making a point about transphobia or yeah. you know something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Another recurring motif is a resentment of trivial questions. So it shows some trans people on talk shows, and you know, yeah, it's not ideal. The host is going like, so what's it like down there? You know, what does it look like? Do you still have your penis? All that sort of thing. But it's America for one. And the thing that I that annoys me is I get why they might be irritated by that. That mm. like it would get old quickly. But here's my question to the transgender community, as if it's a monolith. Mm. <laughs> as if they're listening. <laughs> do you want to be left alone? Or do you want to be in the spotlight? That's my fundamental question. If it's the latter, right? If the right to do whatever you want with your body is insufficient, and anybody who disagrees with that right is socially or legally punished, if that's not good enough for you, you're going to have to put up with a certain amount of shallow questions. I'm not saying that, like, well, deal I'm, with I'm, it, I'm, it's fine. It's it's the small talk before right. the, you the, big talk. The, 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 the big talk. The big talk, exactly. They're not going to, like, sit down on the couch and Jimmy Kimmel's just going to be immediately like, so what do you think of the ethics of contradicting your biology? Right. It's going to be like, <laughs> do you still really have your aggressive. dick? You know? Yes, and people are curious. And the fact of the matter is, it's like a natural, I'll say morbid curiosity, but it's more like a an intimate curiosity. Hmm. If you're talking with a transgender person, your impulse might be to ask, Oh, so what was it like when you found out, when you discovered, you know, how old mm. were you? But you're thinking, I wonder what it's like. What the Yeah. It's, it's a natural human impulse. It's a it? natural human impulse. This, this individual has information that I don't. I would like to learn this information. Yes. And, and add it to my catalogue of, of knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. And maybe even help shape me from here on out. Is it fair to say that transgender people aren't down with natural human impulses? <laughs> <laughs> that is the line that will have to be extracted. <laughs> um, let's talk about Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, let's talk about something else for the moment. Um, so we watched Eurovision Song Contest um, Fire Walk With Me. The, what was the, it called? The Story of Fire Saga. The Story of Fire Saga. <laughs> Fire Walk With Me is Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> Equally In surreal. fairness, it does get a bit Lynchian. It does. It does. It does uh, yeah, song contest does get a bit Lynchian uh, halfway through and towards the end. Okay, Eddie, do you want to premise us the Eurovision Song Contest story of Fire Um Or ask Toughness? It is about a terrible Icelandic entry getting into the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm-hmm. So any... Icelandic entry getting into the uh, they happen to be called Fire Saga Fire Saga um, it's Will Farrell and Rachel McAdams ah uh, yeah she's let herself go what excuse me um, I beg your pardon excuse me sir this is the, the pro Rachel McAdams podcast <laughs> yeah yeah like this is the woman that was in Spotlight and now she's doing a shitty okay. film with Will Farrell she's creatively let herself go yes okay We'll circle back. Yeah. We'll circle back. I mean, but I get you. I'd still fuck her based on how she looks in this. Well, that's all right. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's but- exciting, isn't it? It's like, I wonder which thing we're going to get cancelled for. <laughs> I genuinely don't know at this point. The most controversial podcast yeah. of 2020. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the things that. It's not good, right? No, it's not. No. Uh, <laughs> I said to you before we. Yeah. Before before you got here, Jord, mm. um there are certain films that I've only watched because of this podcast. Yes. Ditto. Which I would never have watched. Yeah. Yeah, I would never have watched this. This was purely, oh, we have to watch Why this. Why did we watch this? Do pe- are people watching it? Is that what Well, it, it, it recently came out on Netflix, and it's it's a high-profile film on Netflix. Okay. And, and the celebs mm. are doing the rounds, you know, on Skype. Okay. So I just figured, well, a, a certain amount of people are going to be watching this. Okay. A big proportion. Okay. So it felt like we... And it's been a while since we, we've had a cat 
So, and it's it's not cats, but no. it, it's second for this year. Okay, second best or second worst? <laughs> no, so, uh, next to cats. Cast is the worst. Was cast was cats this year? No, that was last year. That was last. We year. watched it this year. Yeah, 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 in, yeah, yeah. In terms of what we watched, yes, sure. Okay, that is the worst. second worst, and this is the second worst. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah. It, it, it seems kind of pointless explaining what's bad about it. It's, yeah. it's a Will Ferrell comedy. It's a Will Ferrell comedy in which Rachel McAdams is hopelessly in love with Will Ferrell. Right. And that is apparently what we have to believe that. Hopelessly. For, and he, for the film to work. And he's indifferent. And he's completely indifferent to it, yeah. Yeah, he's in love with her, but he can take it or leave it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel McAdams, she wants to win the Eurovision Song Contest, not because she wants to, but because Will Ferrell wants to. Right. Yes. And exactly. because if she Will is the better singer. Yeah, she's, well, yeah, she's the artist. She's the artist. kind of the showman, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the idea. Um, so what do we like? Do we like anything about it? <laughs> Ding. <laughs> that was the pin that just dropped. Um, no. Okay, I quite like the song. I'll be honest with you. The song. As in the, the song the, at the, the end. So, the Oscar song. Yes. The Oscar, the Oscar song. song. Okay, yeah. I quite like that. Obviously, it's not her singing, but yeah. I, I like that. Well, it's, it's, like, her, it's her voice blended with someone else's. Oh, is it? Okay. okay. I mean, that kind of music... Who was on Eurovision? I'm not, like, a big fan of it anyway. Nor am I generally. Like, it sounds like... Oh, yeah, that sounds like people yeah. would consider this a good for song. For what it is. For what it you is. Know? I liked it for what it is. My, my, yes, because the that song is sung... It's the final song they sing at Eurovision. Yeah. And it's on stage and everything like that. And Will Ferrell is playing it on piano, and yet inexplicably, there's lighting and choreography and an orchestra yeah. ready to back them up. Yeah, the setup for this is that they're going to do another song that they've been planning. Not the for song the whole film. that they're supposed yes. to be yes. yes. And then he overhears her kind of writing the song uh, in a hotel room. Yeah. And kind of working it out as she goes, kind of singing along to it with yeah, the yeah. lyrics she's writing and figuring out the chord structure and all that sort of thing. Yeah. He overhears like. 20 seconds of it yeah and then knows the entire song yeah and she's presumably prob- finished it by this yeah, point yeah exactly which probably hasn't even finished being written no and yeah they've got the backing drums all set up yeah. it's just ridiculous but you know and obviously it's not well, you just said that it's partially Rachel McAdams voice but it doesn't sound like Rachel McAdams no no. and the problem that I have yeah, with it's that ha- it's harmonised yeah it's, it's, not, it's not so much that it's like you know um, sound edited to within an inch of its life and that it's clearly not her singing it's the fact that she doesn't even sound like the person she sounded like the rest of the film it's not that she doesn't sound like her when she's speaking, it's that she doesn't sound like her when she's been singing yeah. Yeah. up until this point. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. irritating. Like, why Why didn't you just get the artist who's actually singing that song and get her to sing all of Rachel McAdams' parts? Then it's at least consistent. Yeah, and you, you can just tell there's a there's a disjunct yeah, yeah. between, you know. Well, in terms of, like, the, the plot. Yeah. Right, it's set in Edinburgh. It's set in Edinburgh Mostly. for, for the, the contest. Yeah, that's where... Have Edinburgh ever hosted... No, that would require the UK to have won the year before. Yeah, have they ever done that? <laughs> uh, the UK haven't yeah. won since the 90s. Or okay. The like 2000s. We, who, what was the name of the band that won? Katrina and the Waves, I think. Was it? Was it? Oh, Walking on Sunshine. No, that, I'm going to look up. No, it's um, Making Your Minds Up. You know, like that group is, is the, two, the two guys and the two girls doing like the number. Yeah, the, 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 like, you know, those people who are too happy to exist. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. that group called? Oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> Shit show. Shit show. <laughs> I mean, so Katrina and the Waves have one. Okay. 97. They were the last ones. They were the last ones. What's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, Bucks Fizz. Bucks Fizz. Oh, Bucks yeah, Fizz. yeah. They were the ones that no won in 81. Decision. Take you for a ride. Shh, Bucks Fizz. Shh, Bucks Fizz. I don't know what I got. Probably the Z. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We've won five times. Okay. We've won five times. Not since 97. Not okay. since 97. Um, but yeah, so it would have had to have been... Uh, the UK would have had to have won the year before... 
for the plot of the film, which is not the case. It has to be practical reasons why they chose Edinburgh, right? Because they, yeah. the fact that they're in Scotland never plays into it. The only people they ever interact with are people who are in the contest, basically. Yeah. And Americans. And Americans yeah. who are tourists. So with Eurovision, the only reason it would go to a city not in the host country is if it was physically impossible. Okay. Which has happened six times in its history. Okay. Well, so that's a very of... unlikely thing to happen. Yeah. Certainly Edinburgh. My other issue with Edinburgh is that what they've done is they've taken bits of Edinburgh and pasted them together. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the problem with knowing any location, as you know that they, you know. Yeah. yeah. And also, I don't know about you, Eddie, but when um, Mr. Russian is showing Ray- Rachel McAdams the view from his <laughs> castle, that's not like any picture of Edinburgh I've ever fucking seen. No, it is, yeah, they've melded a green screen. Italy, yeah. three different parts maybe. of this. Bad. Like the tour- very touristy parts of Italy, maybe. All, not Edinburgh. All, no, but they are all bits of Edinburgh. Yeah, but they're not. It's but, not but they're it's, nowhere near each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, and just given that Hollywood gloss as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a gay Russian. He is. Yes. They made a point of this. They made a massive point of this, despite the fact that he's the romantic rival to Will. Yeah. Ferrell. Ignoring ignoring <laughs> that, right? Because like, yeah, he's he's pursuing Rachel McAdams, um, and kind of she ultimately rejects him, which is like, are you gay? He's like, no, I'm not gay. You know. Yeah. Um, what's his name? What's the actor's name? It's uh. Can't his name. Dan Stevens. Dan, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens. Okay. Who I like. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's not bad. Yeah, he's, he's not terrible. He's doing that thing. Yeah, yeah. Like if the meerkat was a human. Yeah. Um, and it's fine, but they kind of they make a sincere point toward the end. It's like, oh, this is not that film. Yeah. So when uh, Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell reconcile mm. and they're kissing on stage and he's looking at the sidelines and his kind of his henchwoman yeah. is like, yeah, oh, Madam Greek, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is. yeah. And he's like, oh, can I not be happy? Look at them. You know, I could not be mad. You know, like, oh, fair enough. And then she says, you know, oh, you can be happy back in Russia. He goes, Mother Russia does not agree. It's like, oh, you're making that point in this Yeah, the, the Russians are... I, I know, the mo- mo- I guess most of its its target audience, whoever that is, might not pick up on that. Melts. No. <laughs> children, <laughs> ch- ch- children, children and moms. Oh, you can't say moms. Children and idiots. That's why I said melts. Okay. <laughs> oh, keep it in, fuck it. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, that felt weird. Yeah. Um, Piers Brosnan. <laughs> doing the weirdest accent I've ever heard. He sounds like a Dalek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it gets to the point where it's Piers Brosnan watching Abba. Yeah. The man who was in Mamma Mia. Right. Oh, do you know what? There was a moment where... Because you're a big fan of Abba, aren't you, Sam? Yes. A big, big fan of Abba. And of course, Abba and Eurovision are kind of, you know... They yeah. were on Eurovision. Hand in hand. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You think of one, you can think of the other. And there's a moment, I think, where Abba... They play an Abba song? Um, or it sounds like they're playing an Abba yeah, song? Yeah, the film starts with an Abba song. Walter. No, 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 when, when Will Ferrell is at Eurovision. Because there's a moment where we were like, oh, wa- fucking Abba wa- are going to show Waterloo. up. Waterloo, Waterloo. Yeah. Uh, when they do the big musical number. When they do the song along. Yeah, yeah, the Waterloo's one Waterloo's of the ones that's dropped in that. No, no, no. But do you mean at the actual thing? Yeah, because there's a moment where, I don't know, there was a, like a moment where it became clear that Abba... That I thought Abba were going to show up. Well, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean because they they aren't. You see them on a poster in his not is it his bedroom. I guess it's his bedroom, mm. and then they sing Waterloo. Mm. And yeah, I know what you mean. There was a moment where I thought, oh, someone's going to walk into the scene and it's going to be the singer or yeah. the singers, from, but it didn't happen. Mm. Um, I mean, it's littered with Eurovision people. It, it is. Yeah, that there's... chicken woman. What's her fucking name? <laughs> that one. You know what I'm talking about. The one who... You must know what I'm talking the, about. The, the one who's been accused of appropriating Asian culture. By being a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, by, by wearing like a, like a like Asian clothes. A kimono, is it? Yeah, and having like Asian hair. 
Ah, uh, like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think it's your check or something. Checking. So Netta is Israeli. Netta is it Netta? I don't know. Yeah, Israeli. That sounds right. Was she the beard woman? Because the beard woman. No, that's no, not the beard, beard woman. That's Conchita uh, Vest. Netta is just the, who's is also in this. Netta's yes. the fat fuck. <laughs> oh, her. That's. I think that's her. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Her. Yeah. 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 Have you not heard her song? Where she's just singing and all of a sudden goes. Yeah, they hear that. It's just like a chicken, it's chicken I mean, I listen chicken. to weird music, but no. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Alexander Ryback's in it. Um, Which was that? He was the Norwegian. Um, oh right, okay. Who I quite, I quite liked his song. The um, um, the the Asian guy who's helping them like revamp the song. Is he a real person? I got the vibe that he was a real person. Yeah, because K-pop has become huge recently. So yes, I, so I think got, he was a real person. Yeah, so I imagine they got a K-pop Should guy. We in. Talk about whether the music video happened. Because yeah, so halfway like it when they go to like a party yeah. in like this Russian man's castle, which yeah. he's got in Scotland, yeah, because whatever. And there's a moment he where he has him, house everywhere, darling. He has house everywhere, darling. And he's on like a balcony with Rachel McAdams, looking at pieces of Scotland that have been photoshopped to fuck. Nasty jumps over the uh, <laughs> yeah. over the moon, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Oh, come with me. You will like this." Yeah, what's about to happen is great. Yeah, that you will like this. And then all the characters start singing a medley of like Eurovision. The song, the song along. Yeah. Yeah, a song along. But and it's it's a music video. It's not like just people doing karaoke in the living room. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a full on music video. It's yeah. like people are looking oh, yeah. at the camera, camera. and people turn up in cars and start singing along. Yeah, and, and then, then the they start, start singing the along. And then they start introducing previous Eurovision win- yeah. winners, such as the Beard Woman, such as a- the Asian Appropriator. Yeah. So you're like, okay, is this actually happening? And it is. And it is. It has happened. Based on things is, that happen happened later in the film. Yeah. That's the thing. I have no reason to believe that that musical number didn't genuinely genuinely. So here's happen. the thing. I was I was thinking like Will Ferrell joined Ian in that is quite funny because he's very clearly the worst singer. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I was questioning the film's form. Like what is real and what what's what are the rules? Yeah. But then I realized that we don't watch enough mainstream comedies. Yeah. I don't think most of them have mm. consistent abiding rules. No. It's just whatever they think is going to be funny, mm. right? It's like, you know, the good comedies have rules and they stick to it. Like, what's the universe of this film? Yeah. In this, we've got the music video. We've got the ghost. Yeah. The ghost of Katiana. The ghost of Katiana. Which is Demi Lovato. Okay, so that's Demi Lovato. Yeah. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. Genuinely, she shows up as like a ghost. Yeah. And she's like, I have to warn you, Will Ferrell, you're going to die. Yeah. And then she disappears for most of the film. Yeah. And then she comes back and she's like, Will Ferrell, you're going to die. And Will Ferrell's like, oh, someone already tried to kill me. Yeah. You're late. And she's like... Oh, all right, throw then. Yeah, that's the payoff. The payoff, the, the prophetic ghost turns up to be late. I'm like, it, you get an Anchorman style sounds improv line, and they're like, you are, you know, what is it? You are an unhelpful ghost or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You are not a helpful ghost. Like, ah, that was the joke. <laughs> um, and the elves, yeah, <laughs> which I'm down with because I knew they were coming into it, right? Yeah, they had to. Yeah. They made too much because I, I, I assume that's a real. Uh, Tradition in Iceland or a real like, the, like most of them believe in elves. Yeah, they're, they're like, like they tiny were... houses built in the cliffs, yeah, and people are. go to them and deliver gifts. I think it's... in the hope of good fortune. Someone yeah. says at some point like fifty percent of Iceland still believe in elves. Yeah, yeah. If it's like when they did their cursory research, googling on Iceland for the film, <laughs> that would have come up. The guy, we're getting that in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I I gotta say there were there was a, a bolt of admiration in that scene when the kind of villain, the kind of corporate guy. Yeah. tries to kill Will Ferrell out of nowhere. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, all right, sure. I'm done with this. Yeah. And then he and then he's killed by an elf. <laughs> yeah, they kill him, throw a knife into his back. <laughs> um, 
So that I kind of admire. And it's not like a dramatic standoff where he like pulls a gun on Will Ferrell. You've garrot wired. He's garrot. Yeah. <laughs> and then just collapsed with a small knife in his back. Yeah. I laughed at Will Ferrell's literal explanations. Yeah, yeah. So there, was, there were two of them, right? One was when he's reeling in the rope. Yeah. Because what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm I'm winding up the rope so it is circular in shape or something like that. <laughs> and then there's another, I can't remember the other one. Yeah. But uh, I like that. that. And her attractiveness aside, I like Rachel McAdams as a presence. Mm. You know when you just got like, you've got a, you have a warmth towards somebody on screen? Yeah. It's not in your loins, but in your heart. Yeah. So like you forgive a lot. Mm. I have that with her. Yeah, because Rachel McAdams has absolutely nothing going for her in this film. She has no character. She no. has no real anything. No. Like, she's like, a character will say something to her and she'll just be like, oh, okay. And that's basically it. I'm not saying she's not... And she, yeah, pretty much. She's like the innocent one. Yeah. She's not... And she's not unfunny. Like, I think in Game Night, she gets the biggest laugh in the film for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, my God, he died. Yeah. yeah. But she's just not used well, I don't know. Jesse Plemons, though. Okay. Yes, okay. <laughs> Jesse Plemons gets big laughs, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we didn't like it. But, um, no, we no. Do, do we recommend it on any level? Nope. Um, no. Yeah, get off Facebook and watch it. That's the only way I'd recommend it. Okay. Get off Instagram, Twitter and watch it. I mean, you, you spent... Well, not you. Um, Graham Norton gets bought up a lot and Graham Norton is in this film. Yes. I, I, a, I don't know why he's done it to himself. Well, he hosts Eurovision. Yeah, but... Why he agreed to be in the film? Yeah, because cha-ching. But he's got enough fucking money. He's been paid by the BBC. Well, one of my theories. Yeah, I know that. One of my, he's one of my the theories. Most popular, like UK late night presenter, if not one of the. I most- think. I think this. Why do these people do these things? Yeah. I guess just more money is more money. Well, this thing, Rachel McAdams does choose bad films from time to time, so I can kind of yeah see that, and I can see that there was probably a decent paycheck for it. Right. Mm. But realistically, after you do a film like Spotlight, yeah. Like, how do you end up at this? So the, this maybe the, after Spotlight, you want to do a film like This that. is the thing, though, Eddie. I think, like, a lot of people, when they're in, like... I'm talking about the general public now. When an actor is in, like, a big Oscar film, or when they win an Oscar, there's always that sort of misapprehension that, um, oh, this is it. This is the start of their career. Right. Usually it's the end of their career. Well, I won't go that far. The end of their career in the sense that that's, like... You don't, you don't like, get an Oscar and then keep ascending. You've peaked then. Yes. That's usually when you start going into, like less uh, prestigious projects yeah because you've got an Oscar now you've done it yeah it, but that's it, not how it should be it's not how it, it's not how be. it should be but I yeah. think that's how it is and I don't think that's how a lot of people think it is yeah which is why I think so many people surprised like you were like oh Rachel McAdams was in Spotlight why is she now in this shit well, no no, no it's just it's not it's not shock it's dismay right <laughs> okay. yeah disappointed that's the thing this is what she's done you're, you're lulled into it aren't you with the Oscars and everything it's like, oh yeah this is it's the birth of something but yeah, you're right. Like after that, they just go back to picking films as they usually would. They might yeah, get offered yeah. a bit more and like, get paid a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Like but, you know, Jonah Hill, for example. Right. He was in Moneyball. Yeah. He's in The Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. and he's also done like Maniac, the, the series that's on Netflix, yeah. which I was a big fan of. Okay. Right. So he's been doing certain slightly more sort of serious like mm-hmm. projects and stuff like. That. And I just know he's definitely got another stinker on the way. Well, they've got to finance the non-stinkers, haven't they? So you've got like yeah, he's in Moneyball. Oscar nomination. Yeah. Mm. He's in Wolf of Wall Street, Oscar nomination, but it's also Scorsese. Yeah. So, up. Yeah, then, like, the start, the lead in his own Netflix absurd yeah. miniseries. Yeah. And then he made his own, he wrote and directed his own film, mid-90s, which is a low-key indie. I think if you if you look at certain uh, instances like that, there's usually a correlation between the good film. Like, Richard Ayoade was in Neighbourhood Watch. The Watch, yeah. The, oh, watch. the watch, not yeah. long before um, one of his films came out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the double. Yeah. The double. Yeah. yeah, that came out not long after. So he probably used the money from Neighborhood Watch to fund that. Exactly. Jim Carrey uh, did Kidding, and Series 2 of Kidding is happening now. Yeah. Right? He did Sonic in between seasons. Okay. So that's probably to fund that. Yeah, I, I doubt that Richard Ayoade feels artistically inclined to do the Crystal Maze. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I, I don't think artists should be pure like that. But then again, Ayoade is one of Channel 4's, like, he's what to Channel 4 what Kevin James is to Adam Sandler, isn't he? Yeah, him Channel 4 tend to turf him out a lot. Yeah, him, Fielding, and Carl. It's yeah. those three. Yeah. So we do, you don't recommend your. No, I have two theories going into. Because you said, you mentioned Graham Norton's in this. Do you think that. Because Graham Norton is just like in a booth, completely disconnected from the rest of the action. Yeah, do you is, think that's that, how it is for Eurovision, to be fair? That is how it is for Eurovision, but do you think that based on what country this is being shown in, the person they're using changes? I thought that when he first popped up, but it was so consistent, I don't think it could be. Okay. Uh, no, he's the part of the cast. Oh, he's part of the cast. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. that. He's, he's known there. in America, isn't he, as well? So yeah, he's known yeah. in America, but I don't know. I just yeah, had no, a theory like, oh, this is in France, through, the French host. No, through there. Eurovision, he's. He's no. Okay. Well, he's the chorus, isn't he? He's the one that gets to say, as all this stupid shit is happening, well, this is stupid. Yeah. As yeah. a way of the but, film apologizing. Which he actually so. does during Eurovision, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, th- well, this is the thing. So he, like, interrupts during songs during the film and stuff like that at, mm. to say certain things at times, which he doesn't do. He he will comment after and before a song. Okay. But he doesn't comment through it. Right. And that was, I know it was one thing that got, like, criticized by people. And it's like, if you're going to bring Graham Norton in to do what Graham Norton right. does... Because he does bitch about songs between yeah, yeah, like, yeah, entries, like, yeah. f- like full on. But if you're going to do that, don't have him bitch during a song just for the sake of. That sounds like a weird grumble. Yeah, no, like, but, like people yeah. were saying yeah. that. I mean, you know, there was a lot of grumbles about this film. <laughs> sure, but like, do it for the right. Oh, what right was thing. this? What was this bullshit about? Um, like Eurovision having semi-finals and finals. Like the final um, night of Eurovision so, has ten people in it, and that's it. No, so no, so the thing with the semi-finals, uh, England, uh, well, the UK were auditioning. Uh, so we're at the semi-finals. Mm. Uh, the UK pay into it, uh, so they don't do semi-finals. So no, no, no I'm talking like surely, like real Eurovision. Not every country participates, but it's still like forty countries, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But there's only like ten people in the final, and the semi-final was broadcast live, which I don't think is the case. I'm not uh, too familiar. With is that just a dramatic? That's what. That's what I was going to ask. Is it a dramatic thing that they've done? Uh, I can't remember how the semi-finals work. Okay, but I know one of the grumbles with that was. They had certain countries in the semi-finals, which are just not in the semi-finals. Yeah, there are certain countries, the UK being amongst them, that, um, and that, there is, there that is a, never have to audition. Yeah, uh, and there is a point on the where on the leaderboard, Netherlands won it twice. Well, oh, was that? <laughs> well, the film ends twice. It that, does. That's the, its biggest problem for me. Yeah, is they play out that uh, semi-final as though it's the end of the film because mm. it's pr- protracted and prolonged, and yeah. like they re- that each beat is like, oh yeah, this is the end. Clearly, the end. They're laboring everything. Yeah. And they, it's and not. There's another hour after. Yeah, they fuck up the performance. It even has the bit where it's like, they fuck up the performance. Will Ferrell leaves because he's like, well, we've lost. There's no point yeah. in sticking around. Rachel McAdams begs him to stay, but he's like, no, fuck you. I'm, I'm out of here. Goes to Iceland. I'm going to go back to Iceland yeah. and uh, go fishing with my pa, mm. um, who hates me. <laughs> and then he fucking swims in the I- yeah. I- Iceland sea. Well, the, whatever it fucking is. all that. But yeah, so like Rachel McAdams goes back to put up with the humiliation of finding out that they've come last but they don't people yeah. start voting for, so it's even like the the moment in the film like oh I've, I've, I suck and then everyone's like no you don't suck we liked you but then the film carries on past that yeah I, they do kind of stick to the Rocky rule which yeah. is sort of nice they don't win yeah 
because they change their song, they're automatically disqualified. Yeah. But everyone yeah. is like, "Oh, you should have won." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, fair enough. You stuck to that. Yes, I mean, no, not many comedies can justify a two-hour length. No, hour and a half. You put you kind of anything past that, you're pushing it a little bit with yeah. comedy. Way too long. Yeah, way and way too indulgent. I yeah. do find it like so. Obviously, at the end, they've got the thing where they've got the baby yeah. and all, all that, right? But Pierce Brosnan gets together with her mum. And obviously, yes. his, so his dad and her mum yeah. well, get a, married. That's a running gag through the film, isn't it? Where like Rachel, people keep saying to Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell, like, oh, are you like brother and sister? Yeah. And then at the end of the film, they're actually brother and sister. Yeah. But they also have a baby together. Yeah. Which well, not, is like, not, uh, not, I mean, they're stepbrother and sister, but like they're already in a couple before, before they become stepbrother and sister. It's, I'm not saying it's not weird. Yeah. But um, I just think it's the kind of shit only Will Ferrell is that, but Is that like a joke about incest in Iceland? Is it? Yeah, it is, but like it, it, it must be it, before it gets to that point, before they actually are a couple. Because yeah. when are you related? And he, because he, he keeps going, uh, probably not. Yeah, and she's going, no. Yeah. So it's like this joke is so like small and incestuous that mm. that's what I was getting. Okay. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Yes, wait long. You said that Becky had one of the least likable protagonists. Mm. I won't call him likable, but this film has. A rather likable antagonist, considering yeah. what he's supposed to function as. Because they do make a villain of him at the end, or they try to. Yeah. Because uh, Mr. Russian, his whole thing is, I want to seal Rachel McAdams away so we can travel the world because she's talented and wonderful and, mm. oh, stay with me, Rachel McAdams. So obviously, you know, as the audience was supposed to go, no, fuck you, Mr. Russian. Yeah. Will Ferrell deserves Rachel McAdams because right. men are entitled to shit. Yes. Or whatever. And then Will Ferrell fucks off after they fuck up the semi-finals. Abandons her. He abandons her, and Mr. Russian sits with Rachel McAdams and, like, comforts her and celebrates with her. Sincerely shares her joy. Yeah, genuinely. Like, he's genuinely, like, doing a good thing here. And it's never, like, um, when you see him privately talk with his confidant. Yeah. She's like, you know, just let it go. And he's like, no, I could give her everything. What, yeah. what can he get? It's not like he's trying to leech off her success or anything. No, no. He just wants to be with her. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, like at the beginning, it's implied they might be trying to break them up or whatever. Yeah. But all in all, he's all right. Like Madam Greek, she like they have a plan where she's supposed to sleep with Will Ferrell so that Rachel McAdams will get angry with him and like it'll split up the group. Yeah. yeah. But then Madam Greek just goes back to Rachel McAdams' hotel and is like, oh, Will Ferrell didn't want to sleep with me. Even though she caught them in bed together. Naked. Naked. She's like, oh, Will Ferrell didn't sleep with me because he's above it all and he's so great. And I was so admire I admire the fact that he didn't sleep with me so much that I'm now going to completely destroy this plan to yeah. break you up. Yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off. Will Ferrell wrote it, right? Yeah. He's one of the writers. Yeah. Though I saw it, he was on Conan and Conan brought up the thing in the hamster wheel. And Will Ferrell said something like, you know, it happens a lot where I, I say yes to a project and then when I'm reading it on the page and you don't realize you're going to have to actually do it, which suggests to me that he didn't write it. Okay. If he read it on the page. Yeah. He should have said, when you write something like that, you know, and then or, you've got or, to do or, it. Or, or is it a case he's of... He's got a writing credit. Yeah, is it yeah. a case of, I have this idea for a film, therefore I automatically get writing credits. And the improv. You know, yeah, and the improv. Yeah, 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 exactly. I have a theory, the last thing we'll say about it, because I don't think there's much else no, to say about no, it. No, that's it. it. I, have a th I had a theory going in, and I don't feel like the film ever disproved this theory, that the point of this film, or maybe not the entire point, but certainly a motivation of this film, is it's to sell Eurovision. It was it's a, it, basically a giant commercial was, for Eurovision. It, well, it was meant to come out at the same time. It was meant to, yeah, tie into um, Eurovision. 
I imagine in particular it was meant to sell Eurovision to the Americans. I think right. that as well. I think it's because there's been talk for years about America potentially getting involved. Yeah, well, like, and I think this is the this is the film that they show to America to be like, hey, this is what you're missing out on. We want to come and. Well, yeah, because like when they brought, they brought Australia into Eurovision, yeah. and they came like second the first year. Yeah, everyone's like, oh my god, Australia. Well, Australia are a Commonwealth. Yeah, right? I say it does sort so it of lose sense. its potency. If you keep calling it Eurovision, you bring in America. I just want to yeah. know, we're going to be in it. Why wouldn't we be in it? Brexit. We'll be in it. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in it. We're, we're, we're still going to be paying We're not in it, the EU, it. but we're still in Europe. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> well, like I said, I recommend it with the, the, the least enthusiasm. Yeah, it's... it's Which it's, is more than I'm doing. Okay. It's a comedy. It's it's a big release comedy. You've seen a comedy like this before. Right. There's and, some, and you hated it then? It's not even Blades of Glory. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about it is, even uh, though... <laughs> Even oh. though it's um, not uh, like the script is not surprising in the least, it just follows the beats. It's so predictable; you can predict things before they even happen. The film is still capable of surprising me. Yeah, i.e., the elves, right. the fact that the guy like garrots Will Ferrell, yes. the ghost, mm-hmm. the musical number. There are surprises in it, but we, I would. Um, we just told you all. <laughs> we just told you those surprises, so there's no need to go watch it. Oh yeah, should we have done a spoiler alert? Nah. <laughs> oh. It's good, right? <laughs> Do we recommend it? <laughs> ah, pop out for that. Uh, okay, so I just want to say, like, in the last podcast, episode 25, we did have a discussion about um, Black, Lives, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Yeah. And that was motivated by the fact, partially, like, it was sort of a shoot-off from, like, a, another discussion we were having. Mm. But I think the thing that motivated the discussion was I said things are being cancelled left, right and centre for stupid reasons. Yep. This was at the time where Gavin and Stacey was being cancelled because Chinese Alan was a character in the show. Yeah. The, the, again, the Chinese Alan is a white guy that they call Chinese Alan because he eats a lot of Chinese takeaway. Right. And that is now considered too uh, offensive. Yeah, it's, delicate not, ears. it's not like he pretends to be an Asian. No, he never does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just called Chinese Alan. Yeah. So, yeah. But since then... It got a whole lot more stupid. <laughs> well, here's the thing. A lot of shows are being removed because the reason they're giving is because they contain blackface. Yeah. Now, in and of itself, blackface is not a stupid reason to want to cancel a show. No. But I think we need to start the discussion because I think what, we, what we're going to do is a lot of stuff has been cancelled. Mm. So I think what we, what we our plan is to sort of go through the stuff that's been removed. Systematically. Systematically and discuss it and see whether there's actual grounds for removal. Yeah, because I think it would be more valuable than just a blanket yeah. your ideologues yeah we, we don't want to just say oh it's stupid they're like you know getting rid of we want to show our math yeah exactly yeah. Um, um, I will say before pursuing this sort of systematic defence yeah feels a bit like intellectual Sudoku okay um, it's degrading <laughs> like to have to do it so uh, specifically okay like, alright do you know what I mean yeah. like I think it's useful and yeah. we should do it but at the same time it's like oh I guess this is where we are yeah you know yeah and I yeah, I want to start off by saying like if people are genuinely offended by uh, what's happening like when the, the purpose of this conversation is not to tell you you're wrong for being offended by it like if you we believe that you if you say you are offended by it we believe that you were offended by it we won't dispute your offense we won't dispute your yes. offense all we're saying is like right here is our position here is why we think in most cases I would say mm. the removal of these episodes is wrong or, yeah. they, or that they don't there are there aren't sufficient grounds mm. to remove this content right so I think what we need to do, firstly, just uh, say what 
we think what we understand the definition of blackface to be. So sure. we all know audience as well. We all know exactly what criteria we're using. Right. Um, so what is blackface, gentlemen? Well, I think you and I disagree on this, George, to some degree. Okay. I think blackface is any time a Caucasian character they're applied, you know, their skin is darkened. Okay. Does that include, for example, just like tanning someone's skin? Like they have a sun tan or a fake tan? I, I guess it depends on the the shade, right? Okay. So it's like porn. You know it when you see it kind of thing. Right, okay. Um, I know blackface carries that connotation of like a caricature, mm. but I think we can distinguish between malicious and non-malicious blackface. Okay. So sometimes someone has chocolate on their face, shoe polish on their face, for reasons completely unrelated to blackface blackface. Okay. So I'm happy to use it even when it's it has nothing to do with stereotyping African Americans. Right. Okay. Or black people in general. I see. Okay. For me, uh, my understanding is that there are two components to blackface. There's the aesthetic component and the behavioral component. Right. So there is the physical, like you're putting on, you're darkening your skin, you know, you're doing the lips. Right. You're wearing the outfits. Right. That's one component of blackface. The other component of blackface is you're behaving. Right. Because that's the purpose of blackface, right? It's supposed to, like, portray, like, a like an, like an a caricature or a stereotype well, of a black person. Th- this is the thing. It's all on a continuum, I think. So okay. you've got, on one end of the spectrum, it's got, has no, none of, no intent of that ilk to speak of. Yeah. It's just a white person whose skin has been darkened. Okay. For whatever reason. Okay. And then you go along that spectrum, mm. you know? And it is, it is always a white person whose skin has been darkened. Yeah. It can't, I mean, you, there are instances, as we will discuss, of black characters having their features whitened. And non-white characters having their right. features darkened. Indeed. Yes. Yeah, okay, so it's not exclusively Caucasian. No. Non-black. That is, no, yeah, but non-black, it, anyone yeah. who's going to, like, object to blackface... Right. ...is going to object if it's a white person... Is what what I'm kind of suggesting. It's more likely to object to a white well, person that's, doing than a black person doing whiteface. Yeah, or someone of just another like ilk or race or whatever. Or well, we'll come tone, to that. We will because there's an instance of that. Yes, but yeah, exactly. So that's my understanding of it. I mean, I'm not saying that both uh, criteria have to be fulfilled before it can even be considered blackface. Mm. I'm just saying that like those are the two things that I think are needed for quote unquote true blackface. Right. For yes. the actual blackface, blackface. Yeah, the actual yeah. blackface we all hate. Right. Um, we actually watched a clip of an old film the other day, which was Judy Garland yes. in blackface. Yeah. And that was disturbing. Yes. That yes, is actual blackface. Yeah. She's doing she's kind of putting on a bit of an accent. Mm. Or in the outfit. An all shucks sort of outfit. Yeah. You know, black, jet yeah, black, she big, lips lips, as well. big white lips. And of course her eyes stand out from it as well. And right. it is genuinely like I don't I don't like It's that. actually Disturb, like disconcerting mm. because she kind of peeks her head around the curtain and does starts doing it and it's really like Ugh, it's monstrous it's mm. kind of grim you know? mm. but that so, I mean okay so I want to say as well that it's unclear what the percentage of nutters is um, in terms of how many people wholeheartedly support this mm. censorship and how many people are just kind of going along yeah. with a perceived consensus yeah. mm. but Twitter is quite encouraging actually <laughs> depending on your bubble I guess mm. but Whenever these things are coming up, every comment is off a of fuck's sake. Yeah. What, yeah. Well, it just it does feel like cancel culture has gone into overdrive, and and that's why I keep suspecting the bottom will have to drop out yeah. sooner or later. Right, should we get into it then? Okay. What should we start with? Let's start with Thirty Rock. Okay. I don't know Thirty Rock very well. Okay, so um, I'll give you the premise of Thirty Rock. I know it's the Tina Fey. It's Tina Fey. Um, it's it's about a, sh- a sketch show filmed in the NBC studios. 
that's like SNL sort of thing and the people the, the writers and the producers and the actors behind the scenes that's basically it right? it's, okay. it's a comedy series uh, Tina Fey herself has requested that these episodes be removed yes I suspect that she is at least sceptical of political correctness having watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt okay which lambasts millennials and hipsters and snowflakes you know yeah. constantly well is it a case of because 30 Rock wasn't the first thing to go was it no no so, I mean, this all happened relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, but I, what, what were the first show, shows to go? Was it... I think it was like Little Britain. And with Little Britain Come Fly yeah. With Me and yeah. The Mighty Beach. Yeah, I think they were the first to go. Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, no apologies. <laughs> so um, let's start with the first instant, which is the, the, the live show. Have you got the names of the episodes? I've got the names of the episodes. Okay. Yeah. There's an episode before that. Is there? Yeah. What's Believe the in the Stars. Which one's that? That is the one where uh, Tracy Morgan and Jane Krakowski swap roles for a day. That's before, is it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's before, yeah. We'll do that then. Okay. Uh, So the setup of that is that they start... Tracy and Jenna, a white actress and a black actor, start arguing over whether it's harder to be a white woman or a black man in America today. That's kind of a ridiculous conversation, right? And people chip in, like Alec Baldwin's like, actually, you know, the pressure's on white men. Do you know we're expected to be so brilliant? Yeah. And all that sort of thing. But then they take it to an extreme and decide to kind of do a, a swap. Right. So he whites up and wears a wig and she blacks up and wears like an afro and that sort of thing and is strutting around the NBC studios. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, this is the closest I would say out of all the examples we're going to talk about to a full-blown concept. Okay. As opposed to a gag. It's that debate, right, mm. over what's more difficult. It's playing oppression Olympics Riley. It's kind of poking fun at the ideology. So I, I know why people, why people would dislike it. Uh, But it's also making a character point. So the idea is that whenever Liz Lemon, Tina Fey, leaves, things spiral to kind of these silly situations where her actors are off the leash because she's the mediator. And obviously the position that the episode takes is that it's unacceptable. I think as soon as you see Jane Krakowski in blackface, a black writer like runs up to her and says, how dare you? This is, you can't do this. Blackface has oppressed black people for so, and he like checks her privilege basically, like in the episode. To no end, really. I think, no, yeah. I think that was the show explicitly letting you know that it knows. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's a couple of examples of that where where someone shows up in blackface and immediately the show is like, oh, no, that's not all right. Yeah. Or characters in the show are like, no, that's not okay. You can't do that. Um, Oprah is in this fucking episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Not only is Oprah in this episode, but Liz mistakes someone for Oprah. Right. Just a random black woman. Yeah, right. She thinks a random black woman is Oprah. In fairness, she's under the influence of medication, but isn't that still like well, she's sitting that big no no that, that you mistake black people yeah, for other yeah, black people? Yes. Yeah. But but Oprah was okay doing it. So yes. one, you know, one should assume, you know, if she is the yeah. spiritual leader of Black America, they're not going to put. If they're going to be racist, they're not going to put Oprah in that episode, are they? No, no. But you get Oprah in an episode, so it doesn't look like it's racist. Well, but Oprah would consent clearly. to be in an episode. If clearly, it, it fucking worked because this yeah. episode is—it's not—it's not racist, is it? It's not racist. I wouldn't say that it's racist. No. Um, this it, episode is about. Um, but yeah. the, the thing is, right? Is they're doing it? They're taking an episode and tackling a subject head on, right? Yeah, yeah right. Un- unapologetically, right? Unapologetically, and they are doing it in a way where it's not just like she's doing blackface. He is then doing... Is it called whiteface? I guess, yeah. Like, basically. Pale face. Pale face. Something like that, right. So he's doing... So they are making a point of it. Yeah. Right. If it's the part of the point, it is a... You know, and you're looking at that subject in particular... 
Yeah. Then no, shut the fuck up. Also, the show kind of tacitly highlights the iniquity. So, like, it... We're with Tracy in Whiteface for a lot longer than we are with Jenna in Blackface. Yeah, she's in, like, one scene in Blackface. He's, like... He spins around in his chair and he's like, Hi, Liz Lemon! You know, doing, like, a stupid white girl accent. Um, And we're with him for a while. And then she struts in and instantly he's like, no. And they're like, yeah. you know, they're... And then the next scene, she's out of blackface. She's just yeah. Jenner again, you know. But the, the show is even saying it's less okay for her to do that than it is for yeah. Tracy to do whiteface. I don't disagree with that. No, I, no, no. Yeah, I'm generally for like, fit, like yeah. equal, face fair. Yeah. In this case, I would say. But yeah, but if you're going to make it part of the plot, then no, it's not racist. It's make it's highlighting. Yes, and all it's pitting issue against issue. But it's the context of character as well. Those characters are stupid and mm. they're vain, arrogant narcissists. Mm. All the sensible characters go, no, <laughs> you yeah. can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not that one. No, uh, the next episode is the live show. The live show. The, the first Black live Hand. show. Black Hand. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's no actual blackface in this, in the sense that nobody blacks up their face their countenance yeah no John Hamm it's there's like it's a live show that's the premise mm-hmm. the show is actually being shown live and they do like fake adverts just after the commercial break I think right and one of them is John Hamm and he is like advertising an organisation that transplants the body parts of executed criminals onto people who've lost their limbs so John Hamm has a black hand that has a mind of its own so John Hamm is being John Hamm and he does, he's like trying to wave with his black hand and then all of a sudden without his influence, the black hand does a black power symbol and beats up John Hamm. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's just a sight gag. Yeah. That's all it that's is. Funny. It's a sight gag. That's the funny. black power symbol is just an absurd beat. Like I said to you before, they could have gone with a white serial killer, mm. but it's just less fundamentally. Well, it's tangible. interesting because in both cases, the live show, they did two live shows. They did one for the East Coast and one for the West Coast. Obviously, there's a, there's a time difference between East and West Coast, yeah. so they were physically able to do it. But they've changed some of the gags between... The West Coast version, it feels like they've toned a couple of things down. So, for example, in that uh, live show, whenever they're flashing away from Tina Fey, Ju- uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus is playing, like, the same character in a different location, mm-hmm. with the joke being that, like, oh, in Liz Lemon's imagination, she looks like... Julie yeah. Louise Dreyfus. She's a hotter Liz Lemon. She's a hotter Liz yeah. Lemon, yeah, yeah. Mm. In the East Coast version, she calls an Indian guy Aladdin. In the West Coast version, she says, like, uh, she compares him to a guy from Slumdog Millionaire. Right. So it's the same joke, yeah. but I think they've kind of, like, in the West Coast, they've been like, Softened it a bit. let's soften it a little bit. Also, there's a, there's a Fox News segment on this actual sketch show now. They're doing, like, a sketch with Fox News where uh, Fox News are interviewing Barack Obama. In the West Coast version, the ticker tape of the, ticker tape at the bottom reads uh, "impartial interview with Barack Obamaist," so like communist, I think. Mm. Obviously, the joke is at Fox News's expense because Fox News yeah. are right leaning. In the East Coast version, it says "exclusive interview with Kenyan liar." So again, they've definitely softened it for the West Coast version. Yeah, and in the West Coast version, this is the point I'm getting yeah. to: John Hamm doesn't have a black hand; he has a female hand. Right. So at the time, they, like, edited that out for the... Or they changed it for the West Coast. New York. New York is cold. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> the West Coast is too hot. All you got to think about is your internal, you know, issues. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, fuck. Who gives a fuck? It's just a fucking joke. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> There's definitely a difference. Yes. Um, not racist. No, I wouldn't say it's racist. Okay. 
the Christmas episode. What's that called? Christmas Attack Zone. Christmas Attack Zone. <laughs> I would say this one seems the most offensive on the surface because it lacks context or yes. much context in a way. Um, do you want to say what that is? So um, Jane Krakowski's character has broken up with her boyfriend mm. who is a crossdresser. Yeah. He's just a crossdresser. There's nothing beyond that, right? No, he's just a crossdresser. He's, he's a transvestite. Cross- yeah, he's yeah. a transvestite. And she's disappointed because they were going to go to a Christmas party together and they were going to dress up in a couple's costume. We don't know what the couple's, uh, couple's costume is, but that's her thing through the episode. It's like, oh, I'll never get to do this. Yeah. The boyfriend shows up at the end. He's like, look, I do want to go to this party with you. So let's see our couple's costume idea together. So one of them go, so they go in unison now. They go, I will dress up as um, the woman from Black Swan. The black swan from Black Swan. So you think like, oh, and the other one's going to be the white swan from Black Swan. But no, it's this like football player whose last name is Swan. Yeah. That's the joke. Is that they're going as two black swans. So the crossdresser goes as the black swan from Black Swan. And Jane Krakowski once again goes as uh, uh, this black football player in which her face has been blacked up and her hair is like cropped. Perm. It's permed and cropped. Yeah. So again, it's more that it's ridiculous because mm. that character is that inappropriate. Yeah. But it, so that come, we, we see her in blackface during a rendition of like a nice Christmas song, which is kind of like a reference to sentimental holiday montages at the end of episodes, right? The fact that she's in blackface is there to undercut the sincerity. Sen- the sincerity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because of its ridiculousness. Yes. You don't look at it and you you look at it and you go, oh my God, what is she yeah, doing? Yeah, what is she doing? Yeah. Not racist. No. I would say not. And the final episode of 30 Rock. Is the second live show, live yeah. from Studio 6H. Amos and Andy. What? Amos and Andy. Oh, is that what it's called, yes. the segment? Yes. So this one... What's well, a reference to that show. Oh, is it an actual show? It's a, it was a real show. Oh, it was a real show? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. It has historical value as right. well. Yeah, the premise of that show is that the the sketch show that they film in 30 Rock... Um, the Gurdy Show. No, no. Alec Baldwin, I was trying to think of. I didn't give you any indication, <laughs> so I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alec Baldwin, who, like, runs that the network, basically, he's like, um, we're going to... We're gonna, instead of doing that show live, we're going to do a pre-recorded show instead because it's cheaper. Yeah. So the premise of the episode is Fix-It Felix Jr., whatever he's called. The character or the actor? Either will do. Kenneth is the character. Kenneth loves live television. So the whole episode is him. He's locked everyone in a room and he's basically uh, telling them why live shows, live television is the way to go. Right. And at the end of the episode, you find out that like these characters have encountered each other before through live television. Yeah. And that's what convinces them to keep the show live. So what uh, Kenneth is doing, he's sort of explaining live sh- the history of NBC and the live shows that they've done. Mm. But they're all like shit examples. So, like, the first example he gives is, like, a like a sitcom of, like, a wife and a husband, and both actors have heart attacks yeah. and die during the recording of the show. Right. So it's all shit like that. One of these segments is uh, just after they changed, NBC changed their policies, so they were allowed to have one black person yes. in their show, which Kenneth even says, like, this is a policy that NBC maintains until this day. It's a liberal critique. It's a liberal critique, Yeah. So the show, it's a sitcom about two black characters, one of which is played by Tracy Morgan and one of which is, one of which is played by John Hamm. Yeah. Poor John Hamm. <laughs> He's like their go-to like black John Hamm dark meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you just don't care. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But he's like going for it in this, isn't he? Yeah. Like he is blacked up. He's got crazy hair. He's doing like a kooky voice. He's like, you know. Oh, hello, this sir. Yeah. Banjos and all that. Yeah. But just hold it up. You'll remember Alec Baldwin. All oh, right. 
I don't think I need to remember yeah. them from now on, but thank <laughs> you. I'll, I'll, I'll remember that. Um, <laughs> Just using my whiteboard on my iPad <laughs> to write random shit. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like three quick uh, segments where John Hamm and Tracy jo- uh, Morgan mm. are sharing a stage together. And Tracy Morgan is having none of it. Yeah, He's like, I am not happy with this. Get this guy off the show. But because NBC have that one black person policy, he has to do a show with him. Mm. Yeah. So it, it like, you know, John Hamm is doing like the, you know, the, the whole blackface routine and Tracy yeah. Morgan's just staring at him with utter disdain. Yeah. And that's... It's a criticism of the representation of black people in 50s programming. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think, like, you, them saying, like, oh, it's a policy that NBC maintains till this day. Yeah. Was that... It's so- saying we've still got some ways to go. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, That's apparently racist. Yeah, it's not. It's not. That's I, not. I don't think it's racist. Third Again, it, it's not racist. It's commenting on yeah. um, Racism. race, isn't it? Yeah. And it's... And it's can Like, of the four examples, Eddie, that we've mm-hmm. just given you, do you think that any of them glorify racism? Glorify it. Any of them glorify, promote racism? Do you think that any of these jokes are at the expense of black people? Anything like that? I don't really. I mean, it'd be easy to say, having seen an episode, whether it. I know that you're at a a slight disadvantage Um, because you haven't seen these examples. But, I mean, the the hand could come to people, might come across as distasteful. Right. Because but, it, because it's doing the power symbol and it's d- just because it's black. Like that's that's something that I they could go, Oh, they could have got any criminal hand. Right. Yes, it does the black power thing. Right. But pe- some people c- might consider that just take it depends on how well it's done, I suppose. Again, it's just a sight gag. It's when he raises his arm into shot, it's oh my god, it's a black hand. Yeah. It could have gone and he was replaced with a serial killer and he raised it and it's just his hand. You don't get they you lose a laugh. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It could have got anything. It said this was a Nazi and then does like the sick Kyle. But it's just less kind of, it, it's more contrived. The yeah. It's more contrived. And it's a more visceral, uh, it's a more visceral psych gag, isn't yeah. it? Like yeah. it's more, you, you know exactly what's, right. what it um, is. But yeah, like I, I, people could get offended by that. Oh, well, well people have. Yeah. They are. People have got offended no, by no, that. No, 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 but that, like of the options I'm saying, people, I, people that's could, one. that's one that people could get offended. The whole thing of dressing up at the party and blackface. Yeah. You're saying the more casual the use, the more open to if kind of it, mis- yeah, th- that's where I feel because like so the first ep- that the first one you talked about yeah they're making a point yeah it's, right if yeah. you're making a point now nah, fuck that yeah, yeah. that's that's fine yeah. yeah as far as I'm concerned but if you're using it in such a like nonchalant way right that's where people are probably like I would I would guess that is where okay people are going wang on a sec like well, you, because you're using it then as a cheap expense. I get you. I, I'm sick of the anti-intellectualism of this whole thing. It used to be the right. The right used to be anti. All these experts don't, don't trust. You know, trust your your parish priest. Mm. But now you've got the left broadly. This thing of uh, these kinds of conversations where we're saying it's commenting on. That's just seen as like a you're you're over rationalizing. Yeah. It's like oh no, it's not. Look, it's just racist. Okay. Like, no, no. Mm. Some things are simple. Some things are no. It's irony. Yeah. It's satire. It's, you know, uh, sarcasm. Yes. All these different things. I'm sick of the, look, it's just racist, okay? You're supposed to be smart. The left is supposed to be smart. Smarter than this. Yes. It's, okay. it's a, I think, yeah, it's a failure to apply nuance. And I think it's also... Thought. Thought, yeah. And I think it's also just like, they're, they're trying to solve racism, quote-unquote, the easy way. Right. So, oh, a character has uh, artificially dark skin. Oh, that's racist. Mm. That's an easy way to identify quote unquote racism. I want to move on to Scrubs now because I feel like okay. Scrubs affords an opportunity to show mm. why I think that this uh, method that they're using 
is a failure to combat racism. Okay. I'll explain a bit of Scrubs then for okay. those who aren't familiar with it. Have you watched Scrubs, Addy? Yes, but I can't remember. Can't remember. Okay. So obviously it's, it's just... Well, a, no, I can't remember a bit that would be considered... Oh, okay. Well, we'll get to we'll it. We'll get to it. It's obviously a sitcom set in a hospital. The two main characters, um, best friends, JD and Turk. JD is white, Turk is black. JD is... Is it okay to say the N-word but with a W instead of an N? Is that okay to say now? It's not okay? Well, I mean, given the podcast we've had, but I don't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't okay. risk it. JD's a bit of a African american right? <laughs> Good save. Good save. <laughs> that he, was really under the radar. He enjoys the fact that he's got a black best friend, right? But not in like an objectifying way. Yeah. And not in a not liberal, like, mysterious that, um, way. Right? That little Britain sketch where... Uh, David, David Williams, Williams is just like, oh, hello, my black friends. Yeah, I mean, come on, like, all my black friends. I got Reggie on. Is that cool? Yeah, you know? and the house is just filling up with black people. It's like, oh, look, it's my other black friend. In that it's not like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. That the point that I was making is that is, on this list. No, it's no, not. it's not. No, we don't talk about sketch shows. Oh yeah, these are just be. these are just sitcoms. These are just about. sitcoms because yeah. there's so much that's being removed. We needed to like, okay, we'll talk about the sitcoms because that's. I feel like that adds credence. It's a narrative. It's a narrative, yeah. and I think it adds credence to the argument of context, which is what exactly. we're arguing for. Right. Easier with episodic television than with sketches. Yes. Yes, and not yes, and not in that way. That because that the little Britain thing there, that's making fun of those white guys that just want black friends yes. and just think that if they tick certain boxes of stereotypes, you know, they'll be part of the group sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this isn't that. They're just friends. Yeah, yeah. Right? He calls Turk chocolate beer, Turk calls him vanilla beer, right? The show does poke fun at, like, JD's reverence a little bit. Mm. So, like, um, Turk calls him out when he's overstepped, but never, like, over-earnestly. In the first episode, JD talks about how much he likes black music, right? He turns to Turk and he says... Well, at first he says, you know, I'm, I'm down with the whole rap thing. Turk says, dude, be whiter, right? <laughs> and then uh, JD says to him, you know what I'm singing along to rap? Knowing in no other context I would ever use the word. Is it okay to say... And he goes, no. No, you, you can't do anything. Goes, That's good to know. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's the most the show ever goes to in terms of that stuff, right? Yeah. It's a light-hearted navigation of what's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, they never feel the need to seriously bring race into the friendship, no. which I feel would be mandatory if you were making that show. Oh, absolutely. There'd have yeah. to be an episode where JD doesn't get something and Turk is like, dude, you've got white privilege. I mean, we're friends, but you've got to accept you've got white privilege. Yeah, exactly. Nothing like that in the show. Um, Turk is portrayed as the best surgeon in the hospital. Yep. And their friendship is one of the closest I've ever seen in anything ever. Oh, yeah. Forget mixed race friendships, just friendships, period. It's one of the yeah. best friendships ever portrayed on television, right. I would say. Okay, so let's go to the specific examples. Okay. I want to bring up quickly, though, uh, yeah. that they've removed three episodes of Scrubs. And when I was looking into this, one of the episodes that was listed was My 15 Seconds. Okay? Mm-hmm. This episode does not contain blackface. Not only does it not contain blackface, no character ever has skin that has been darkened. <laughs> no character ever has no skin. No character ever has skin in this episode. Um, so that like really pissed me off because it was one of the first ones I watched and I was like, are they fucking serious? I don't even know what I'm supposed to, I don't even know what's supposed to be racist here. Yeah. And then I looked into it a bit more and I think what happened was that, because the, the episode after this one chronologically was one of the ones that was removed. So I think what happened is Hulu and Netflix accidentally removed my 15 seconds. Right. All of the news outlets were like, oh, my, my 15 seconds is one of the racist episodes. And then Hulu, like, without telling anyone, switched the episodes around. So there's now, like, it's a bunch of publications. Tower, is it Tower 7? The, the other building that claps need? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what that is. 
So yeah, it's yeah. There's like a bunch of publications that have either had to update their articles or just straight up haven't, and they're just reporting false information. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. So, so, so my 15 seconds hasn't. No, there's nothing. Fine. It hasn't yeah. been removed, and there's nothing in it anyway that would be that would warrant removal. So one of the episodes, the episode after this, is my friend the doctor, which is Turkiet. Right. Is that what we're calling it? That's what they call it. Oh, is it Turkiet? Yeah. Okay. Turk. So that's Elliot as Turk. Yeah. Elliot as Turk. Okay. That's just a stupid joke. Yeah. It's not really making fun of anything other than. Okay. So the context is. Does he have to think of his ideal roommate or something like He's that? He's now living with Elliot, and I don't know if they're... Are they romantically involved at this point? Um, no. They're not? Okay. No. Um, but Elliot is being, like, very, like, you know, like one of the guys. Like, oh, you can touch my tits if you want. Yeah. Like, that kind of, you know... Love friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, I've made you your favourite, you know, I, I, we're going to watch the sports and all that kind of stuff. How could I be a better roommate? And JD fantasises about a combination of Turk and Elliot. Turkiet. Yeah, and the, the result, only way she could be better if she was half Turk. If she was half Turk, half Elliot. Fantasy sequence of the actress who portrays Elliot in blackface, kind of talking gruff. Being Turk. Yeah, being Turk, yeah. basically. That's it. Again, it's just a sight gag. It lasts six seconds. It has no bearing on the rest of the episode. No, it's a stupid joke. Yeah. It's, oh, half... If it was Dr. Cox, it'd be here with his hair. You know? Yeah, exactly. It just happens. It's a combination of my two favourite people. That's yeah. the joke. And the sight of it is what's funny about it. Yeah. Right, so obviously these episodes have been removed, right? Yeah. yeah. Have they been put back with a warning? Or have they no. just been taken, no, they've been taken no. down? You can't watch As of now. time of recording, legally. these episodes are not legally available. Legally. Yeah. So now I'll so say I just, it. So I just, Come on, Arasta, I recommend wholeheartedly go and watch everything. Well, you have to now. Legally. Yeah. I would say, well, if not, I'll just go to the shop and buy the DVD. Or buy the DVD. There is that. Yeah. And that's what triggered the conversation last time, was the fact that these episodes are being removed from streaming platforms. Um, and we were talking about the PS5, which has a digital-only copy. And that yeah. was the whole point I was making is, you know, this is why we shouldn't let physical media die out because our history can be erased at a moment's notice. Right. And we don't own anything that... We don't own anything anymore. It's up to... It's at the discretion of, of corporations who listen to these, like, idiots mm. what we're allowed to witness. There's no stuff. There's, there's no data. stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, uh, that is the thing. I had a conversation the other day because I was talking about... I used to own, like, what, 400 films? Right. And obviously, I've like thinned down the collection. Yes. Yeah. But I, I had a conversation in which it was like, if I had X amount of money, what is one thing I would do? Right. And I said I would go and buy every film and TV series that I wanted, yeah. so that I had it in a physical right. thing. Yeah, yeah. Unless, of course, like so, certain films that I'll see on like Netflix and stuff mm. don't come out on DVD. Mm. Right. But in, a, in an I, I ideal think, world, you'd want those on DVD, though, right? Well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, most don't. Yeah, because I was say that, I don't think Marriage Story is one that's no. not out. No, no. Which I, I would, I would happily own that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I've had to uh, be okay with that. The knowledge that there are some things mm. I'm going to really like that I'll never yeah. be able to hold. But yeah. yeah, but like there are there are there is. <laughs> I'm trying to slow see, dance in the hill. You know, there are, depending on how see the examples you have, I'm just questioning whether there will be series in like or, or show, you know sitcoms in this where I would own them and that would be the only way I could have an episode in the future. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, DVD or watch illegally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Genuinely. Either. Do either. But then again, I wonder if this means that they're going to recall DVDs or whatever DVDs they have to sell, they're going to take those episodes out. I, I doubt it. Yeah. I, I can't see them going to that expense. Mm. It's easy to just take something down off a, yeah. a server or whatever. Yeah. Um, just suddenly CEX gets like filled with just like those yeah. episodes of 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> like... The racism, Michelle, where it's just those episodes. Okay. Everything, everything's exponentially higher because if you want that, you have to pay <laughs> yeah. the, over the odds. 
attention. <laughs> no, they no, they just like. Um... Oh yeah, I had no I joke. Saw, <laughs> it's either that or they're in a basket bin in the corner. Yeah. So. No, they just have someone standing there like judging you. Like they've hired someone specifically to stand by that shelf and just look at you as you buy these just DVDs. A, 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 a like empowered black woman who's just stood there going, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> doing what? What's she doing? No, 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 no. Surely. Oh hell no. <laughs> Spiked audio. Um, okay. Spiked my audio as well. <laughs> oh no, he didn't. Um, okay, so we agreed that first example is just silly and not. It's silly, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what are they supposed to do? The what only alternative would be Turk in a blonde wig, but it's not Turk, it's Elliot. Yeah. She's the one that should be changed, yeah. not him, you know? Put Elliot in, like, scrubs. Green scrubs. Green scrubs? Nah. Nah. It's a sight gag. It's, it's meant to gag. look stupid. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no joke beyond that. It's yeah. just the sight gag. And again, the joke is not at Turk's expense. It's not like Turk as a black man is being oppressed by this joke. It's not like no. black people in general being oppressed by this joke. It's, no, he's being it's a silly it's, image. It's, 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 it's a silly image of the combination of JD's two favorite people in yeah. the world. You know? Yes. Hmm. So that's that one. Yes. The next one? My Jiggly Ball. Go which on. I think is considered to be one of the best episodes of Scrubs, right? I think so. I think it's very highly regarded. Yeah. And it's just gone now. You can't watch it. Um, there is... Um, oh, no. No. Hang on. I think I fucked up here. Did you fuck up? I did fuck up. Uh, Turkey, it was from My Jiggly Ball. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about My Jiggly Ball. We've done it already. But I will say about My Jiggly Ball, like, the... Um, what, what do you say about your Jiggly Ball? <laughs> the thing about My Jiggly Ball is... <laughs> I like to let it dangle in the soap. <laughs> <laughs> That's put an image in my head if I don't need. Oh, Jordan tea bag in the bath. <laughs> pubes on the soap. <laughs> pubes on the soap. Pubes on the soap. Go on. Is that the title of the episode? Pubes on the soap. Pubes on the soap. Maybe. Oh, Christ. Um, yeah, because it's like black on white, isn't it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the episodes, the I think the main thrust of the episode is that Dr. Kelso um, is viewed by many to be a monster because yeah. he, he like he the old codger he's yeah. the old yeah he's the the chief of medicine at the hospital um, like he's uh, focused on money and he's like you know he, there's a patient that Dr. Cox has got on like a transplant transplant list hmm. but a richer patient comes in and Kelso swaps them around so the rich patient gets the transplant instead right and Kel and Cox like confronts him at the end of the episode it's like what the fuck is wrong with you basically um, you said Cox. <laughs> really? I'm that yet? immature. I'm that immature. Really? I, though? I am that immature. Yes. You say Cox and he drools. I mean laughs. Both. That's weird. Yes, I am that immature. Cox still makes me laugh. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, he confronts Kelso and he's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you?" And mm. Kelso is like, "Because I made that decision, that rich guy can now donate money to the hospital and basically keep us up and running." And in the interim, the patient that Dr. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Had on the transplant list has died. So in Cox's mind, he's basically, Kelso's basically um, sentenced the patient to death. Yeah. Okay. But there's like a running like thing through the episode where as soon as Kelso leaves the hospital, he starts whistling and he's very chipper and cheerful. Mm. And at the very end of the episode, after this confrontation, Kelso leaves the hospital and he's still miserable. Yeah. So, like the 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 they're sort of like demonstrating nuance because they're sort of humanizing the villain of the show. Yeah, they're saying that because every character is like, how the hell he's such a, a cold bastard mm. that he can walk out of here whistling, 
And the idea is that he's able to separate his job from his... But of course, sometimes the job gets to him and he takes yeah. it home with him sort of thing. Yeah. So I was just going to say, isn't it, isn't it funny that an episode that demonstrates the nuance in his characters has been removed because apparently it contains uh, blackface and is racist? Yeah. I do actually remember that episode. Yeah. Oh, it's a very good episode, yeah. It is. After having rewatched it. Okay, um, what's the next one? My Friend the Doctor, which is the one we should have first discussed. Okay. That is when uh, JD and Turk are, like, walking along, and he sees Elliot with, like, her current boyfriend, and JD's, like, down about it. And Turk is like, you need to get over that girl. And JD's like, I'm over her. And Turk's like, okay, imagine her and her current boyfriend together. Cut the fantasy sequence, it's her and JD. Then it's like, imagine you and Elliot together. Oh, no, yeah. It's um, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Imagine you and Elliot, but in, in a non-romantic way. So, yeah. yeah. It cuts to the fantasy sequence and the two of them are kissing, right? Imagine her and her boyfriend together. It cuts to the fantasy sequence of her and JD kissing. So mm-hmm. JD is the boyfriend, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Turk says, now imagine me and Elliot together. Cut to the fantasy sequence. It's JD and Elliot kissing, but JD is in blackface and he's bald and he's wearing Turk scrubs. Yes. That's it. And then afterwards, it flashes back and Turk says, first two times it was you, and then the third time it was you, but with my face. Yeah. My head or something but, like but, that. But black or but something. But black, yeah. It's like, yep. It's written, right. in, it's written in as an intentional gag. The point, and the joke, because lest we forget, it's a fucking comedy <laughs> series. <laughs> yes, yes. Is JD's inability to think of Elliot in a non-romantic context. Yes. That is that joke. Mm. Race is not part of that joke. No. It's about he can't detach yes. from that. And also slightly an underlying sexual desire towards Turk from the sounds of it. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of homoeroticism between him and Yeah, Turk. yeah, yeah. And it's a sight gag. Rule of threes, right? The third one has to be absurd. The most ridiculous. The most ridiculous. Yes. The first two times it was just straight up JD. The third time it's JD. Yeah, you can't have just JD again. Yeah. Yeah. It's him combined with Turk. Kind of like Turkey. It's As any principle. comedian will tell you. Yeah, again, yeah. race is not the butt of the joke. Race, uh, pe- Black people are not mistreated in that joke, I don't think. Turk no. isn't even mistreated in that joke, is he? The character isn't even mistreated. He makes the point. Yeah, in yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no. Okay, and then the final Scrubs episode. The final Scrubs episode is my chopped liver. Yes. Which is the um, uh, fraternity. Fraternity. Yes. So it flashes back to uh, Turk and JD are talking about going out, and mm. JD says, "You're a terrible wingman." He's like, "Oh come on, when have I ever let you down?" Flashback. They're going to a party at a frat, an all-black frat. Yeah. Turk's friends in college. Turk is in whiteface and JD's in blackface, right? And JD is like, immediately, as soon as the fantasy sequence starts, JD's like, I'm not sure about this, sure Turk. this is okay? He's like, oh, no, you, if you're with me, they'll get it. It's cool. You know, they'll see the funny side. Ultimate, so, right, they, what happens is they go up to the door. Turk sees a girl he thinks he knows. Goes, oh, hey, you know, mm. goes off to talk to her. And then, so JD's just waiting there on his own. They open the door and are face-to-face with a white guy in blackface. And they just pull him in and start beating the shit out of him, right? Off screen. And then Turk walks back and goes, oh, sorry, sorry to bother you. Then, like, kind of susses out what's going on. JD's thrown through a window. Yeah. Lands. And then he kind of glares at Turk and Turk's like, oh, it wasn't her. And that's the scene, right? Yeah. Now, ultimately, the joke is that Turk is a terrible wingman. That is what that, the purpose of the joke is. Mm. But the immediate knee-jerk laugh is how inappropriate that would appear out of context. I mean, I just laughed. Right. Yes. It's actually a joke about context. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's also there, but for the grace of God, go I comedy. Like, oh God, imagine being him in that situation. Yeah. The implication is obviously they beat JD up yeah. in the frat. And you never question the legitimacy of that. You're going to go, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. If a dude knocked on a black person's door with a black face, that's fair enough. It's, yeah. They are never castigated. No, no. The only bad guy is Turk for abandoning his mate. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not as if you're supposed to go, oh, how dare those black black people beat up JD. Yeah, that's they? never in question. No. Not only that, but this joke is then built on later in the episode. Yeah. I think one of the first scenes in the episode is JD uh, shaved his head for a bet or a dare or just because. And he goes into a mm. patient's room and there's a bunch of Harry Krishnas in the room. Um, so they, God, they, I love a Harry Krishna. Yeah, so they kind of like, um, sort of like bring JD into their tribe, basically. It cuts to like him out on the street with a tambourine, like being part of the celebrations mm. and whatnot. So what happens is he goes to a bowling alley with some people and he sees the Harry Krishnas and they see him. And he's like, oh my God, they're going to recognize me. And then what happens, it's sort of like a, I don't know how you describe it, but like they get like a pencil and they erase his hair. Yeah. Right. So obviously that's like not really happening, but it's, yeah. it's conveying the yes. idea. What they're picturing. They're, what they're, yeah. they're erasing his hair, see that he's bald and they're like, oh, it's you, we recognize you. Mm. So JD runs away, runs down the bowling alley, runs into this black fraternity. They then get out a pencil and color his face in black. And then they beat him up again because they re- recognize who he is. Mm, yeah. So it's a joke that's built on later in the episode. And the, the ultimate Again, point, if it's done with intention. It's done with intention. And it's sort of like, because the, the Harry Krishna stuff is telegraphed, but the black people, that's the punchline. Yeah. Is that he runs into those people and he's recognized by them. So in order, in an effort to avoid the Harry Krishnas, he's met a worse fate. Right. You know? Yes, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. Out of the frying yeah. pan into the fire. And then at the end of the episode... The resolution to it all is Turk says, I've explained the situation to these people. They're okay with you now. And the episode ends with them at the bowling alley all getting along. Right. Harmless. Harmless, yeah. I would say. Would you say? Well, as, as, if it is, it's built on a point. So, yeah. It's yeah. built on a point and it's built up even further. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, fuck off. <laughs> so that's Scrubs. That's Scrubs. Before we move on from Scrubs, yes. though, I mentioned that, like, I wanted to move on to Scrubs because it's... Um, like I said, that you know they they're trying to take the easy way out. It's like they're trying to find easy racism. There's an episode of Scrubs called My Dream Job, right? Mm-hmm. Don't point it out. We'll take it down. <laughs> well, <laughs> not going. No, I have. To, I have. To, I have there, to, is, there is someone signing off it somewhere. In, it's going to be in the second draft of censorship. Yes, so you might as well. Okay. There's an episode called My Dream Job. But also, no one's listening. And also, That's nobody's true. listening. Certainly not the anymore. The algorithms are listening. <laughs> JD is in an office, right? He's he's picturing his dream job in which he works in a chocolate factory and his entire office is made out of chocolate, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like eating a piece of chocolate then he starts eating his nameplate on the desk. Does he eat a piece of Turk? He eats a piece of Turk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just takes off his hand, doesn't he? Yeah, he breaks off his he's hand. Like, Dude, I'm working. Yeah. He just starts, uh, just starts munching on his fingers. Him. That episode... That's funny as shit, I don't care. (laughs) But that episode is still publicly available. Yeah. It's fucking quiet. (laughs) But is that not... Do you see where the problem starts to arise now? It's like, are we saying, by removing the three episodes of scripts that have been removed, we are saying that, or they are saying, that there is a line... And everything that crosses that line is inappropriate and should be removed. But everything that is behind that line is okay and still available to the public because it doesn't. Right. It's either not racist or it's not racist enough to warrant being scrubbed from history. I just don't think they've gotten round to it yet. I think it'll come in the second round of pogroms. But we don't know that there's going to be a second round. There will be. We don't. We yeah. There will be. We don't don't know that. But if if there is. But in at this moment in time, surely. It's fair to say that from this, someone can look at this and say, right, so being beaten up by black people because they mistook you for sincerely doing blackface is wrong. Mm. 
but comparing a black person to chocolate is not. Right. I mean, Surely? I wouldn't go. I wouldn't mm. say that. I wouldn't phrase it that way. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, that that it's more, comparing a black person to chocolate doesn't cross the line that being beaten up by black people for thinking right. you're a blackface did cross. Yes, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like because this is just ex- exclusively blackface. We're not talking about racial language or anything. All no. these removals are blackface. So they're starting with that, and then they'll they'll work their way down. Right. Okay. Is my suspicion if this continues, but that, which it won't. But that's the thing. Like blackface, it's a two-syllable word. You could just go, "Oh, blackface." Oh, a person has a darker face. It's blackface. Well, yeah, yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. But like comparing a black person to chocolate requires a little bit more nuance and attention, and they're clearly not prepared to give that at the moment because they would have removed yeah. it otherwise. Right. Two things. Yeah. You said you don't think this will continue. No. What do you mean? I th- I don't think I think this McCarthyism will burn out the cancel culture. Yes. Yes, but I think we've still got a lot that's going to happen this year with it. Oh, yeah, it's not yeah, over Yeah, we've we, we got a ways yeah. to go. It's not over yet. It's going to ruin TV and cinema. I don't know. I think it's going to take another George Carlin, basically. I think it's it, it's not going to be a case of things just calm down and reset naturally. It's going to take someone to start, like, a, a movement, basically. To start, like, a wave of, oh, this is the new the, era of the, comedy. The thing is, that oh, of comedy, I don't know, but... The, well, not, you, you know, like, yeah. in, in the way that he, like... It was basically that special that led to like uh, swearing being allowed on television. It's going to take something yeah. like that. There it's are, not going to naturally mm, reset. A lot of intellectuals and writers and all that speaking out against it already, mm. including Margaret Atwood and obviously J.K. Rowling, saying yeah. that big uh, the latter. Yeah. Um, and I think most people agree with us. They're just not listening to most people because most yeah. people don't say anything for mm. one. But they're responding to the, the most extreme elements of the movement. Well, also, most people would be afraid of being branded a racist. Right. So they don't want to speak up. Right. I think it's kind of imperative on you to do so. Mm. Not that not if you're going like, to lose your job. Like, be, let's be realistic about it. You might have to put up with some bullshit. Mm. But, like, I'm not going to, you know. I'm not oh, yeah, I'm not scared. Just, but genuinely, like... I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to think, I'd like to think that podcast. merely releasing this podcast is proof that we are not afraid to yeah. say what we think. Exactly. Mm. And, and, right. and, and that we don't think that. that what we're saying is like inflammatory or inappropriate. No. Like no. if we genuinely were like, you know, oh, this is what we think, but we know it's actually racist. We wouldn't, we wouldn't release it to the public. No, exactly. Yeah. We, we think that what we're saying is fair. Hence mm. why we're going through this. We're giving... Yes, you know, we're giving time to it. We're giving time to but it. But also, let's just, let's be honest outside of this conversation where we've got our best heads on for the most part mm. I'm going to say some inflammatory things for a laugh mm. not like saying the n-word like casually or out of context <laughs> <laughs> um, you know or just you know what I mean I'm not like trying to prod people but occasionally I'm going to say something that's quote unquote inappropriate because mm. comedy is inappropriate no but this is the thing I made I had this conversation with someone from work and I said point blank that it doesn't matter what anyone says. Every single one of us has laughed at a racist joke. Yes. Everyone, I think most people go through a racism phase in school, don't they? Where racist they sit, jokes. Racist, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, they're saying like, racist yeah. jokes, they're laughing at racist jokes. Oh, isn't yeah. racism funny? Right. Everyone goes through that phase. Yeah. But, but people say the M word, whether, like, but not like in a, like, oh, a derogatory context. Right, okay. So we were doing a podcast. I don't know if I've brought it up before. And I said the N-word in a very specific context. Mm. Was it when you were talking about the Netflix guy who lost his job? Yes, yeah, yeah. he said it. Yeah, yeah. I said it because I I think generally the N-word is a cop-out. I'm not going to say it anymore. The phrase the, podcast, the N-word. The phrase the N-word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say it because it's just it's so easy just to go, you know. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But I do think it's a cop-out. I feel bad saying the N-word because mm. I'm just making you think of that word anyway. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Who, who said that it's sort of, it's not absolve, it's absolving you of having to say it, but it's putting the... The thought in someone else's yeah, mind. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, kind of more insidious in that respect. Yeah, it's just a word. Yeah. I know it's a horrible word, but it also, it's just, a, it's a word. Yeah. Like, it can be discussed in civil context. It's context that gives it power. Exactly. And that's the thing that we're ignoring here. Right, exactly. You know? Right, so the thing is, I, I think a lot of friendship groups do, but I... Specifically, I think my friendship group is oriented around a shared sense of humor. Yeah, I think if someone didn't get it, they they wouldn't be really welcome in mm. the friendship group. Like that's what binds us, right? Mm. Part of that is I need to the way I am comfortable is knowing that I can say anything, and you have the goodwill to know. Well, he's not actually, you know, a yeah, racist. Like so, I tell racist jokes. You know, yeah. not like what happened and blah blah, but occasionally because it's obscene. Yeah. And like you need to be able to say those really taboo things with your friends mm. who know you and and trust your mm. where your heart is. Do you know what I mean? Let's just be frank about. It. I think a lot of people do that with their closest friends. Yeah, they push comedy is about pushing the limits, seeing yeah. what's acceptable. Yeah, sometimes it's unacceptable. Go, okay, I guess that was unacceptable what I just said. But you know what I mean. I'm not mm. saying you it should be publicly expressed all this stuff. Mm. But I think we're lying if we say that. 24-7, 365, everyone has their best head on yeah, in terms right. of you tiptoe all the time around language. Mm. It's bullshit. Yeah, but it, well, it's like going back to the conversation we had in the last podcast where I was talking about the people that called me a racist. Mm-hmm. Right? These are all people I knew years ago. Mm. People who all, a, a good chunk of them have said the N-word or they've said something, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they might well have grown up in the last 10 years. Yeah. Mm. But to yeah, I to, don't, I don't. Their, their attitude was like they had never said anything controversial or wrong in their life, and I'm yeah, like, they were squeaky yeah. clean morally. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't come at me with that bollocks because no one is squeaky yeah, clean. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Even the most like fuck like yeah. Even that like fuck it, and I'm, I'm gonna say it, like it sounds stupid, but like, even like fucking nuns, there are like people who grow up before that like that. Yeah, they're not squeaky clean. There are mm. people who go and become a nuns because, because of that. Yeah, yeah like yeah. no, it's bollocks. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, people. Yeah, people are capable of change, and that's another thing that I think we don't we don't like. It's the people, people who have been cancelled or people who have been criticised for things that they said like ten years ago. Yeah, like that person was a different person back then. There's no forgiveness. There's no forgiveness. The people who were you know being like saying racist words and stuff like mm. that that are now calling you a racist. Those people have changed, and it's not entirely fair to say like, oh well, ten years ago you were saying this stuff, yeah, so yeah, yeah. you're being a hypocrite. It's the fact that um, what was the thing? Every no one's more um, vehement than a convert. Yeah, yeah. No more yeah. zealous than a convert. No more zealous yeah. than a convert. Those people maybe they thought they were racist. Now they think, oh, I, I am, I am now not racist. So I am going to like double down on this. Well, we know that's a big part of all this. It's Vogue. It's the fashion. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's wearing it at the moment. Yeah. But the, and yeah. the seasons will yeah. change. And then there is also the thing of there are pl- plenty of people who are sitting there who. You know, talk about how like they're anti-racist and everything like that, and they're sharing stuff online mm. uh, because sharing online is like the biggest. You have to be putting something on that social activism. Uh, yeah, mm. you have to be on a social media platform, sharing shit, mm. getting people educated. But then half these people are sharing shit that contradicts each other. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. They're not willing to see two sides of a coin or you know two sides of a story. It, it thing. It's we're going to see one thing. We're going to do this. Mm. But the fact of the matter is. Things have been changing with the Black Lives Matter movement over the course of the years. Yes, this, you know, the whole George Floyd thing has come as, like, you know, it's sparked a thing. But then what's happened is cancel culture has suddenly gone from here to, like, 
all the way yeah, up it's there. Exploded, it's it's yeah. a series of non sequiturs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now all of a sudden, everything is changing. And yeah, I'm not saying that's not, you know, there are certain things which aren't a good thing. But you're doing so many things in like one go mm. that I have this thing of, I do just wonder whether the importance that people think this is coming with this. Yeah. I mean, is yeah. getting lost. And that's a, that's a worry, is that there are genuine, like, issues and things that we need to address wrapped up in, like, this fight against racism and the, yeah. the, the rise of Black Lives Matter and everything like that. But that's the thing, it is in vogue, and things fall out of vogue. And when things fall out of vogue, people are going to stop caring. And the risk there is mm-hmm. that people are going to stop caring about genuine issues and genuine problems. Because it's all so. tied up in this. But we never stopped caring but about But then people are going to be like, issues. oh, we don't want I don't want to hear about Black anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. But not... Yeah, and so, I, and so I real, the, there is the potential for real issues to be ignored later down the road. But but these things do I know what you're saying, but the people at the forefront of all this, as in the Black Lives Matter, you know, mm. diehards, yeah. they never cared about the real issues anyway, right? Black people killing each other. The amount of black children killed last week in Chicago, something like that. Not a dicky. Yeah. Nothing from them. Nothing. No. They never cared. Mm. They never, ever cared. Most people care. Yeah. Right? Mm. They don't concentrate on this stuff. So I don't think it's going to be a case of when this is all over and you hear about a black kid getting killed, you go, oh, get over it. Mm. I don't think that's going to happen. No, no. But I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. That it's going to, yeah. people that are going to be That is the risk. The, the, we're just going to burn out. We're going right. to sort of overindulge on this concept, on yeah. what's happening, and people are just mm. going to be sick of it. It's like when, yeah. you eat, when you eat ice cream for like constantly, mm. and then you're just sick of the sight of ice cream. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. But it's, one of the things that really gets me at the moment is all the people who have talked about like defunding the police and certainly like the militarized parts of it mm. like defunding like the militarized parts depending on how, what context you're going with I can kind of understand like some of the context right but it's the thing of people going defund it and then assume and saying oh how if you defund it then that money can go towards black communities sure I've seen right. that because because defund the police was like a like a phrase that started quite well, it, came, it, it, quick. it was quick. Yeah, it was quick, and it's been around yeah. for. But it, I've seen like things online saying you yeah. do know that by defund the police, we mean like put the money into like you know community projects. We don't actually yeah. mean it's like. Well, that wasn't no. entirely clear. No. What you said was defund the but police. The fact of the matter is, and this is harsh, but the real like truth of it is, you defund the police and you have that money to go elsewhere. It is not going to go to those communities. It's not. They're gaslighters as well. They're all yeah. just a bunch of fucking gaslighters. Like this whole thing of. Defund, you know, we never meant defund the police. Yes, you fucking did. Mm-hmm. And now the recent, they're all denying cancel culture. Yeah. It's just people who aren't used to getting no. their opinions well, challenged. Well, Fuck you. I, I, don't, I, 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 no, like seriously, don't be gaslit by it. Other generation, older generations are going to look at us to see our age and write us off. Mm. Do you know what? And they're right to do so. I keep thinking of that thing from Crash. It's an entirely different context. But there's a character in Crash, uh, a black guy, who's a very successful director mm. in Hollywood. And he's pulled over by a racist cop. Um, you know, he's profiled and they kind of sexually assault his wife. And he's emasculated for the rest of mm. the film. And he has like a self-loathing aspect to him about uh, being black. And at one point he's, uh, he's carjacked by a black guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they end up kind of in a high-speed pursuit or whatever. Uh, and he kind of, he loses his shit with this black dude because the whole pressure of the film has been building up and he loses it with the carjacker. And then eventually he just drops the car jack off and says, like, get out of my car. And he says to him, you embarrass me. You embarrass yourself. And that's what I think about millennials at the moment. Oh, <laughs> oh it's, you embarrass it's, me, it's you embarrass so yourself. true. Yeah, I put a thing out on Twitter. We talk about redemption narrative and all that sort of thing. Asking, 
What would it genuinely, what does it look like for a dyed-in-the-wool, unambiguous KKK racist to be redeemed in the public eye? What would they have to do, mm. demonstrate, for us to accept that they've changed? Mm. Because if we, if Matt Lucas can't, you know, yeah, um, if you can't change, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody can change. Can change. So, you know, I think it, I want that quite... A lot of this is going to be gen, just posing rhetorical questions mm. that I want the audience to, to consider. Mm. That is one of them, is what does it look like for actual racists to redeem themselves? Mm. Should we move on to community? Yes, let's move on okay. to community. Um, community is racist. It is. it is. It's incredibly racist. It's so racist that its best episode by many people's uh, metrics had to be removed from Netflix. It's not the best episode, is it? I'd say, like, second best. Okay. Advanced Dungeons & Dragons we're talking about. The the Fat Neil episode. Okay, and we agreed that Remedial Chaos Theory is the best episode. I don't know, I would say the Conspiracy Theory episode. Okay. Well, no, let's not get into that. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen enough community. No. So, okay. okay. Do you know of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons? Do you know of the episode? No, I don't think so. Okay. The episode is... Uh, there's this character that we're introduced to... I think we've seen him before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. been around, yeah. He's been around, yeah. Called Fat Neil. Um... <laughs> And he's called Fat Neil, and because he's fat, and his, name he's, and his name is Neil. So uh, Jeff Winger approaches him and pretends to show an interest in Dungeons and Dragons to lift his spirits. Mm-hmm. And then Fat Neil um, delivers the um, delivers Jeff all of his like Dungeons and Dragons paraphernalia and says, "I won't need it anymore." The implication being that Fat Neil is going to commit suicide. So the episode is basically a bottle episode in which the 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 study group play Dungeons and Dragons with Fat Neil to raise his spirits. Pierce Hawthorne is not invited. He finds out about this and he becomes the villain of the story because he goes into the game and he like humiliates Fat Neil and yeah. that's the premise of the episode. Senior okay. Chang, you're familiar with, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, after the title sequence, it cuts to Fat Neil at the table and then it's looking at the characters around the table who are like smiling falsely, being like, hey, Neil, you know, we're friends. We're all friends. Cuts to Chang, jet black skin. Yeah. And like... I think he's got elf ears. He does, right? yeah. He's got like and white hair. He's got like jet, you know, you know, white hair, elf ears. He's a dark elf. That's his excuse. He's like, I'm dressed as a dark elf. Mm-hmm. Shirley immediately says, "So we're just going to ignore this hate crime." Sims Thirty Rock. I, I I think the show is just covering its ass. Yeah. Um, Hang on, but this means an Asian person can be. Yes, racist. indeed. Yes. That, well, they don't care about Asians, but it's. Uh, well, no, I mean, Parasite wins the best picture and. The race the Oscars are still racist. Still racist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of reminiscent of shoe polish minstrels, isn't it? If it yes. anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if nothing else. I think the joke is that Chang is actually doing blackface, but he's just either uh, ignorant of it or he doesn't realise that he's done. That, that's the in-show joke. Yeah. I think the main joke is an extraneous joke. That being. So I think the show is obviously testing the parameters of good taste. It's prodding, a bit cheeky, a bit yeah. anarchic, because it's a comedy. And it's community. Um, community does that a bunch. Yeah, exactly. So that's what it, the the, the joke the joke is like. They're doing this. Yeah, but also it's Chang, like a yeah. character universally reviled as like, being. You know, if shit. Well, not Shirley. If yeah. <laughs> Troy. It, no. <laughs> if like Jeff or Britta or Annie yeah. or like any other character in the show did blackface, or even the Dean, because like the running right. gag of the first couple of seasons is the Dean is always dressing up. Yeah. If they did blackface, then it would be completely out of like out of out nowhere. Of yeah. Whereas Chang. Especially in this season, he's been characterized as immensely unstable. Dangerously insane. Dangerously insane. It makes perfect sense that he would, you know... It's something he would do. Yeah, dress yeah. up as a dark elf, 
And then when, like, Jeff says to him, if you're a dark elf, shouldn't you be wearing armor? And he goes, I'm an elf, not a nerd. <laughs> he just wants to provoke them. He wants to, to provoke, yeah. yeah. Is it um, community where he says, huh, gay? Yes. 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 Right. So he just gets the best bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, in the first three episodes. I, call, I called out Scrubs for saying, like, oh, my dream job is still online. There's an episode where Chang calls uh, Shirley and Troy dirty. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's still online. But oh, Chang in blackface, no, we can't have that. Guilty as Chang. Guilty as Chang. <laughs> and that's the title. No, no, that, that's, no that's an actual that's joke. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, actually in I stole that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like basically, he, I just want to <laughs> briefly explain that it's he keeps inserting his name into like punning his own name, mm. and the funniest example of that is that yeah. where it's just it's so casual. Well, Jeff says it. He says like he's doing a speech. He's like doing a speech to the study group as like you know Chang should be in the study group. It was like um, you know he's dangerously unstable. He always uses his name as a pun, and he just goes guilty, guilty as Chang. Chang. <laughs> and Jeff just carries on the speech yeah. without it. It's yeah, it's great. Community's oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Such a funny show. It's very good. Um, but yeah, he calls he calls two yeah, black back characters. When, back when comedies were funny. Back when comedies were funny. And not, yeah. You know, indie film. Not when they were. I may destroy you. Go on. <laughs> I'm not a, not a fan. Fucking trash. Go okay. Um, it's apparently the fifth best series of the year. I saw it on the top number one on another list. Okay. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to watch it. So. No, no I, I had no intention of watching it. Right. Um, yeah, again, like that sort of line, like, you know, maybe maybe that is where it's going. Maybe we are going to reach a point where that episode is removed. But for now, that episode has remained online. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, calling black people, calling black people dirty is apparently okay. <laughs> but dressing up as a dark elf is not. No. Okay. Also, Chang, like, you know, he's called out on it by Shirley. Pierce, who's the most racist character in the show, he calls Chang out on it. And Chang doesn't even make it past the eight-minute mark of the episode. He's in it for less than half of the episode. Yeah. You know? I'm not saying that... When I'm saying, like, you know, oh, they're only in it for half the episode, they're only in it for one scene, they get called out on it. That's not, like, absolving the show of blame, quote-unquote. But it's just an indication that, like, these entire episodes have suffered from, like, this minute... Trivial. Yeah. Trivial element. Uh, so community, not racist. Not racist. Okay. No. I'd say in general, like that show yeah. is, it talks a lot about race. And I think Dan Harmon, I suspect, is a really irritating liberal. Yeah. <laughs> I, is he the guy that said my writer's room has to be? I was about be? to bring this up. Yeah. yeah. He is, he's gone on record saying that he always makes sure that his writer's rooms are like very diverse and yeah. they have like a good mix of demographics ethnic ethnic demographics Tina Fey like her entire career it's just been like female led comedies or female led content Mm -hmm. in which you know LGBT characters and people of colour have been given like major supporting roles when there probably weren't as many or there weren't as many fun roles available Mm -hmm. to them and yet these people are having their content removed for being yeah we'll do that in the wrap racist you know uh, how many more shows did we want to discuss? Um, Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Well, briefly. I just to justify the fact that I had to watch five okay. episodes. The fuck. Have you seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? You like it, oh, don't you? No. Oh, I thought you liked it. God oh. no. Oh, good. <laughs> good. 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 Please, good, good, good. genuinely, watch someone. Watch the trailer for it. I went nah. Someone, anyone in the comments, please explain to me the appeal of this show. Yeah, we're not being like. Uh, please explain it. It's so sh- appeal. Please explain the appeal. Genuinely and interested to know. Yeah, what yes, I like about apparently it. funny. Yeah. I watched five. Well, you didn't even watch all five episodes. I watched you? one. 
you no, couldn't no, do it. No. Didn't know there was five episodes. I watched five episodes. Overall, yeah. it's the longest running comedy ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's starting like, 2005. It's not in terms of number of episodes, but in terms of the time it's Oh, I only knew what the, that it was on Netflix. It's still going, yeah. right? It's still going. Yeah, yeah. 2005, 2005 still there. going. It's 15 years it's been going. Why? I don't know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so American clear. series don't last that long. I watched five episodes. It took me like three days to do it. Yeah. It's so rough. Um, I've seen like <laughs> I've bad. seen I've seen like he just had Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen like um, uh, video essays on it, like people like good video essayists who are doing like videos on why always always sunny is like has value and is good. <laughs> it's like, what? It doesn't have value. Fuck off. Shut up, John. Okay, so it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I don't even know. I think, like, it's these people who own a pub. <laughs> I think. They own a bar, yeah. They own a bar. Frank's. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? What was, that, what was, was that, that for? That was a terrible setup. Just a... Set up. Um... <laughs> yeah, so they I, own a pub. I think the idea is that they own this bar, which doesn't do very well. So they're constantly trying to... The show is basically their harebrained schemes to try and make the pub... The pub... To make the pub profitable and or just to generate money. Mm-hmm. I think that's the show. Every episode is like a different scheme. Um, and it's not funny. <laughs> I don't know why people watch it. But yeah, so the first episode that I watched, is this the episode you watched, Sam? America's Next Top Paddy's Billboard Model, model Contest? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, I watched the Lethal Weapon episode. Oh, okay. We'll get to the Lethal Weapon yeah, so episode. The only context, I haven't seen much of It's All Sunny, because yeah, I think it's trash. Yeah. Uh, and the worst impulses of American comedy. Yeah. But... That as well, yeah. Yeah, the only premise is all the characters are, to a greater or lesser extent, sociopaths. Yes. They're all, they're supposed to be unlikable. Yeah, they're all the same as well. Like, like, Danny DeVito is distinct because he's Danny DeVito. Yeah. Um, And Dee Dee Reynolds is distinct because she's the woman. Yeah. And Charlie Day's got a funny voice. It's Charlie Day, Charlie Day! Like that. Yeah. That's all it is. Wanker. Every scene is the same, right? What, this is, this is every scene from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? The characters are like in a scene together. They're mm. just kind of talking about. They're improving basically. They're just talking about innocuous bullshit. Yeah. And then someone says something quite outlandish, and the rest of the characters go, "Whoa, hey, you can't say that." Oh, I can say what I want. No, you can't say that. And they just end up arguing. Yeah. Every scene is just them screaming and yelling at each other. That's and what then, improv often devolves to. Yeah. Yeah. And that is ev- literally every scene of Always Sunny in Philadelphia for like eighteen seasons or however long <laughs> it's been going. Yeah. So the episode I watched, the Lethal Weapon episode. Uh, okay, we'll do that one because yeah. that's sort of its own thing. Um, there's a debate over the merits of blackface and its use in film and television over the years. Okay. Like someone saying, what if it's just used to accurately portray, you know. Anyway, they're talking about it. It never quite becomes a PSA, but the show obviously comes down on the side of no. Yes. It's not okay. Yeah. Uh, so but they, they, the characters are made uh, a sequel, Lethal Weapon 5, mm. yeah, to Lethal Weapon and obviously Danny Glover is one of the main actors in Lethal Weapon and one of them plays Danny Glover in blackface right mm-hmm. yeah uh, plays Myrtle now I don't think this should be censored at all you know I don't think mm-hmm. any of it should be censored but this is the one I trust the least absolutely I think that's part of it as well is like if you're just coming to these shows out of nowhere like mm-hmm. you're just like a person personing around and all of a sudden you find out like oh there's this show called Scrubs in which a character has darker skin then yeah, yeah. you'll probably go oh yeah that's racist but if you know that, like, Scrubs is a show that has, you know, the two main characters are, you know, it's a white guy and yeah. a black guy, and they're in this very close friendship. The black guy is in, like, a mixed-race relationship. There's, like, it's so good with, like, race relation. Mm-hmm. Then you 
kind of trusts Scrubs whenever it kind of puts its foot into, you know... When Slightly difficult. Yeah, when it starts to talk about race or depict race in a certain right. fashion. Yes. Now, I don't think anyone involved in It's Always Sunny is even vaguely bigoted. No. But I think the real joke, quote-unquote, is just the audacity of it. Mm. Look what we're doing. Look, look. We're like, it's a jockey. Do you know what I mean? Okay. The question, I suppose, there is how is that different from everything we've discussed so far? Well, there's no point to it. Okay. There's no point. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, not, the, not that it's the point, but yeah. the, they are making Lethal Weapon 5. Right. Which has a black character in it. Yes. So they, quote-unquote, have to black up. Yeah, but they didn't have to make that episode. No. I mean, okay, when I say I trust it the least, I don't think there's anything like fundamentally wrong with it. I, I don't think it's ethically off. I just don't trust the people making it as being smart enough yeah. to make a really good point. I think they did it uh, like a locker room bantery. Oh, look what we're fucking doing. Mm. Um, but I could be projecting that because I don't like the people in it. Yes, um, um, but you know what I mean. If you, there's a shot when all like all these high school kids, I think high school kids, right, yeah, yeah. are watching the film uh, on a projector, and like Riggs and Murtaugh at a grave, and it just lingers on Murtaugh looking at the grave. Not no joke. He's looking, at the grave, and the joke is, oh look, it's Rob McElhenney in blackface. Mm, that, right. That's no point. No, I'm not saying all of it must have a satirical intent. Yeah, like Scrubs doesn't, but this is just kind of. I don't trust the spirit of the people making mm. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I trust the Scrubs writers. Yeah, and yeah I was going to say Scrubs earns it. It's not. I don't. It doesn't. It's not that it earns it. Like it's not as if you can earn doing blackface. Um, but I think any like potential um, trepidations you have about the show's opinion of black people yeah. from those three jokes out of like nine seasons, I think that's quelled by how well it handles race relations. Yes, through the rest of its content. by the fact that there's you know, yeah. mixed race children and all that. Whereas Always Sunny, outside of blackface, I mean, I'm only going off five episodes yeah. here, but all of the characters are white. Yeah. Races, like, I don't even think they there are even any minority characters in the, in no. the cast. No. In the, like, recurring cast, supporting cast. But you watch more of it. I watch more of it, and yeah, it's all just, it's those five people right. just being annoying okay. and being like, fuck off, you know? So what's the other examples of so- so-called racism? Well, The Gang Make Lethal Weapon 6 is another episode right. in which they, it, the, 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 the structure of the episode is they're looking for funding to continue filming Lethal Weapon 6. So most of the episode is Lethal Weapon 6, mm. and then occasionally cuts to them, like, at the bank looking for a loan or at, like, this, like, other company, this tech company looking for a loan. And again, he's in blackface. He's playing Murtoch. D. So it's a recurring character. Yeah, D. Um, the the woman from Always Sunny. She blacks up in order to play his daughter. Um, and she's even got like the the red lips as well. So that's another one where it's like, ah, oh, okay. Um, this one sounds the most suspect. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're racist at all, but I think they're getting off on it. I think yeah. they're getting off on them, you know, being subversive. They've well, got, there's like a couple, oh, this is a gag. Yeah, there's a couple of, like, the, the, the person who works at the bank is a black woman. She, does she go to the bank in blackface? No, 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 no. I was going to, okay, go say, yeah, because then that's stepping in a line, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, D is not in the episode outside of the, the stuff that's shot for Lethal Weapon 6, I don't think. Uh, but like the black woman doesn't like the black woman sees the black face but she doesn't make any comments on it right um, there's no like well, what else was the other? I was like, gonna say I can't even remember this fucking episode it's that kind of bro-y American comedy isn't it mm. I know it's supposed to be the anti-comedy right and they're going for like a nihilistic yeah man it's all but at, at the end of the day they're just laughing at roadkill yeah that's not and they're doing it like it's a mature adult kind of comedy yeah. it's like no 
well-written jokes yeah and, you know gone they also i thought there was an interesting detail is they don't even do blackface for the entire film quote unquote right I think it's like a third, maybe halfway through the episode, they're in the shower mm. and the black makeup and black paint is being washed off Robert thingy. Rob McElhenney. Rob yeah. McElhenney. And that's like a joke because the other guy is like looking to like it's clearly like a budgeting error within the film. Right. Um, or like a like a like a production error in the film that they can't correct. And the characters the actors swap over. So who's the non Charlie Day one? I can't remember his name. But you know the one I'm on about, yes. right? He's playing the other character. Yeah. They swap roles, so he's now playing Murdoch. Right. But he's not blacked up at all. He's just wearing a mustache. Okay. So they get rid of the blackface about halfway through, and they're like, oh, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting detail, that they don't even stick with it, you know? But they swap over. I wonder if the actor was like, yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not doing blackface. Yeah. I'll wear the mustache. I'll do the voice. It's weird, <laughs> though, because, like, in in the... um. The Reynolds Shaping Up America or Shaping America's Youth mm. that's the episode that you watched where they discuss blackface mm. like in that I think it's him the non-Charlie Day one yeah. he does like a black voice he's like oh I'm talking like a black man and they like call him out on it and they're like oh so like you know black makeup is wrong but doing like a black impression that's okay Right. and then in that episode he's doing a black impression yeah it's like you know I don't we, we obviously don't think any of it should be censored but I think we're we're criticizing it as a comedy, basically. Yes, mm-hmm. and I know, I know what the in-show. I don't think it's ever explicitly stated, but I'm sh- pretty sure the in-show defense is this is like a parody of like low-budget filmmaking. Yeah, because there's constantly jokes about low-budget filmmaking in there. So it was either like, oh, we don't have access to a black character, mm-hmm. to a black actor, or the arrogance—not arrogance, but sort of like that, you the know, privilege. Like, if you want to use yeah, that word yeah like that you could just do yeah that. you could just do it or just like you know oh we're all that we have access to so I'll just have to do the blackface but so, I, like you yeah. I, like it, it does feel like some of these jokes that some of what we've discussed before is making a point and yeah. some of it is just this is a joke yeah but it genuinely does feel like the gag here is we're doing blackface so look how edgy we are yes exactly yeah. that's exactly it yeah. yeah let's write that off then shouldn't be censored no. It isn't motivated by racism, yeah. but isn't motivated by anything worthy either. No. Okay. Very quickly, there's an episode of Peep Show where Jeremy's in a, a new relationship with an American hippie idiot um, <laughs> who like is all about pushing the boundaries and all that sort of thing. Right. And her mission with Jeremy is to break every taboo in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. One of those taboos is blackface. So she insists that he don adopt blackface. Yeah. And then he's very reluctant. And then the, the funny cut is to him sitting on the bed in blackface, like, this feels wrong. <laughs> and then she's like, no, Jeremy, we're breaking all the taboos. Come on, you know, we're, we're pioneers. And then she kind of turns around, flips herself around and goes, now fuck me in the ass and pretend that I'm your mom, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the idea is to try to take as many controversial boxes as possible. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing he's like, oh, I can't, I can't um, do But it. he says, like... I don't want to do this. Yeah. And she goes to him like, oh, you can't imagine your mum fucking a black dude. That's pretty, pretty racist, racist, Jeremy. Yeah, she's kind of it's the, pointing out the stupidity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, not racist. There's a there's right. a line from David Mitchell in that episode that I just want to I just want to quote directly here because yeah. he's talking. Basically, they go to like a dance class. The episode is called Wait, Dance is, Class. Is Jeremy David Mitchell or Robert Webb? Robert Webb is Webb. Yeah, yeah, Robert Webb. So they go to this dance class, Rainbow Rhythms, it's called, where it's kind of like this hippie, like get in touch with your spiritual side yeah. mm. kind of thing. And David Mitchell just doesn't fit in at all. No, and he upsets a couple of people and they're, they're doing like a circle at the end where they're like, let's discuss our experience from this dance class. And people are clearly like 
talking about David Mitchell and saying that he's a bad influence, but they're not saying his name. Yeah. And David Mitchell goes, you're talking about me. Just tell, just say that you're talking about me. And they go, all right, we're talking about you. But then David Mitchell says, um, if there isn't room here for people who stand against everything you believe in, then what sort of a hippie free-for-all is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to leave that there. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm just going to leave that there. I like the show does that a lot because he's like, like a bit conservatively man because he comes from like you know uh, public school and all that yeah. sort of thing mm. and he's David Mitchell and he's David Mitchell and like one of the episodes they're all back at his house dropping acid and all that and he just loses it at the end he loses it he's like right okay I'm all for you know 60s yeah yeah but you know what This the, capitalism is the only reason we're not living in the mud <laughs> and then there's that like the flip side of that is there's an episode where he, ma- he makes a friend that's not Robert Webb and the guy turns out to be a racist like a casual you know I'm not going to say any of the words, mm. but more British uh, racist terminology. Mm-hmm. And David Mitchell's very uncomfortable. He's, he doesn't know where to call him out on it. At the end of the episode, he has him like locked in a room, doesn't mm. he? And he says like, you know, I, I hate p- political correctness more than anybody, but you know, Martin Luther King, you sort of got to say fair enough, really. <laughs> <laughs> Just love it. It deals with it so well. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's uh, these are all like small examples now. Yeah. So we'll just quickly run through everything. Do you want to talk about The Office, The American Office? Yeah, you, you handle that one. Okay, so the episode Dwight's Christmas, it's like series nine, episode nine. It's like mm-hmm. really far. I think Steve Carell was gone by this point. And that episode is Dwight. I think Jim is leaving to start a new job elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be working there anymore or even being nearby. And it's the Christmas party and they haven't planned a Christmas party. So I think as like a going away president, president? As a, as a going away president. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> no. Is it is it Jen? Is that the the girl that Jim's wife? Jim's wife, Pam. Pam. Jen, Jenna is her real name. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that was a real name. Didn't you? No, I, oh yeah, I knew that. It <laughs> was confusion. Okay. Um, as a going away present, she basically convinces people to let Dwight host the Christmas party as like a final. Oh, isn't this going to be funny? Dwight will make a fool of himself. So Dwight is like he's dressing up. I don't even know the name, but it's like this Christmas tradition. It's like this Christmas. Uh, German Christmas stuff mm-hmm. um, and he's like playing like this like raggedy like Santa Claus-esque figure um, yeah like in Scandinavia where Father Christmas is a lot more of a sinister yeah, like, scary kind yeah, of yeah yeah you know he's dressed up in like raggedy robes and he has like a cane and stuff like yeah, that like Papa Vinto or something like yeah that. yeah yeah uh, Christmasstein like that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah um and they're reading up on the traditions, people in the office now, and they go like, oh, the guy you're playing, he has like this companion uh, who's typically depicted in blackface. You didn't, Dwight, surely. And Dwight's like, no, I would never stick, I would never rigidly stick to things like this. And he gets out his phone and is like frantically typing. Um, and then it cuts to the car park where someone is walking to the camera in full-blown blackface, <laughs> sees the text and just walks away. <laughs> That is one shot, okay? And oh, that is fuck it, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny because it's ta- it's making a point out of yeah, every, like, all of these have been it's inappropriate. Yes. Like every single one of them. Yeah, but that is kind of like, oh, you know, it's sort of like, oh, old traditions do have a bit of like, you know. Mm. And the fact that Dwight is sticking so rigidly to it means that he almost accidentally like did. But that's that shot has been edited. The episode is still available, but that shot has been edited out of the episode. Mm. Boring. Yeah, but there is the character who plays him does is seen later on, still with the red lips, but the the black yeah. face has been removed. Yeah, and then a black character sees it and says, "I'm gonna beat his ass." Yeah, I'm gonna, like I'm gonna beat his ass. They always bring in a black character to remove <laughs> yeah, the situation. Like, this is not okay. Like, yeah, but that is probably 
Yeah, like what else do you do? That's, yeah, yeah. But that's almost probably more racist to go, well, well it has but, to be the black person. It has to be the black guy yeah. that goes, oh, we're going to do it. I get the impulse though. Like if oh, you have yeah. shown you have the one black cast member, you mm. go, can you be the one to... You know, yeah, yeah. Mm. You're gonna have uh, but also, time. all the characters that do blackface, mm-hmm. they're always the, the weird out there yeah they're always like unliked characters it's never the sensible straight man no. or it's never like the you know the the lovable rogue or no exactly. it's always someone who's completely out of un- touch yeah out of touch or unhinged <laughs> or strange yeah. or desperate you know so that's that example would we say that's racist no it's if you're going purely on the image the aesthetic sure it might be the closest to racism because it okay. is full blown uh, blackface but it's not about just the image, is it? It's about no, the context exactly, of the joke. Yeah. In the context of the joke, I would say, you know... Neutralizes it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, he fucking, like, this guy, he, t- he basically tells this guy to fuck off because he's in blackface. Like, yeah, he says, yeah, yeah. don't come in. Yeah. It's dodging a social situation where that's sort of occurring. And the final example that I have is Golden Girls. Right. Which is... 92, right? Golden Girls came out or started? Started. I think it started in the 80s. Oh, it started in the yeah. 80s. So this is the oldest example. A lot of these examples have been very recent. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's interesting about them. I mean, Scrubs was in the noughties. Community was in, like, it started in the noughties, but mainly took place in the 10s. Yeah. These are all very recent examples, which is what's interesting as to how quick things have changed. Like, presumably these episodes were discussed and deemed appropriate at the time that they were released. Not as, like, you know... We're not like, oh, we're, we're this small, like, indie project I, who are like, fuck them out. Look, these are established shows from the establishment. I it was guarantee okay. half of it wasn't even discussed because it didn't need to be discussed. Didn't even need to be discussed, we, yeah. Well, a lot of these examples were aired after the election of Barack Obama. Yeah. America wasn't a fundamentally racist country in 2001 or two or three onwards. Mm. Just wasn't. Yeah. You know, but we'll get to that. Yeah. But Golden Girls is by far and away the, mo- the oldest example. Yeah. The episode is called Mixed Blessings. It's it's basically this... Um, you've got the main character who's called Dorothy. She lives with uh, two of her friends, and they're all elderly women. And also, I think Dorothy's mother lives there as well, and she's, like, the the character who comes in at the end of the scene and is just outrageously, like, comedic. She's, like, she gets all the big laughs, you know? But it's mainly just these three women who mm. live together. Uh, Dorothy's son comes home to visit um, and says to Dorothy, look, I... I um, I have something to tell you. I'm getting married. And she's like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a shock, but that's fine. And he's like, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have to warn you, though. The girl I'm marrying, she's black. Now, Dorothy is a bit like, you know, you can tell she's not, like, thrilled with the idea, mm-hmm. but she basically goes, uh, you know what, Michael, because the guy's called Michael, I, you know, if, if, it's, if it's good enough for you, then it's good enough for me. I can, I can, I can look past this. Mm. And Michael's like, oh, great, there's nothing to worry about. Lorraine, which is the name of the black girl, she turns up the following day. Turns out she's twice Michael's age. She's like in her 40s. Mm-hmm. Dorothy is not okay with this. Dorothy is like, I do not approve of this. You did not tell me she was double your age. And so, you know, like, oh, I was I was looking at her thinking, right, that's going to be, that's the prejudice of this episode is that she is okay with her being black, but it's the fact that she's old. And somehow that, like, wires have got crossed. Mm-hmm. And they think they, they're having a go at her because she's black. Then Lorraine's parents turn up see Michael and go, Lorraine, you told us he was younger than you. You didn't tell us he was white. We don't approve of this marriage. So, right. so you're like, okay, so I guess that's the that's the thing, that the black people are being bigoted. That's why it's yep. cancelled. And then, so, so the two women who live with Dorothy, throughout the episode up until this point, they've been trying out, like, 
these various like beauty and fitness techniques. They've been going to the gym, they've been going for runs, they've been like, you know, doing like foundations and cleansing skin things and whatnot. They walk into the room as Lorraine's family has turned up with mud masks. Right. That is why the show was, the episode was considered so racist it had to be removed. Because they were, in the presence of black people, they wore mud masks. Mm, fuck off. The same joke as Scrubs, which is, Pretty oh much. my god, look how it looks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All of it, just fuck off. <laughs> they even, I mean, they, the, the black people, I think, mistake them for thinking they're in blackface. And Betty White, who's one of the... Um, yeah, she's one of the women. She's like, it's okay, we're not black, you know. So, the, the, I suppose the joke is like the show knows that it's like the implication of blackface is yeah. the joke. Yes, even though they're actually not, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that came out in well, I don't know exactly when that episode came out, but like we're we're nineties, yeah, nineties, yeah. So I guess we're like, it's not just what people know. We're like going into the back. Like, we're diving, we're proper diving into the history yes. now. Yeah. And looking for shit. Did you have a final thing to say about all this? I think I did. Was that everything to say about Golden Girls? I mean, the episode carries on. What happens is Lorraine's family and Dorothy both don't approve of Michael and uh, Lorraine mm-hmm. getting married for different reasons, but they end up bonding through their mutual disapproval. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the ultimate resolution of the episode is they find out the reason they're getting married is because Michael uh, has impregnated Lorraine. And the, both of them go like, look, I have my prejudice, you have your prejudice, we have a grandchild on the way, we want to see this grandchild, let's put our prejudice aside for the sake of our family. That is what the episode is about. It's a, yeah, it's about. It's a redemption narrative and it's about overcoming your personal prejudice. Mm. But no, it's, it's, gone. It's, it's apparently, it's, you know, it's too racist for, for the world. Right. To round all this off in summary, have you prepared... Because I've got a prepared statement. You've got a prepared statement. I've got a prepared statement. I've got sort of a collection of points that I can um, haphazardly (laughs) mould into something, if you want. Go, right. Okay. I think, because we've now gone through all of the examples, and there are more shows that have been removed for similar instances, either outright using blackface or just, you know... Something like the John Hamm thing, where it's just like the, the, the... It's evoking the idea of... The iconography of... Black. Black, I suppose. Yeah, that's the thing. I can't even. I don't even know what words I'm allowed to use anymore. <laughs> well, I, I thought, I thought black, none of them. That's another them. point. I thought black wasn't cool. Yeah, uh, for a long time, and then but now, well, now they've capitalised it, so it's great. African American, I thought was the acceptable thing. Yeah, but I was listening to Larry Elder. Yeah. pointed out. He said, "How do you know it could that could be Jamaican? You know, African American." Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. not all black, like. If I see a black person in like Ponty, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're, they're neither African nor American. How I guess black, yeah, black has become okay again, but with a capital B. Okay, yeah, okay. I mean, we've said it enough, so it better be. <laughs> it better fucking better be, be okay. yeah, um, yeah. Of all the examples that we've sort of gone through, I I feel like it's it's fair to say that black people are never the butt of the joke. No, they're never the butt of the joke. I don't think that if I think if black people were sincerely the butt of the joke, they would not. These episodes wouldn't have aired. No, they wouldn't have allowed it. Um, when it comes to like removing these episodes, taking them off of our services, I disagree with that as a as a quote unquote artist, as a creator, because right. I I feel like like we it's better to make it's better to make something that's questionable and question it than to never bother going into those areas. Yeah, pretty much, and it's also just the the um, like I said, the idea that media like art and media can just be erased in, at a moment's notice. I don't like. I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in a world of physical media where right. art exists. It's not just well, it's here for now. It's very sinister. Isn't it's it? very, very yeah. sinister, yeah. 
I can understand the temptation to like scrub blackface from history. As twere. As twere, <laughs> yes. I can understand that how like the, like the mere sight of someone is enough to offend people because yeah. it could, you know whether it evokes like you know oh you know uh, the the plight of our ancestors or you know yeah. I understand that I understand wanting to get rid of it because a lot of people don't want to be reminded of the less tolerant society that we've come from right and they don't want to uh, they want to discourage similar behavior occurring in the future sure. I just worry that this is symptomatic symptomatic of the fact that we in the broad sense now we are becoming so sensitive to the topic of race that we're seeing racism where there isn't and we're expanding the definition to the point of utter meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. Like the fact now, I was just like, oh, is black even okay to say? Right. We said, I think we said before that there's like a lot that, you know, it's been said online that white people are just racist. They're just inherently racist. Do you really want to like tar Tina Fey? Mm. The, you know, the woman who... Asked for it. As tw- <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, she never did it. No, no. Jane no, yeah, yeah. is the one yeah. who did it. But like... She's a woman, as I said, who, like, she's created female-led content all of her career. She's given a voice to women. She's given... She's done the same thing for people of colour and LGBTQ people. Do we really want to tar her with the same brush and give her the same label as the man who murdered George Floyd? Well... No, no. Whether he is or isn't, people are I giving see. him that label. Okay, okay, okay. I just think that cre- that is so reductive. That just creates more problems than it solves. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just think it's important to demonstrate to people... I think it's important to demonstrate to people who feel genuinely uncomfortable mm. uh, or offended by certain content that their voices are being heard. Yeah. And I and I can see that being one of the reasons why people think, oh, enough people are complaining about Scrubs, for example. Mm. Let's take that content off. But, but let me quickly interject, because we were having a conversation, a private conversation with somebody, and we were talking about listening to other people's points of view. Mm. And you said, just because someone is not agreeing with you, mm. don't assume they're not listening to you. Yeah. And so I agree with you that people who feel disca- uncomfortable should know they're being heard. Absolutely. Doesn't mean we have to listen. Well, that's the thing. They should be shown, like, you are being heard. Yes. Whether we agree with you is a different matter, but yeah. you are being heard. Right. I just think that it's equally important that we only penalize content slash creators who are actually committing acts of discrimination. Right. Don't, like, like, like I said earlier, like Tina Fey, Dan Harmon, these incredibly liberal people, who you know, like Dan Harmon? Oh, I make sure that all demographics and all people are represented in my writers' room. Right. And yet, by removing an episode of Community from Netflix, are we not saying that he has committed an act of discrimination? Yeah. The implication is the implication. Racist. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's sort of what I'm saying. Is that my problem is that we're we're punishing the wrong people because we want the people are looking for an easy fix to racism, mm-hmm. and I think that. The fact that there are episodes like that episode of Community where Chan calls uh, Shirley and P- uh, Shirley and Troy dirty mm. is proof that this is not, you know, inconsistent. It's inconsistent, and we're deaf. This is not the way forward because mm. there's always going to be something that is as, if not more, offensive that requires a bit more of an attention span yeah. and a bit more nuance that is always going to remain, and that is going to be used to trip you up. Also, mm. the, the kind of vagaries of it, and the fact that like the Nazis were pretty. Ki- all cons- you know, all encompassing, consistent. Mm. Everyone who's not this, yeah. Whereas, like you said, the utter. I'm not I'm not saying therefore the Nazis are better, <laughs> but like the, they're so arbitrary. They just yeah. what is acceptable and what's not. Yeah, exactly. Nothing really means anything. Was that your? I guess so. Yeah, okay. that wasn't really. Um, it won't sound. It, yeah, just chop it together from that. <laughs> it's like oh yeah, these these are all points I had written down, but it's just this like yeah. 
There's this the That's right. word fu- spaghetti mm. going over to your like right point one point two. <laughs> Not point quite. Three. But yeah, it's a fumbling topic, isn't it? It's hard to marshal your thoughts. To yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. What I want to say is, you'd be forgiven for thinking that we're talking about shows from the forties or the fifties or the sixties, mm. but we're talking about shows that started in a new millennium with Golden Girls as the, as the exception. Yes. And these are liberal Hollywood writers. Right? Never mind genuine racists. There aren't even. They're barely even conservatives working in Hollywood mm. in the entertainment industry boring middle America middle of the road conservatives uh, primetime propaganda it's a book highlights this these top producers of these sitcoms and dramas right mm. openly admit that they will not hire conservative writers because it doesn't service their agenda so forget racist you're not even getting conservatives through the door don't make the mistake of thinking that where we are now suggests progress just because time has passed that doesn't mean things have advanced or improved the late 90s and noughties were the sweet spot. Things can and do get worse. Like we've said, these employments of blackface do not demean black people. They do not stereotype black people, with one exception. And the very purpose of that is to slam that sort of stereotyping. What was the exception? Uh, John Hamm in Amos and Andy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say we lose comedy if we lose irony, but it's not even irony. Other characters express their disapproval. Either context matters or it doesn't. Mm. It does. George, you and I, we've watched old films and thought, ooh, that's a bit not on. Oh, yeah. None spring to mind, uh, but, <laughs> but that feels right, right? Yeah. Uh, but we were aware we were watching something over time. When I watched Birth of a Nation, I don't view it as a reflection of the America of 2020. It had a fucking bad attitude because context matters. If you're going to lecture people, and presumably children, mm. because history is written by the fucking gobbiest, and now by those with the densest meme load, those kids are not going to grow up to see any evidence of this apparent ubiquity of racism. Mm. But let's make a broader point. <laughs> let's. Let's. About actual racism. Statues of empire builders and slave traders, Nazi propaganda films, racist stereotypes in old films and books. Eraser and censorship do not promote enlightenment. They breed bitterness and ignorance. 1984 was supposed to be a cautionary tale, not a fucking strategy guide. If what we're saying is just anathema to you, I'll just ask that you consider one line of questioning. Do you want us to be thinking about the legacy of racism or do you want it expunged? Do you want our grandchildren to know about slavery and suffrage and civil rights? Or don't you? Should reality be so cleansed of the sins of the past that future generations are ignorant of it? Those who don't know our history are doomed to repeat it. The more you obfuscate the path behind us, the more we get lost in the woods, the easier it is to backtrack. Genuine progress requires a panoramic display of every footprint and scene. <laughs> okay. I do, I do just think the problem is, right, particularly with cancel culture, this is the last thing I'll say. Yeah. Mm. Um, with cancel culture, is that it is so, because it is so over the top at the moment, mm. and because we're, you know, we're taking things, that, just taking them away. Yeah. I just think we're lending ourselves to, like, a risk of people, like you said, like, a risk of people going, well, you said it was racist, but... There's nothing here. Yeah. Like, what, Oh, this what, is a mistake that hasn't been made before. Yeah, I yeah. guess I'll explore this territory. You know, you, but yeah, because the thing is, right, is you take it all away, it's people like, oh, they, they've gone on about, you know, and, you know, it'll go down in history as like 2020, uh, the year we curbed racism finally. <laughs> like, that'll be the dumb thing. thing. But then someone, someone will come along, they'll come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, oh, I can do this. No one's done this before. Mm. Well, actually, we did it 50 years ago. It's just that apparently it then wasn't acceptable. Yeah. And it'll be a stupid joke. That's joke. Stupid joke. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. Yeah. But because it'll involve race in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. we won't be allowed to do it. 
I'm or they get cancelled for it. genuinely worried. Like I said, I do think it will drop out. My, my worry is when the next thing happens, when the next George Floyd happens, because it will, unfortunately, it's going to inflate even more and more yeah. and more, and it's mm. going to like catch up to where we are yeah. now and carry on, sort of thing. That is the way the world works. I'm worried, yeah. not worried, but I'm I'm wondering if like a like a dang- like a dangerous byproduct of this could be that because we're already seeing situations in which characters who played not even. Uh, characters that aren't their own race, but like mixed race characters, people who voice mixed race characters are retiring from their roles. Like, are we are we on a path to a point where if you're a white screenwriter, you can't write people of color? We are on that path, yes. If yes. you're so, we're, are we going to like end? Are we going to get to a point where shows no longer have a mixture of races? It's just this is a, a white people show. This is a black people show. This is an Asian people. Here's show. the thing: like twelve years of slavery. So I don't want that. I definitely don't want no, that. No, that, that, that is segregation. It's literally segregation, <laughs> yeah. But that that's the thing, it's gone too far the other way, right? Yeah, it's yeah. 180. Yeah. Um, 12 Years Slave is written by a black man. And I would say, even though no one alive has experience of racism, contrary to, you know, popular thought. Racism, like, of that level, like slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, did I say no one alive has experienced that racism, or did I say slavery? That racism. That racism. Oh, I meant slavery, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, no one alive has experienced... Uh, slavery, I do think there's something to be said. That, you know, it's it, it's more meaningful when written by a black guy. Mm-hmm. But if you pursue that line, you think, well, he can't write any of the slave traders. Then he can't write any of the white mm. characters. He can only mm. write the slaves. And yeah, it's just I'm worried that our kids are either going to think we're fucking idiots, either because of what we're doing now, or because we we're telling them everything's racist and they're going what, <laughs> or saying, do you know, there was a time when Martin Luther King wasn't considered naive by civil rights leaders. Yeah. Because everything they're doing is basically saying that MLK got it wrong. He wanted equality, like, it's a bit, no, no, you can't have equality. You've got to have supremacy for a little while. I find, and again, it's something that, it pertains to certain people, it does not pertain to everyone. Right. But it's the same thing we got with feminism. Mm. Feminism. Steady. <laughs> so <laughs> feminism got to a point where you started getting offshoots of what they were going for and we got to a point where there were feminists are you talking who, about like second wave third wave fourth wave or yeah. intersectional feminism and all that sort of yeah, yeah so we got to a point where there were cert- there was a certain group of feminists who didn't want equality mm-hmm. they wanted women on top preferential treatment um, men on top in bottom. fairness we want women on top as well oh that is <laughs> oh, <fussy. laughs> um, but it got to the point where they were like no 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 women should be earn-, you know they, it was only a group mm. uh, like you know we're talking certain people but it was like oh no women should be earning more mm. um, men should be earning less rather than like yeah, yeah. having been yeah. the other way around you know not equal and my concern is that we are going to get to the point where there will be a group it will be a group mm. who are going no 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 it's not enough to say black lives matter it's not enough to say uh, you're anti-racist that's you, or you're not racist or any of that mm. it'll be no 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 but black lives matter more than any other life right. yeah. around there and I think yes. a group will of that will happen because that's the is that the the current thing or it's like we're not saying that only black lives matter we're saying the black lives matter too the thing that I see a lot mm. is people going like someone's house is on fire and they're going oh but put water on that house as well but that house isn't on fire yeah they do, we're saying Black Lives Matter because they're at risk at the moment is the idea mm. yeah but buried within it is a but you know it'll never it'll, th- th- those people will never get to a point where they will happy they'll be happy using hashtag all lives matter no mm. that, that'll never happen no. mm. victimhood is intoxicating right yeah 
Doctor Who. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> My favorite thing is you've done that with every subject in this podcast. Is we've been like talking about something. <laughs> so, and you've just talking gone, about something a bit so, like something completely different. Yeah, yeah. So Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So blackface. <laughs> Okay, so this is series eight of Doctor Who. It is. This is the first series of Peter Capaldi. We stopped doing something. You're not gonna do it, are you? Well, you're doing that bit. Are you too early there? Yeah, it was the next one. Yeah. It was after the fourth. Uh, yeah. That's fine. Bar. No, it's more like well in series eight it's more like it's like that. weird isn't it okay. yeah all right well that's done and that's all you need to know about series eight to be honest it's <laughs> like a dying cat no i'd like it then um i've split my notes into things i like peter capaldi clara danny and things i dislike oh, oh right peter capaldi clara and danny aren't have... under like no it's not things i like ones. peter capaldi no <laughs> Oh, no. How do you have that many categories for this series? Uh, but, well, that was just my way of instead of because I'm not going through episode by episode anymore of like so I can make all the points. So there's still a structure. Yeah, to yeah it. so there's a still bit a bit of a structure, structure to it. Yeah. yeah, direction. I should there's say there's no structure to the fucking show. We've got to be better than the show, Eddie. <laughs> we have to rise. Oh, above we were the show. already better than the show. <laughs> like, come on. All right. Let's so we start with Danny. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what does this say about uh, Mr. Pink? Other than well, I have. He's a, there. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, I was tempted to say, especially in light of our last conversation, uh, I was, I'm was i just going to say it. One of the notes I originally made was, he's a, a pound shop Mickey, and Mickey wasn't exactly Wade Rose. But I know what the, the implications oh, could right. be there. Right, okay. Um, I have a bias against good-looking characters and people, actually, that are awkward. They wind me up. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, it's the idea that like his his time in the army has, has like left him awkward, quote-unquote. That's the idea. Yeah. But no, no. But it's, it's like in normal people with Connell, right? Connell is the attractive sportsman, yeah. But is also weirdly intelligent. He's, he's a tortured writer, and you know, yeah. yeah. It was just, just bollocks. Fuck off. No, no, stick to rugby. No writing's for us. No, <laughs> yeah. No guy exists like that. That is the the, yeah. the women's wet dream that doesn't exist. Ex- yes, exactly. Yes. That I, I was. We were talking about this. That's like the uh, the male equivalent of the manic pixie dream girl. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sturdy, moody rugby. Muse. <laughs> Say it again. Sturdy, <laughs> moody, rugby muse. Okay. Is that the title of the, of the episode? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll review. Um, yeah, he's... Um, also, he, he takes Clara off the market, which is uh, cardinal sin, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> what do you mean, off the market for other fictional characters? <laughs> or, or are you transposing this into the real world? No, just in general. She's not... She's not, yeah. she's not on the market anymore. Yeah. Um, How dare you, Danny? Um, yeah, Danny Pink. Do we at least admire the, what they're trying? I guess. Like, what are they trying? Well, in lieu of now that the mystery of Clara has been solved, I think they kind of realise, oh shit, Clara has no character. We need to give her something to do. She didn't have character in the first place. No, she didn't. That's the point. <laughs> like, we need to give Clara yeah. something to do. Oh fuck, what do we do? Oh, give her, give her. Give her a romantic... Give her someone give, outside give of the Doctor. A, give her a complication outside of the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. With a lot of Doctor Who, we we are forced to say, can we at least admire it for it trying to do a thing? Yeah, well, yeah. 
Not anymore. No? I got, I've, I can't just admire the attempt now. I need the result as well. Okay. All right. Uh, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, with Danny, I know he's a soldier, mm. but in the caretaker, he's not a fucking Power Ranger. There's like that flip over the mm. guy in... Oh, the Scovex. Yeah. yeah. The, thi- the thing I will say about... Because it's Samuel Anderson is the actor. Yes. That's right, yeah. One okay. of the history boys. Yeah. He's a good stage actor. Okay. And he's, yeah. he's in Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind, he, yeah, yeah, he's kind of all right in that. Right. <laughs> I'll clarify. All the history boys, not all the blacks. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, he's kind of all right um, in Gavin and Stacey. Okay. But in this, I genuinely think there is some seriously bad acting. I well, I don't think it's that. I just think that outside of the revelation that he, spoiler alert, killed a kid in Iraq. My G. It, or Afghanistan. Or Afghanistan. Yeah. They killed a kid while yeah. in, a, in a combat situation. He's an absolute legend. <laughs> Black Ops. <laughs> we can keep that in, right? We yeah, keep that in. Oh, oh, mate, fuck it. <laughs> no one's on our side at this point. <laughs> yeah. Mate, we're three and a half hours in. You think people are listening? <laughs> Even the people who listen who are our friends are not listening at this <laughs> like, point. Fuck, this is a long podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, apart from that, and the fact that, like, the final episode is him sort of coming to terms with that, what, he, what, what is Danny, other than that? Yeah. He's just a guy, isn't he? Like, a sensitive kind of guy. Yeah. Rugby, whatever that word was, that term was. Rug- um, rugby mewling quim. Something like that. Muse. <laughs> Musely, I don't know. St- sturdy moody rugby muse. Yeah. Sturdy moody Yeah, there was no quim in there. You no just throw a quim in there for no reason. Yeah, he's a, I, I'll, you know, I'll believe that he's a good stage actor, but yeah, everything I've seen him in, mm. he's fine. Mm. He doesn't wow. You don't mm. get the sense he's a great actor. He's just sort of there doing his sort of his little London sort of speaking. Yeah, that's all he's doing. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got to say about Danny. What are we moving on to? Uh, Clara. I've only got one note for her, and I, I like her a little bit more than I did in the previous series. Mm. She's colourless, but she's perky. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Is there much else to say about her? No, she's still there. I think there's more to, like there's more to say about she's her. She's still there in series nine, mate. Yeah, but I think there's more to say about her in the context of her dynamic with Peter Capaldi. Right. I think she, I think her and Capaldi have a better dynamic than her and Smith. I agree. Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, because uh, Capaldi, which I assume is who we're mo- moving on to now. I would have thought so. Um, like obviously he's older than Clara, a lot older mm-hmm. than Clara. Well, that's not fair to Capaldi. What he is though. That's, that, that's that's the one thing you can say empirically. Oh, okay, all right. He's the oldest Doctor to ever play. Was, Doctor was she? Like? Yeah, he's older than Hartnell, right? Yeah, she's in the yeah. late twenties in Doctor Who. I think so. Yeah. Well, she's twenty. I think the character was like twenty six, twenty seven. And he's fifties. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's two thousand. Well, he's two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Old. Yeah, he's a lot older. Like, all right. <laughs> all right okay. You want to be technical about it? Um, yeah, fucking I do, John. <laughs> but Matt Smith was a lot older than anyway. Uh, yeah, but he didn't look it. Ageism. Yes, he looks it. Um, yeah. He looks like an old person. So obviously they can't do the oh the companion and the doctor will they won't they they can't do that. So I the, mean they could they could go down a fun alley. With I that. think Capaldi. <laughs> I don't know if they were planning on doing it, but I think Capaldi said in an interview he was like, right, you're not doing this. They right. probably yeah he probably. Was. I don't know whether it was just like a preemptive I, it, just so it, we're, I'm clear it's, this is not happening. It's one of those things where I can imagine Capaldi going, okay, I know there's a lot of weird shit that goes on here, but does, yeah, not d- that. there's three hearts of Doctor House or two? two, two. Does he have two penises? No, I don't, think, I don't think so. He ba- otherwise works basically the same biologically as we do, right? Yeah, just two hearts. Just two hearts, okay. And so his, br- his brain is a lot brainier. When one gets tumescent, that's mm. blood pumping there. Oh. So oh, yeah, maybe is, maybe they just got a, like incredible bone. Either he's got a massive cock, mm. or it hurts so much every time. Yeah. Ah, 
you know, so I, I can't imagine he has sex with anybody. But River Song. Well, no, it's it's, it's like it's like human. No, he doesn't have sex with River Song. He doesn't have sex with no. kids. No, he does, right? When? Well, he says. Oh, she says in Impossible Planet. She's like, as you'll find out, I'm quite a screamer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think the implication is they do have sex. Well, I mean, to be fair, they. they oh, oh, I see paddles in that river. There you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're last night in Derillium. Derillium. Strumming a song. <laughs> um, yeah, their, their last night in Derillium is a long time, so they had some time. Yeah, we, we're getting we're getting to that. Yeah, so there's obviously no will they won't they dynamic. So they're friends, but the the relationship they've kind of like the relationship they've sort of gone with is that Capaldi is kind of like a bastard almost. Yeah, like like a fun bastard, like a sort of a a moody uncle. Yeah, he's like yeah. a harmless bastard. Yeah, uh, and Clara. I want to say moody because we use that for also cantankerous. He's okay, a cantankerous. he's a can, yeah. cantank- cantankerous individual. Yes. Uh, and Clara is kind of doing damage control for a lot of it. Right. And she's sort of like, oh, she, you know, she gets a bit uh, moody with him, but ultimately it's like, yeah, you're all right. Stroppy. Stroppy. we got to keep, stop using moody. Why, are we, why, why not moody? Because we're using moody for the sturdy, uh, uh, moody rugby muse. Okay. Yeah, I think it has yeah. been said like six times in the last... Yeah. Okay. Well, he's cantankerous, she's stroppy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sassy, bitch. Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a... I don't think it's a dynamic we've had before. In certainly in New Who, right? I think that's a nice. It's a nice dynamic. It's kind of like moments where, um, in Inside Into the Dalek, for example, where they they end up in the the Dalek feeding tube, and a soldier has already been killed by that point, and and one of the other soldiers is like, "Is David or whoever is David in here?" And Capaldi just goes, "Yeah, top player." If you want to say a few words, right? Like he's being a bit of a prick, you yes. know, and that's fun. I don't because I don't think Moffat has had an opportunity to do that kind of dialogue. Right. Or it feels like he's got a bit more freedom with the the doctors, what the doctor yeah. says. Mm. So that's nice. It's refreshing in that respect. I don't think it's refreshing in the same way that the transition from Tennant to Smith was refreshing. No, no, definitely. No, not. but no. it definitely it does feel different. Yeah. I mean, in, well, I in a good say, I mean, sense. Matt Smith is in episode one. Yeah. So. Well, that's one thing I want to um, ask briefly because during our. The eleventh hour discussion mm-hmm. it was my favorite episode of Doctor Who. We talked about it for a while, mm-hmm. but I said that one of the things I love about that episode is that it's such a confident piece of television. Deep Breath is not confident. It spends a lot of the episode almost apologizing for the fact that Capaldi is old, because you've got like Clara's whole thing about like you know, oh, but he's old now. I don't know if I can. That's yeah. not the Doctor. Because she wanted to fuck Matt Smith. Yeah, because she wanted to fuck Matt Smith. Um, you've got all of that, and then at the very end of the episode, Matt Smith shows up on the phone basically says to Clara look I know he's old but like can you can you just deal with it please that's me? interesting because I, I don't um, I don't view it that way I don't view it as the episode apologising for him being old okay I feel like it's her problem and everyone else in the show is going he's the doctor are you treating him like this yeah yeah it's a problem for her right? but we're supposed to be with Clara right uh, well are we who, who are we broadly supposed to be with the Doctor or with Clara? Well, that's the thing. The Doctor is not really in this episode. They they kind of yeah. do the David Tennant thing where he's out of it for like he's asleep and whatnot for most. Of yeah. It. So this is Clara's episode basically. She's the main right. character of this and episode. She's a moody bitch. Yeah. She's well. She's the co- the crossover. Sorry. She's, she's yeah. a stroppy bitch. Stroppy, stroppy bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So she's like the thing that we're familiar with. Yeah. So we're sort of like viewing this change through her. I would say. Yeah. And Clara is not approving of the change. Of no, but she's got she's got a lesson to learn, hasn't she? Yeah. I mean, I'll jump to one thing that I like. So, their handling of the regeneration mm. is the closest I've seen to acceptable. Okay. This observation that the Doctor chooses his geysers for a particular reason. Yes. I, th- I think that's interesting. Mm, okay. The shell is like, 
just an external manifestation of where he's at psychologically mm. um, as long as the conscious continuity uh, he's not actually different he's just in a different headspace mm. it's more of an issue for the companions yeah yeah, that's I definitely seen good. that mm. before yeah I'm not saying this is a bad thing yeah. by the way the fact that the episode is so unconfident but I definitely think that's in there I definitely think they were aware of the fact that like especially in New Who all of the actors playing the Doctor have been young right. so to suddenly jump in age it might be a bit jarring for people and also, also you can't you can't you can't you can't, you can't, you can't. Give me a minute. You can't, you can't, you can't escape the fact that um, they're probably very aware of like the Doctor Who shipping community and you can't really ship Peter Capaldi with anyone. Right. Apologising or easing you in? Easing you in, definitely. Okay. But it, that, as a result, it lacks the confidence of the 11th hour, I think. Okay. Whereas Maybe. the 11th hour was like, bam, new style, new Doctor, new companion. Here, here it is. Sure. Deal with it. Deep breath, it's kind of like, look, we know he's old, but it's still Doctor Who, we promise. You also, though, with, with the 11th hour, you're getting Moffat writing for the first time as showrunner. Yes. And now you don't get... He's not going to be as reinvigorated as the No, material. that's very true. Um, right, let's talk about Capaldi then. Okay. Knowing nothing about Classic Who, basically, mm-hmm. Capaldi feels like a throwback. Not in a bad way, necessarily. Mm. Even like what he's wearing, it feels like an old Doctor. Yeah. In The Caretaker... There's a moment where he's angry, and Danny says, look at him right now, that's who he is. And I was just thinking, yes, Malcolm Tucker. <laughs> do, do you not agree with that? He is. Yeah. He's, yeah. A bit, he's a pound shot Malcolm Tucker in this season, isn't a he? A bit. It's yeah. not that I can't divorce him from that role. I I, I, I think they deliberately... Like, I feel like you will with Series 9. Well, Series yeah. 9, they do change him slightly. Yeah. But I don't, it's just the fact, it's Capaldi angry, it's Malcolm Tucker. It know? is. The thing is, it, it's just the perfectly inhabited Tucker because his face it is the, yeah, matches it, that character. Yeah. You know? It's definitive. Mm. We talked before about Eisenberg and Zuckerberg, like that's be, they orbited and hit the right thing. Yes. I do like him, though. I broadly like him. I don't love him, but I like him. Okay. He's not gurning. He's doing his thing. Mm. He's not trying to prove anything. I'm not saying with the others that you like felt the weight of their acting, mm-hmm. but Capaldi does bring experience with him, and that shows, I think. As an actor, I mean. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's his eighth season. I would agree. Doctor. It does feel like a throwback, though. If he right. feels like an older Doctor. He's lived in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so you see the experience of him as an actor comes into the performance of he's not trying to put on a show or be that kooky eccentric. Mm. He still is that, mm. but he's just doing his thing. He doesn't yeah. give a shit. What's the quote? It might have been from Jenna Coleman or one of the showrunners. I'm not quite sure who said it, but it's... I think it must have been Jenna Coleman because she was both a, a Smith and a Capaldi companion. Right. But she said that um, the difference between the two of them is Matt Smith would dart around the room, whereas Capaldi, with Capaldi, the room orbits around him. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's a very good observation. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I don't love him, but that makes me suspect I like him more as the show goes on. We'll see. Because this, this version of Capaldi, they don't retire completely, but this is not... Quite the Capaldi that continues. Okay. So we'll see what happens. You can't give me anything. I swear to God, this <laughs> fucking show. He changes for every series. Brilliant. I, well, yeah, yeah. No, he's, diff- he's different. He's different in series nine, I'd, and I'd, then he's different. I would in say 10. the biggest jump is from series eight to series nine. The jump from nine to ten isn't jarring. I would say. No, it's not jarring, but it is another jump. Yeah. He's different. Yeah. Alright, let me talk about the things I like. Okay. You can't say near. He's a, <laughs> he sulks for part of series ten. Oh, he's not sulking now, is he? Not in a, it's brooding, nice, it, no, brooding. Yeah, he's brooding Eyebrows. now. Eyebrows. He's Scottish now. Oh, did you get all the all the Scottish all the Scottish stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 these eyebrows want to break off my face and form their own state of eyebrows. Right. It's like topical humour. Because at the time, Scottish referendum. Yeah. Okay. 
So the things that I liked from the season. Mm-hmm. I liked the monsters and deep breath as a concept uh, that you can't move or breathe when they're looking at you. That, like the CG, the like the shot of like the side of the creature right. where you can see inside a tent yes. and all the mechanisms. Yeah. That's some of my favourite CG work the show. That's very time. good. That looks mm-hmm. great. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Seamless. Yeah. Um, that kind of set blends itself to a Blink-esque episode. I don't keep fapping over Blink, but... No, I think it's fair. Yeah, it doesn't do that. And you, it could have done. You do, though. Yeah. <laughs> it could have done that and it didn't. And I thought that yeah. was a bit of a waste of a really I think cool it's, it's too bloated to be a blink because it's a long episode. It's, yeah. it's like 75 minutes, 80 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they should have delayed that monster to, to a more confined kind of Maybe. constricted episode. Maybe. I liked one episode. Is it Listen? It is. Yeah, I thought it would be Listen. Uh, that that opening that cold open yeah where, I was in yeah had me like where it. he's on top of the TARDIS and he's basically like talking about them you know we know that there are creatures who are perfect hunters we know that there are creatures of the perfect defense how do we know if creatures that are perfect at hiding exist yeah and like, that, something that, as simple as I like yeah that's it yeah Go. and when and when he's like you know if if a creature could hide what would they do and he turns around to the whiteboard to the blackboard and it just says listen on it yeah you're like all right. Yeah. I'm Where not- have you been, Moffat? Where have you come from all of a sudden? Yeah. Have you guys had that dream? I, I haven't had that I've dream. had... Mm. What, something under the bed? Yeah, you get up and it you- grabs your feet when you put your feet down. Not that. I've imagined it, but I've never had that dream. I've had the, the, the wolves chasing you dream. That's a dream everyone has, right? I don't think I've had that one. Okay. What are the ones? There's the wolves chasing you. There's your teeth falling out. Your teeth... Um, Turning up to an exam and not having revised and not knowing anything. Yeah, I've had that. For actors, like, being on stage and not knowing your lines yeah, and yeah. all that sort of thing. I've, I've definitely had teeth falling out. And I've, I don't think I've had turning up and... I mean, my, my biggest one is the, the falling. I have that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have the falling, falling one. Yeah, that's, and I have clowns, a lot of clown, uh, <laughs> clown-themed dreams. It's not... Um... Do- doll-themed dreams. Doll-themed dreams. <laughs> um, but also, I was, a, I was afraid of the dark as a kid. I think um, it is, right? No, 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 but like... Like, petrified. Uh, but like, I had like a nightlight and my do- my bedroom door was left open with right. the landing light on. I got you. Yeah, I, I never liked that, see? I, the, the opening the bedroom door and the landing light on, because I didn't love the dark. Mm. It, I always imagined something poking its head around the door. Oh, okay. Well, the, so, the thing, and, now, and now will you yeah. too? <laughs> no, 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 because the thing, for, the, the thing for me that was the comfort was I could then hear the TV downstairs. Oh, I get you. Okay. Like, uh, so I could, yeah, so I could hear things downstairs. Yeah. So even if I like... Felt like I heard something on the landing. Right. I was never concerned because I knew that there was someone downstairs okay. doing whatever. Right. That's so, for those terrifying moments when you wake up in the middle of the night and they're in bed and all the lights are off. Yeah. Like, oh God, I can't move now. I'm stuck here. <laughs> yes, and also, um, obviously, like when my parents went to sleep, they used to push the door up. Right. So then, if I woke up in the middle of the night, yes, and it was dark, yes. Because um, no, it's not even that. Because sometimes they would unplug the nightlight that I had. Right. Not ever, not like always, but there would be occasions where they'd come in, they'd take out the nightlight, they'd shut the door, mm. turn off the landing light, and I'd like wake up, pitch black. Oh, what? <laughs> Where <laughs> fuck are they done? <laughs> like, um. Okay. So back to listen. Mm. I really think it's a cool idea that fear is a superpower. Mm. I think that's a really good lesson for kids. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the idea that anything fearless is at a disadvantage. I thought, yeah. That's good. Mm. That's mm. good. I just like the whole thing. I don't think I really got it fully. Okay. The ending of it, I recall being a bit, I'm not really sure what's going on. Is that when she's uh, with the doctor in bed? And yeah. She's like, like what that means. Okay. I think I think that's probably worth, it's worth pointing out. You'll probably know this, Eddie. Mm. Um, that speech at the end with Clara, where she says, she concludes the speech by saying, fear makes, compa- 
She doesn't say that. She says, fear makes companions of us all. <laughs> fear makes us Are you mocking me? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, doctor. Don't be scared. <laughs> 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 yeah, she says, um, fear makes companions of us all. I believe that is a direct quote from the third ever episode of Doctor Who. Is that where the term companion comes from? It could be. I yeah. think the implication, the implication is definitely that Clara, in, well, Clara instills that fear in the Doctor. Right. Because she grabs him from under the bed. So she's right. the one who plants that, that fear in him. Yeah. But I think it also plants that speech in him. Fear makes companions of us all. And I think it's also an implication, yeah, that she sort of, you know, companions. That right. sort of... Moffat is good at the cyclical thing. The yes. time cyclical. Yes. Ouroboric thing. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, it was by, said by the first Doctor in the third episode. In the third episode. Okay. You were sort of saying, Eddie, you were complaining in the series, in our last podcast, we were discussing Series 7, Episode 2, that they never do a story with future Clara after she's resolved. I think listeners as close as it gets. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like she's talking to the young Doctor, but it has implications for yeah. Capaldi's Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that the stakes are more episodically confined for mm-hmm. most of it. Yeah. So the ending of Kill the Moon, their argument that they have about him being patronizing. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I liked that because I found it interesting because it made me think outside the show. Mm. He is patronizing, right? I'm glad she said it. Okay. Because it is patronizing. But okay. uh, there's something called a noocracy, right? Right. Uh, where like the philosopher king rules. Mm. And there's this argument that the best form of government would be a benevolent dictatorship, not okay. a democracy. Okay. The most like for the people would be a dictator who knows what's best. Mm. I honestly don't know how I feel about the Doctor's role in human affairs, whether he is obliged to intervene or whether it's none of his fucking business. Okay. So that I thought, I thought interesting, because I don't know where I land on that. Okay, debate. all right. What about you? Well, what, what is my opinion of whether he should be involved in human affairs? Yeah. Um, or is he just an interloper? Well, isn't that, that's the, the direct thing of Star Trek, isn't it? Like, do we follow the Prime Directive or do the we get involved? Yeah. yeah. Um, what was Star Trek's answer? Both, because yeah, oh, right. Spock who was like, we abide the prime directive. Yeah, Bowen's saying, for God's sake, man, they're they're people or sort of people. Yeah, could be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> oh, that then. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, what do you think? Should he get involved or should he stay the fuck out of our business? Yeah, that would imply I think the latter. Yeah, <laughs> I um, don't know whether he should. The point with the TARDIS is it takes him where he needs to be. Right. So whether he should be involved. So the TARDIS is like the it, part of that it's kind so, of like he's being made involved whether he wants to. So the yeah. TARDIS is the governor of human affairs to some extent. To so some that extent, has its own consciousness. yeah. Because yeah. the TARDIS, the TARDIS can see all the time and space at once, right? Yeah. Right. So the TARDIS knows right a crisis occurring at this point. Let's take the Doctor there. Yeah. But yeah. for the TARDIS, they can see all the space and time. Aren't all crises happening at all points ever? Shh. <laughs> yeah, that's like I was going to say, don't put a plot hole in a shit show. <laughs> there are enough as there is, Sam. It's like have the mercy. Mate, they basically just... Have a town called Mercy. Bend. No, never oh. do that. Yeah. Um, they, um, you know, they bend time, like, whenever they want. I know. The use of a sonic screwdriver changes, like, series to series. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you you saying, like, should he get involved in human affairs? I was going to say yes on the condition that, like, he doesn't get involved in the serious stuff. So, for example, you can't kill Hitler because Hitler right. needs to happen. No, but then a, he knows that certain things are fixed. fixed, fixed yeah. Stable. So, for example, so how Hit, did, Hitler always it would always be a fixed staple. Yes, but that's the thing. Like it's 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 
I'm saying like you can get involved in the little stuff, but the big stuff you have to leave alone. But then again, how would we know? We don't know what the big stuff is. In the is he how, do, how do we if 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 he like turns up here and is like, oh, you can't do this podcast anymore because it'll have like mm. severe implications in the future. Okay. Like, how do we know? Like, throw, it's like a big thing or a little thing. I'm going to throw a hypothetical your way. Okay. There's there's a small town in Cornwall. Okay. Small community in Cornwall. Is it called Mercy? It's not called Mercy. I'm listening. <laughs> it's in Cornwall. And the, for whatever reason, tourist season has dried up. And it's like Jaws, right? The community's going to fall. Mm. People are going to have to move up sticks and all that sort of thing. Yeah. A whale is beached in this community. Mm-hmm. A space whale. <laughs> to make it sci-fi. <laughs> Um, Star Whale. Star Whale. Yeah. Is beached. This is horrible, but that draws tourists all over the country. Hmm. And the money they bring in just for that one weekend sees them through to the next tourist season. Okay. It's an exaggerated example, but should the, do- um, the whale dies? Should the doctor unbeach the whale? Or should he let the whale die? That's a relatively small thing. Yeah. So if we say he should leave it die, then I would say he shouldn't do anything. What's wrong with him unbeaching the whale? But, like, in place of there being a dead whale, they, like, open a museum to, oh, there was once a star whale that was beached here. Okay, be a break in the frame of the hypothetical. I'm not really, because I'm not really, because I'm trying to, like, how can we change this? We have the opportunity, we have the tools to change this situation. Why would you not choose the the outcome which benefits everyone? Okay, but if if the only two options are the whale dies or you unbeach the whale. Those are the only two options. Well, I don't think you're looking at all your options here, No, but I'm the one providing the hypothetical. Okay. I'm telling you that your hypothetical is narrow-minded. In the hypothetical, between unbeaching the whale or leaving it die, what should he do? I mean, things are... I'd probably kill the whale if it meant... (laughs) you kill it? Kill it! it You wouldn't even let it die naturally. (laughs) Ah, just like... Cheekly stab. (laughs) the whale. Fucking cheeky stab. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh you want to come out on the weekend for a cheeky stab cheeky stab <laughs> fucking prick some blubber he <laughs> was purely part of the fact it was just George <laughs> yeah <laughs> roll up roll up cheeky stabs only five pound oh man okay. oh. Um, See, this is what you don't get on Skype, right? <laughs> no, that's you true. do not get this cu- level of fucking funny shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, so you should kill the whale. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I realistically, if it were me, I'd probably let it die because it does more good. Yeah, utilitarian. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like for the doctor, if he was going to like unbeach it. Mm. There's a part of me that wants to say he would travel and see what happened if he un- right. if he unbeached the whale, yeah, and what happened if he left it. Okay. Because then he knows parallel universes. He, he knows what the future lies okay. depending on the act. Yeah. Well, I don't know. The doctor. What would the doctor do? Because there's a couple of things the doctor would do. He would either just like like you said, unbeach the whale because I'm not going to let a creature die, especially if it's like last of its kind. It's like right, right, it has to live. Or would he just like go back in time and just like you know make sure that whale has a good life. <laughs> so so that when death comes it's like you've lived a life whale you've had your reward like that Christmas episode where she gets the exactly yeah yeah except it's a whale except it's a whale <laughs> he just fondles it every now and again <laughs> um okay does the doctor have absolute or relative morality does he abide absolute or relative morality describe the two what are well the two absolute options? morality is murder is wrong and letting anything die is wrong okay so even if the, this whale dying saves this town, yeah. I can't do it. Okay. And then relative morality might say, 
Murder's wrong, but not all the time. And in this case, I should let the thing die. Okay. What does he abide? I would say more relative. I like in both situations, the whale dies. <laughs> fuck the whale is. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you... Uh, what does he abide? It's relative, right? I it, it's based on the situation. Yeah, I think, I think he wants to have absolute morality. Right. But he does have relative morality. I think that's his... Yes, yeah. okay. Seeing Frank Skinner in the show mm-hmm. made me think of all the British comedians and actors that haven't been in it so far. Obviously, we have talked about who we might cast as the Doctor. We talked about Ben Whishaw, Riz Ahmed. Fuck them. I want Bob Mortimer. <laughs> Tell me that's not a brilliant piece of casting. <laughs> <laughs> that is atrocious. <laughs> How did <do>, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I am starting a petition right now. I'll only have one. I don't care. I'll, I'll march it to the BBC myself. Moses without his exodus. You ain't, you ain't getting more on the cast. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. Because the BBC's too woke these days and they'd rather hire Riz Ahmed. Okay, let's say the BBC's sensible. Can we hire Bob Mortimer? The BBC ain't sensible. Let's say it is. If you believe. You two aren't abiding the rules of hypothetical <laughs> situations. Give us better hypotheticals. <laughs> no, don't give us hypotheticals. We're plot holes. It doesn't have a plot hole. I said, the BBC's sensible. Then can we no, hire Bob Mortimer? No, that is a right, plot Ed. hole. The BBC is not sensible. Right, Eddie, let's workshop Sam's hypothetical here. Right, go on. <laughs> Make it better. So the BBC are not sensible. In real life, no. Yeah, yeah. so that, that can't be part of your hypothetical. Do you know what a hypothetical is? Yeah, but no, no, but it has to have... You're presenting me with a situation that could happen, right? Hypothetical. Yeah, you're presenting me with a plausible, like, situation. Right. And and the the idea is this is an exercise to see... Well, it doesn't have to be plausible, but yeah. Hypothetical can be anything. What was the point, then? What do you mean? People do those stupid things like, would you rather have a fish for a head or whatever for whatever? Yeah. People answer the... That's not a plausible hypothetical, is it? Science is making incredible advancements. Yo, this is what's going to wind me up. Okay. <laughs> um, Would you rather have a thousand chicken-sized ducks or one chi- duck-sized chicken? One duck-sized chicken. <laughs> That's the thing you mean, though. That's yeah. the kind of thing they do. Yeah. Ducks and chickens. There isn't like a. There's not a match. I, 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 I think the actual thing's a horse, but I could. Yeah, horse. Yeah. Like, like like duck-sized <laughs> elephants or elephant-sized yes. ducks, maybe. But like a duck-sized chicken. That's it's like a yeah. fat chicken. It's duck-sized horses or a horse-sized duck. Yeah. I would take the horse-sized duck because I'd want to see a horse-sized duck. <laughs> Mate, I want to see a dinosaur-sized duck. Oh, Can you imagine cool. how terrifying, like, chicken-sized horses would be? They could just, like, tiny, these tiny, this, like, horde of tiny horses just galloping Yeah, you. but you could just snap their backs with your feet. Yeah, but they could overpower you. Boot a fucking... No, really. you just boot a fucking horse, mate. What can, what can they do? They're so small. Just, just keep doing that. Yeah. Mate, I just realised someone's going to clip that and we're going to piss off the animal rights people as well. Ah, uh, get them all in a minute. <laughs> fucking... We are getting cancelled by every fucking... I think, I think Jews are foul. <laughs> <laughs> um, Women? Don't see the point of them. <laughs> What's the appeal? <laughs> yeah? Okay. I won't say what I came to mind. <laughs> Go on. You will say it. <laughs> no, because I was... No. I, There's I, enough of a gap that I can cut this. Yeah. So... I was going to say I'd never trusted anyone from Iraq. Oh, there you go. I've never met one, so yeah, technically I never have. I've met someone from Iran. Have you? Yeah. What, what were they? Hey, it was alright. Yeah, I went to school with him. Oh, right, okay. His name was Razor. Razor. Yeah, but he... he okay, he, he said Razor. He, 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 he of course I'm Razor. Um, okay. Uh, the character stuff at the end of Kill the Moon and Mummy on the Orient Express. I think it's among the show's best. You sounded so enthusiastic when you said that. Well, it's... This character stuff, oh, it's just it's so it's good. It's among the show's best. <laughs> well, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not a fucking 
weeping over it. <laughs> what, do you, um, what do you like about it then? Well, other uh, than the fact that it's just a change from the norm and, oh, this is interesting, and then they do nothing with it. Well, the fact that it's interesting, mm. they'll do. I mean, Kill the Moon, obviously we talked about, Mummy on the Orange Express, you have to remind me what that even is, because I made the point at the time, but I don't even know what that is now. Okay. I mean, we've, I like the fact that we skipped over the Kill the Moon and False the Moon as an egg. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> do we have uh, to? Mummy, they're on, they're on the Orange Express and there's a mummy. No, I mean the ending of it. What's the ending of it? Oh, she calls up Danny because she's about to come home. Right. And she calls up Danny and Danny says something or during the phone call, Clara decides that she actually does want to travel with the Doctor. Because the whole premise of Mummy on the Orient Express it, it is... the last... This is the yeah. last time we'll ever travel together. Yeah. But then at the end of the episode, Clara's like, Danny's fine with it. He's the whole reason. Like, she lies to the Doctor and says, yeah. Danny's the reason I wasn't travelling. I think but he's fine with it now. The thing I'm thinking of is the, is it an addiction stuff? Yes never tried to give it up let me know how it goes I thought that was really good hmm. his motivation does seem to be conquest to some degree he picks or the TARDIS picks a foe or lets one pick him and he says it himself just oh, the next one and the next one and the next one until I beat it so there is an, an air of the travelling is an addiction the, no the, the, his motivation is to beat things right <laughs> not okay. physically beat them but like you know I've seen him punch a dialogue. to vanquish foes to punch ah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the opening montage yeah, punch a Santaran don't punch a Dalek <laughs> yeah the opening montage of the caretaker that's really good listen is a great episode yeah it's objectively the best episode of the season yeah. I don't think any of us are going to disagree with Eddie that Eddie disagrees does Eddie disagree I, it's alright what is your favourite episode of the, of the series Flatline Flatline okay because I was going to say like listen is the best episode yeah but I think my favourite episode is the caretaker okay I just really like the the um the tone of it and like the approach that it takes where it's sort of like it's a fun jaunt but there's also a bit of like you know a bit of drama in there as well and it's just I don't know it's just fun mm. it's the first time it felt like the tr- the show truly settled into that dynamic of like the Doctor and Clara and I think like the Doctor pretending to be human is always fun you know uh-huh. no apparently <laughs> no, apparently it's not <laughs> just let the silence sit <laughs> well it's, it's just the fact that he's, he's trying so little like he's right. putting so mm. little effort into his disguise it's like ah oh, I'm a human blah, I did like the um the pre-credit stinger where it ends with them saying most people call me the doctor and then you've got the credits and I wanted to just go straight back into the room and have one of the teachers go why? <laughs> <laughs> you're a caretaker yeah. why do they call you the doctor? you're not a fucking spy yeah yeah that's all the things I like oh there was nothing else? that's it oh okay. those are the things I like what about Missy? do you like Missy? not really oh <laughs> I like Missy yeah I think she's alright you know we'll get to her it's 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 um I think it was, in hindsight, I think it was a good impulse to do. Because obviously at the time, like, oh, the master is a woman. Uh, uh. But I, I like that, you know, Missy is a uh, is a character unto herself, almost. Mm. You had John Sim, which was, you know, the maniacal master. But you've kind of brought Missy into the show and you're sort of changed. I know, it, you know, she goes on a bit of a journey in later seasons. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, she's maniacal master. She is, she's but kind she's of, a woman. Yeah, she's maniacal yeah. master, but also there's sort of like... Um, Flirtiness. Yeah, there's flirtiness and there's sort of like the reason she's doing what she's doing is so that her and the Doctor can sort of meet each other on the same level. Right. She says in, in Death in Heaven, I just want my friend back. That's why right. I did this. Mm-hmm. I, wa- I need you to see, Doctor, right. you and I are the same because right. I just want a friend again rather than I'm the master, I am evil. Right. Mm. Okay. And John Sim wasn't quite that, but he, no, was, but he it, was mostly that. But this is the thing with, with Missy, the, the point obviously at the time was people were going oh when are we going to see a female doctor that was like the conversation had started by that point yeah yeah and they went well 
give you a female master, see how you do. A taster, yeah. yeah. And she's better than the female doctor. So. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, no, 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 she no, is. No, yeah, she is. <laughs> there's no... There's no, there's okay. no uh, I don't like the new music. No, I don't, I don't think anyone does. Yeah, no. uh, titles I could take them or leave them, but I don't like I don't like the Clara theme either. No, that one's... You sh- <laughs> no, that one you have to like. No, I don't. No, you. I don't like it. I don't like it. Clara's theme is good. It's a it's, good theme. It's too... You, you've weird... You're weird. Why am I you, weird? Like, you, like, Murray Gold's music, all the way through the show, you've been like, oh, the music's too plinky-plonky. Oh, this music isn't yeah. very good. No, it's good music. No, it's plinky-plonky. No, it's good. No, it's not... It's not bad. It's not not remarkable. Clara's theme is majestic and it's pretty, and you need to just um, gay. You need to you need to just many, come to terms with the fact that you just you just wrong. Joy, 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 Joy. How many times you had a wank over that theme? It's irrelevant, Eddie. Because <laughs> we're talking about Sam it's right the now. Soundtrack to his come. <laughs> it's just that and a picture of uh, Clara. <laughs> just Jellicom. Picture. I got a poster. You've got posters, Jack. Oh uh, yeah. Oh come on. Man. You know this. You've I seen don't that know. Post, that. You? Okay. Not, I can't remember. Do not go over that with the UV light. What? <laughs> of her as Clara. Well, it's her and Matt Smith. Right. So okay. it's Clara and the Doctor. Definitely do not go over that with the UV light. No, I, I, I shan't. Um, ben Wheatley was a waste. Okay. I think he's a perfectly fine. Well, he's a good director, but if he's not writing or Amy Jump isn't writing, I don't really see the point. Right. He's a script. See, I don't think of him as a visual stylist. Oh, interesting. Okay. I feel that England, you know, is when, very evocative. When was Ben Wheatley involved? He directed the first two episodes of uh, Series 8. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a waste then. Yeah. They're I, still, like, good-looking episodes, I think. Yeah, but... Yes. But I think the series in general, I don't know what you guys think, I think this is the best-looking series of the show. I don't... I prefer it lower-key. lower, lower key. I prefer it more higgledy-piggledy. I like Tennant. <laughs> Well, and, uh, okay. Eccleston. That's. I think that's a different conversation. What right. style best befits the show? Right. I'm just saying objectively, this show has never looked better than series eight. I guess, but if you, if I, you I don't think, know how to answer that really. I, in terms of like its high deafness, yeah, that, yeah, and the cinematography as well. I just think is okay, but yes, it doesn't suit it in my opinion. Okay. I, I prefer the, like I said, the the chaotic, mm. the chaos of those early okay. seasons. Robot Sherwood is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of bit of a cringe, bit of a cringe fest, isn't it? I've seen that too many times now. The myth, the historical mythical set. Also, yeah, it doesn't do anything with the Robin Hood mythos other no. than draw a parallel between Robin Hood and the Doctor. And just confirm, which of course they were going to do. It's an episode yeah, of and Doctor just Who. confirm that Robin Hood was a norm, was a guy. Yeah, yeah. But that, that where it's a mythical setup where the reveal is they're robots or something mm. like that. Uh, the troposphere contextualized by an external logic. It did make me finally think about Robin Hood clearly, though. Okay. As, as a as a figure. So at first, he's like, all property is theft to Robin. He's like, oh yeah, of course, he's just a fucking communist. And then later, he says, they're like, why do you believe this? Like, oh, I was stripped of my titles and my lands. Like, oh, he's the bitter commie then. <laughs> so I made me finally think about, yeah. Well, if you're going to take away my possessions, then no one will have <laughs> possessions. It's like uh, Guy Fawkes being a folk hero. Right. He's a terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, that, that, you know, Guy Fawkes, he chose to blow up a cool building. He failed. Uh, well, yeah, but that's, that's what makes him fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's got a lot of clunky dialogue. What is? Uh, well, the episode, the series in general, but this episode, there's that line, when did you start believing in impossible heroes? Don't you know? Oh, and then she hugs <laughs> him. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, it, the set of the line, it's, not, it's like that line from the West Wing. I can't remember exactly what it is, but the 9-11 has just happened and all these kids are touring the White House and there's a lockdown, right? 
and all these kids are stuck in the cafeteria with Josh and he's explaining terrorism to them and he says something like he's, he's explaining the motivation behind the hijackers and then a kid says why do you call a place that every day you're just sat and a bomb could go off next to you Israel so the, con- the conceit the contrivance to yeah. set up that Israel it reminded me of that when did you start believing in impossible heroes don't you know right okay <laughs> Um, yeah I don't like the inconsistency I guess it's deliberate but that he's sometimes interventionist sometimes he abides the prime director yeah you you said that you liked that the episode the the stakes are sort of confined to episodes right I feel like there's some instances where that doesn't work like you've had you've got Into the Dalek for example which is supposed to be like an exploration of the Doctor's character that question is posed at the beginning am I a good man Clara right and then at the end of the episode the Dalek says you're a good Dalek Mm. like that's what that episode is then the next episode he suddenly like Robin Hood shows up and he's like I am the Doctor and this is my spoon like what? yeah this this is (laughs) like when it was airing and there was like a week between it like maybe you could get away with it but Mm. no this is like if you're binging this yeah this is so jarring it is. I'm, ben Miller is is not Lord Farquaad. He's boff. <laughs> He's yeah. boff. He's boff. Um, kill the moon. Humanity letting the creature live. I'm calling bullshit on that. Well, it's about abortion, isn't it? We'll get to that. It's about abortion, right, Eddie? I just was, saw it as the moon was an egg and that they <laughs> were very <laughs> literal-minded. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just saw it as like an episode of Doctor Who where there's a monster, I guess. I No, because I'm saying that I don't think Doctor Who is that clever anymore. No, I no, because it's not clever, it's political, and Doctor Who's definitely political. Right. And I think an episode of Doctor Who, which is... Well, I want to talk about the, the final conversation between him and Clara, but in an episode that's basically pro-life, that's political. I right yes thing. I didn't see that when I watched it. It did not occur to me whatsoever that it was about that. Okay, but it doesn't sound unlikely. Yeah, because um, what happens in that episode? They find out that the the moon is, for lack of a better word, pregnant. Yeah, and it's about to give birth. Mm. The implication they 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 say like oh the implication is like the moon will disintegrate and the earth will suffer because of it. I don't know what the real life facsimile of that right. is. Uh, but basically, like they have to decide whether they're going to abort the moon. They're going to kill the creature inside so the moon stays together, or whether they're going to, they're going to let the moon be born. Mm. And the Doctor, the only man in that episode, fucks right. off. He's basically like, "Oh, you, you're humans. This is your planet. Your moon, your choice." Right. Right. Does he say that? I don't know if he says exactly that, it's but that's basically, basically what that. it is. How much of this is projection, though? I don't know if it is. Have, have any of the writers acknowledged that it's a, a metaphor for abortion? You, can you double check that, Eddie? Because I'm I, I I feel like I've seen that. Because thing, I'm not saying. I'm not saying it sounds feasible, completely yeah, yeah. feasible. But like your moon, your choice. If that was said, right, it's yeah. clear. Yeah, it might well be. But that final conversation between him and because Cla- they decide that the reason they, how they're going to decide is they're going to ask the planet, they're going to ask Earth, mm. if you want the creature to live, turn your lights on. If you want it to die, turn your lights out, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If you want it to live, turn the lights out. Yeah, yeah. And they all turn their lights out. Yeah, uh, there's being an optimistic humanist, then there's just na- naivety. Yeah. Like, everyone on Twitter would be hashtag turn the lights out. Yeah. But real people in the real world would be, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. No, let it die. Also, other people pointed out, um, half the planet can't vote. Yeah, Asia <laughs> doesn't get a vote. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. um, the, half the planet is faced away from the moon. Um, oh, l- lucky for them, they landed in the West. I'm guessing it's the West. <laughs> I'm guessing, yeah. It's never explicitly stated, though. <laughs> All of China, like, no. 
<laughs> it died. It it does get compared to the, it has been compared to the pro choice debate. Yes. By the writers or by critics? By critics. Okay. I'm I'm happy to accept that that's what it's about. Yes. But yeah, the thing that I find interesting about that is they're basically told like, you know, kill the creature, right? That's the choice that they're given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they then ignore this and they let the creature live and convenience being what it is mm. the creature immediately lays another egg and the moon is fine right Clara then basically has a go at the doctor for saying like why the fuck did you let me did right. you did you abandon us yeah and the doctor's like oh well I thought you you know it was your choice mm. it's your plan it's your choice I'm leaving you with that decision you don't want my opinion and mm. Clara's like but you abandoned me right I wanted your support. I didn't want you to just leave me be. Right. I found that interesting because I feel I've seen like talking. We've talked about abortion a little bit before on the podcast, and I've said that like I've seen that it it said that men don't really have a say on whether the baby should be aborted or not. It's women's choice. It's our body, our choice. So it's interesting that Clara basically had a go at the doctor for leaving her with the choice. Yeah, there's there's a certain sphere of thought that says the man has absolutely no role to play in yeah. it. Yeah. And it's arrogant to suggest otherwise. So yes, it is interesting, especially for showing the BBC, mm. if it is indeed about abortion. Yes. For her to go, but that's nuance, isn't it? She has, to, she has to go, well, yeah, it was my decision, but you didn't have to abandon me. Yeah. You could have counselled me or whatever. Yes, exactly. I guess that's why I view it more through the prism of, should he get involved with our affairs? I don't view it through the abortion lens. I view it through the kind of utilitarian lens almost. Okay, all right. Uh, him as an alien... Who who's above us in that sense? Okay, yeah, that's, uh, you that's know, fair. a watchman kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. Uh, Mummy on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. There's a line where someone says, "I can't tell if you're a genius or just incredibly arrogant." Yes, and his response is, "On a good day, I'm both." Surely it should have been, "Yes, I'm a genius." <laughs> yeah, yeah, should have yeah. been, should have, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I'm bored of the corporate afterlife thing. So we had the Doctor Who did that. It is, because it's so student Yeah, filming. so, like, genuinely, having spent three years in university, everyone makes a corporate afterlife. I made a corporate afterlife yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's, I, that's an idea you grow out of very quickly. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's just a sign of the times. Yeah. Or whether they were that desperate for something that they leaned on corporate afterlife. I will say, I like, because I think, I think it's, is it in The Caretaker that we first see that place? Uh, the corporate side of it, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. So the, the, that moment where I was thinking, oh, it's Malcolm Tucker, they bring in fucking... Chris Addison. Chris Addison. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't know about you guys. Yeah. I fucking hated Chris Addison in this. I don't love him generally speaking. I like him in the thick of it. Yeah. But um, the thick of it and some of Mock He week. is right. unbearable <laughs> in this. He he's doing that kind of voice where he's sort of like talking like this. Yeah. And it, all the way through, and it's just... He says, wee and he yeah, dies. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to be the always helpful person, isn't he? Is he? I think that's what he's trying to do, right? Because it just Very comes across cool. as, like, arrogant and, you know... I guess that's the not the joke, but the... That does come across yeah. as arrogant, you know? Where am I? Well, how do I put this? You're dead, and... Yeah. Like, Fuck off, mate. <laughs> I dies. Overly saccharine. Yeah, kind of, I yeah. hated him in this. <laughs> Uh, the, in Death in Heaven I'm not going to give the show this much credit but if so fair play I felt like they were going for a depiction of the sacred and the profane because there's a moment where the Cybermen rocket skyward yeah. and it's next to a travel lodge <laughs> <laughs> so right adjacent to a travel lodge like the sign clear 
as they, you know, speed towards you, the well, Yeah, you mentioned like the hodgepodgeness of old Doctor Who. I right. assume you were referring to the Russell T. Davis era when you yeah. said hodgepodge. Yeah, that feels like a very Russell T. Davis shot. It does. Mm. Cyberman invasion against the backdrop but of it's, a travel. But St. David's, yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh, I will say, I don't know if either of you picked up on this. At the end of um, Dark Water, when the Cybermen exit, is it St. Paul's Cathedral? Yeah. Is that what they are? They exit St. Paul's Cathedral and they're out on the, and they're, they're on the street outside. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the entire location is different. Yeah. No characters have moved, but all of a sudden they're outside Live Lounge. Yes. Yeah. Were we just not supposed to notice that? Uh, it's if be- you're not Welsh. It's, yeah, unless you're Welsh. But it's not even as if like, oh, it's like, if you know that location, you know it's different. It's completely different. They're on this narrow street, whereas before they were on like this open, they're in this open plaza. And now they're just like in this narrow street with like a shopping center behind them. Check me only got so much time to film in the plaza. It must be. Yeah. It must be like practical reasons, yeah. but it's... Well, I know they definitely only had so much time they were allowed to use St. Paul's front door. Is that where they, I read that they, they had to mouth dialogue so fans didn't overhear the reveal. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the made it. Yeah. Um, right. I'm not going to say Michelle Gomez is bad, right? I'm well, not don't. Gonna, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but I am bored of these types of villains. Okay. And this is outside of Doctor Who as well, just broadly. Okay. Confident, unhinged showman. Okay. I haven't seen a great original villain in a very long time. But she is so that, isn't she? I know that, but you know what I mean? I'm bored of that I know, I know, thing, I know what you're stuff. saying. I know what you're saying, but it's just, it's the the uh, intensity of that performance, I think, that right. um, is what's appealing about Missy. It's okay. not that she's an archetype, it's that she is so that archetype. Right. You know? Okay. I think she's okay. Okay. I'm okay with her. Okay. That's everything I've got to say about Doctor Who Series 8. Okay. Is there anything you had to say, Eddie, about Doctor Who Series 8? I like the first half of the final two parts. That's what that water. Yeah. yeah. I like that water. I thought that was okay, yeah. 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 Um, I, I, Danny yeah. Pink died walking into traffic on like a perfectly straight road where both the car and Danny would have seen each other coming. I was saying to Jordan, do you think, are you, do you... They I, killed him off screen. That is my favourite bit. Do you bit. adhere to my suspicion that she said I love you and then he threw himself into traffic? If only that were true. <laughs> oh, there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Um... Because you don't watch the next time teasers, do you, Sam? I, no, I try to stop it. Okay, you won't it. be aware of this then. You okay. will be, Eddie. At the end of In the Forest of the Night, which is... I think that's... Robert Sherwood is bad, but that's my least favourite episode. I don't mind movie. In the Forest of the Night. I don't mind it. I think it's okay. I like I like the kid. Just, like, doing that the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? Because <laughs> is funny. What does fun. that say about you as a person, genuinely? Everyone knows I'm a cunt these days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I've, I, I've literally professed nothing other than suggesting I'm a cunt now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the the next time teaser at the end of In the Forest of Night is it reveals information from both Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Right. It's a, a they aired on the same night, did they? No, no, no. Oh. They aired a week apart, but the next time teaser is for both episodes. Okay. They very deliberately cut it in a way that implies that Clara is now a villain. Right. So they show that, they show like her in the volcano... Where like the doctor's on the ground looking up at Clara and she's like, there's a volcano behind her and he's like, Clara, what's wrong? And then it shows the bit where like, Clara Oswald never existed. Right. And that's just not the episodes. No. That's, for me, that is just straight up false advertising. It's weird with films and TV shows, isn't it? Because they're not chain- they're not putting in footage that's not there. They've just manipulated it in a way to suggest something. Yeah. But like, l- Drive, 
you know we love that film but that was made to look like a Fast and the Furious type film. oh yeah it was yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad it wasn't but. oh yeah absolutely it's the case of it we're okay with it yeah, yeah. We get, you gotta put pe- get people's asses on the seats yeah um, I, I know what you mean mm. yeah yeah I, I didn't like that I no. thought that was that was not it's a weird thing with Doctor Who though with those next times because they're always cut a certain way like no, no, I don't, like I don't, the because the, the series trailers like 90% of them it's usually like the first four episodes or something oh yeah but I don't feel like they're ever unreflective of the episodes they're certainly not as unreflective of the episodes as no, the Dark it, it, yeah, it is a, it is a bad one yeah yeah because I watched it and went oh maybe this will be better than I remember and then it like I liked Dark Water but then yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I think that's it that's it um, so we like Peter Capaldi we don't love him but we like him yeah that's what you're saying? Yes. Okay. What was your opinion of Series 8 in the grand scheme of things? It's better than Series 7. Okay. But so is rectal cancer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's better, it's better than Series 7. <laughs> I, I, I think it's better than Series 6. It's weird. My oh, memories sure of the early seasons... It, yeah, it is better than Series yeah. 6. My memories of the early seasons are quite vivid. Um, but the more up-to-date it gets in terms of chronologically, the more I forget. That's because it's bad. It is that. It is yeah. bad. Because it's interesting because the first four seasons, you binged those. Like we were recording podcasts every week. Yeah. Um, so you had to watch like 13 episodes in a week, basically. Whereas now we're taking a bit more of a gap between episodes. So you have more time to yeah. consume and sort of um, digest. digest it. And it's just not staying with you. No. Yeah. So it says something, doesn't it? About those older seasons. Yeah. Five, I think I quite liked. Thumbs sideways, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six was bad, seven was bad. I guess. I would say, yeah, five was the last time you gave a thumb, thumb sideways. I guess I would give this a thumb sideways then. Mm. Okay. Even though I only liked one episode. Yeah. Just by virtue of it being better. When you say you only liked one episode, is that the only episode you had positive feelings towards? No, there are other things, the other ones I thought were okay. That's the only one I, I can use the word it, I liked. I would say, yeah. Without it, reservation. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's a series where it's a thumb sideways because there are enough thumb sideways. Yeah, there are yeah. enough. Yes, I would say. In terms of what's okay, that probably might be half and half. What's good and okay are equal to what I just didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, thumb sideways. Okay. But like magnetic pulling it down to the bottom. Right. Okay. <laughs> you made you got a rough ride ahead. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop that. It's not, it's not, it's not that I have a problem with you spoiling it. It's that you're robbing Sam. You're robbing us of Sam's reaction. He's not telling me, to be fair, what is bad. No, but it's sort of like, oh, you know, you're not going to like it. It's like it's setting his expectations. We know he's not going (laughs) to like it. Yeah, but I want him to, like, vividly not like it. You don't even like it. I'm not disagreeing with you. (laughs) You don't like it. We know he's not going to like it. Look, I'll put on a show, even if it's insincere. Oh, you'll put on a show? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Kill the Moon is some of the best character work the show's ever done. (laughs) Next time, Jordan. I'll put on a show next time. Right, okay. (laughs) Okay. There's nothing else to say, right? We are we are done. We're done. That's are, we, are we going to relieve our audience? Yes, we are. Okay. This is probably going to be about a four-hour podcast. This is going to be a long one. If we don't break it up into parts, yeah, it's going to be a long one. Thank so, you for sticking with us. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, and you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and you're welcome. Should we end with that? Yeah. Sorry, and you're welcome. Let's say that on mass. Okay. So on three right. or after three? On three. One, two, sorry and you're welcome. welcome.